This is Tom from Third Rail Design Lab. And this is Born Again Blake. And it's time to... Time to... <laughs> it's close. Release the... Kraken! Begin again, Blake Simmons. I'm doing well. How about yourself, Doctor T? <laughs> so it's a it's a it's a sketchy Sunday night right after the daylight savings boondoggle. So <laughs> the, the hate crime perpetrated the, on humanity. The hate crime. My son woke up three times last night on top of the issues with you know trying to prepare for or deal with the daylight saving stuff, and so today was sort of a hot mess. But it's fine. I'm fine. Everything is fine. <laughs> and you? Uh, I'm in I'm in Roanoke, uh, Virginia. Actually, Blacksburg, Virginia. After uh, a, a suicide run to uh, Lausanne, Switzerland. So it's been quite quite a couple of days. My word! Yep. Y- you don't know whether you're coming or going. I just know I'm sucking. You're <laughs> you're doing like I do on the business trips, making the most of it uh, for some sweet, sweet podcasting. That's great. Yep. So. Uh, I was wondering, should we dive right into our sucking the monkey segment? Uh, sure, but you're, you're going to be very disappointed. I have nothing. I'm I'm sorry. What? Uh, go ahead. Let's do it. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> I mean, you're kidding me, right? No, I'm doing I'm doing this uh, dry sober. That's all I got. Uh, and this is by choice. Yeah, there's the the the, <laughs> the hotel bar closes at like eight o'clock. There's nothing. There is nothing to do here. Oh my word. Yep. Okay, well, that means that there's at least 33% chance that you're going to be slightly more uh, lucid and, and uh, you know, than me. But that, I don't know, maybe not. Maybe at the end of this, and I, if I sound more uh, coherent than you, then, we, then we've isolated a different issue. Yes, it's a, it's a, <laughs> there's a pathology there. <laughs> T- tumors. <laughs> All right, then. Well, then I'm having a delicious sour ale from Boulevard. And um, it's delicious. I haven't been drinking beer for the last couple of weeks, and so uh, uh, I cracked this big, tall, you know, one of those big 750 milliliter bottles the other day, and I'm finishing it off now. It's delicious in a skull glass. Nice for science. Yeah. Oh, it's so. I think the our first our first order of business in this particular session is to discuss a movie that we have been waiting for forever. It seems like like forever, ever, right? Wasn't this being advertised like fourteen months ago? It's 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 been come it's been due for a while, and uh, it did not it's not an overripe tomato. Let's put it that way. Uh, so let me ask you this: When you saw it and you came out, did you feel like it lived up to the hype, or did you feel like you had like did you go in with high or low expectations, and then how how did you come out feeling that that worked for you? I I felt it uh, lived up to expectations. I I thought for but the odds were stacked against it and everything it had to live up to in terms of hype um, were pretty onerous, but uh, I thought it, I thought it did very well holding up against that. And I saw it in a packed theater in Austin, Texas, uh, where there was, there was much hoot and hollering. And so even in that neck of the woods, in that environment, it was still uh, not only 
gratifying to see personally, but very fun to watch in a public venue. So that was uh, yeah. that was good. This was definitely a movie that I had questioned whether you needed to see it on the big screen to get the right impact, you know. And then I'm still glad I did. Uh, it, you know, I, I only saw the 2D version and I didn't I didn't see it even in IMAX, but I could tell that it was making fairly good use of of that format in certain scenes. And, uh, you know, and, and even though it didn't have any of those kinds of set pieces that really screamed big screen spectacle, I still was really glad because of the settings, most of all, I was really glad that I saw it on the big screen the way I did. What about you? Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually, well, you know me, I'm, I'm not that keen on the 3d i don't yes. know if it's <laughs> yes you're smart and whatnot uh but i uh i prefer 2d and i thought it was great on the screen i saw it and it was probably great on any format obviously but it was uh, uh there were no glaring it, it wasn't like so grossy cgi uh, i thought they could have stretched it like green lantern with all the cgi that they had as a costume but i thought overall it was uh really great I didn't. Um, I yeah. I really avoid the 3D when I can as well. It's only been accidents, right? After right. the after the first um, after uh, after Force Awakens because it was the 3D and it was the first you know first film being being shown at the Alamo. I've avoided the 3D showing wherever I could, but a couple of times my wife and I have accidentally like for the first Last Jedi we accidentally got the 3D showing and didn't realize it. Um, and she still wears glasses, and I have LASIK, and so it's even more onerous for her because she's doubly irritated that she has to put the thing on over her glasses. But, um, yeah, I mean, I will try to watch these in IMAX if I can, but in this particular instance, I just had a window. You know, I'm, I'm on standby to head back overseas, and so I don't have a lot of time. And I just had this, this window between commitments when I was in the city. Like, I had a meeting, then I had another meeting, and then that other meeting got stretched out. And I suddenly had this like three-hour window, and I thought, oh. So I just ran right over to the Metreon, where I hadn't been in forever, and paid this extraordinary sum now there, and uh, and just stuffed the movie in between two two uh, two business meetings. It was great. <laughs> yeah. No, it was, was it a packed theater? Was it a packed showing? Um, when I first went in, there weren't that many people, and I thought that I thought, oh, you know, well, I'm seeing it on opening day, you know. Friday, the opening day, and I'm seeing, I think it was, or no, no, I'm sorry, it was in the next, it was early the next week, but I was seeing it at like, you know, 12 noon, and I thought, well, there's not going to be that many people, and within four minutes, the the theater was about two-thirds full, you know, 12 o'clock on a, on a work day, right? And it wasn't kids, so that was a pretty good sign. Yeah, anytime you can get a, a mature showing in the middle of the day, that's always good. Yeah, I, I will say though, I'm still um, so uh, I'm so spoiled by the Alamo and the adults only shut up, keep your phone put away world that it's really frustrating to be in any other theater venue. And this was no this was no different. I mean, I you know it, I had perfectly reasonable people around me, but the couple next to me were talking about them, you know, like, yeah, ooh, yeah, you know, like just enthusiasms. And then someone right below me kept turning their phone on. And it was just, you know, I, it was, it always pulls me out now because I'm old, right? So I was like, man, <laughs> yeah. my tolerance is low for it now. But it's, a, yeah, the, the shenanigans in the crowd, it does make an impact on what you see, obviously. But, but Black Panther, I think, was a, was a great 
achievement for Marvel, obviously, and um, for superheroes in general. I do think that <laughs> everybody claiming that this is the first black superhero movie, uh, Wesley Snipes is probably rolling over in his crack pipe um, because everybody forgets Blade, but um, it was still... Uh... Well, I have a thought about that. But I okay. will say, but but you know, the other thing I was going to say was you seeing it in that packed theater full of people screaming and shouting. That wouldn't bother me much either because it's a it's a it's a fever pitch of that room, right? It's everybody's into it, and and you just roll with yeah. it. It's a normal theater environment where there's just two or three people that are just just distracting you constantly that I can't handle. It's the it's like there's not enough mid range din to, to to drown it out. But if I was in a theater like you, like some of the Star Star Wars ones that we've seen. People are going nuts. Yeah. Or like but Blade Runner, where people, the snoring was yeah. really loud. Yeah, whoever come I don't think there'd be any crowd size that would make me appreciate uh, Justice League, for example. So, That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Even a plus one wouldn't have helped, huh? <laughs> yeah. So, like, there's no amount of you know crowd behavior that would make that any better than seeing, I don't know, the Toledo Mud Hens win the NCAA championship. It would just not, yeah. be, not be good. I think the... I think that the talking point about Blade having been forgotten is not quite accurate. I think when people... I, sure, there's a segment of the population that thinks this is the first black superhero movie. Yes. But I think that, by and large, when people are saying that about this, they're talking about it as being... It's in the blood of the film. Written, directed, almost entirely oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. black cast. Yeah. Um, yeah head-on on themes. I mean, we'll talk about this later, but, you know, I mean, you couldn't have a more... Rele- I mean, hard-pressed to have a more relevant and urgent and risky script um, in terms of the, you know, it, it, in, in so much as you and I can talk about this, right? Because what, what the hell do we know? But, you know, my sense is that this is pretty urgent about, um, you know, the, the experience of, uh, you know, black people in the United States and in the world. And I thought that they were going to be, you know, tiptoeing around a lot of stuff that made no sense about Wakanda to me. And they dove right in and made it the central theme. I think that Ryan Coogler just is so amazingly impressive in the balls that he had to make the film he did. And I'm really impressed with Marvel for letting it happen. So I think when they say first black movie, I think they're talking about that entire package. Because Wesley Snipes was African-American and he played Blade, but that was by no means you know, a film about the black experience in any way. Well, I, I also think I, I, I applaud your, your, your higher end uh, approximation and justification of that. And I agree with it. I also think that blade just doesn't seen as a superhero. <laughs> That's probably true. That's probably true. Just, just another half breed hybrid. Uh, vampire. <laughs> yeah. 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 Although I think, I mean, I, I think originally at the time it, it, it felt more like that until things like underworld and, and other, um, sort of half action, half horror, yeah, genre films just went crazy, and they just kind of diluted that water, right? Oh, very I much. Find, yeah, I didn't find. I mean, other than the first, I mean, I enjoyed the first Blade for what it was, but I didn't even find it that compelling. And I didn't, I didn't like this the 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 first sequel. I think there were two sequels, right? There were there were three Blade movies. I think. Yeah, yes. I didn't like the second one enough to bother to see the third one, even though the third one. Oh, I've seen them, very handsome. I've seen them all Coke. several times. I've seen really? them all several times. I really I love the first Blade movie, but I'm a I'm a vamp head. That's yeah, okay, I get it. But so I mean, I couldn't even find my I couldn't bring myself to see Blade three, even though I thought his co-pilots are very attractive people. I just couldn't <laughs> like I just couldn't find myself there. But I do think he is 
you know, if anything, he has lost, um, yeah, he's lost in the cultural memory because of all of his other problems and the fact that he faded out and had his other issues and has never really had any other, um, he hasn't had a modern presence. And so yeah. it is a, it's a footnote. It's like, it's like the kids today don't remember Crow because, you know, Brandon Lee died and they had no connection to him anyway. And then, you know, the other Crow movies weren't great. Yeah. So that's a thing. Okay. So Black right. Panther. Black Panther. Yeah. Do you want to attempt to talk about the sweet, sweet cast? Or let's do that. Let's talk about cast. Let's start, let's start the cast and then we can do the major plot lines. I don't know if we yes. need a, a scene by scene yeah, of it. But, I agree. Uh, okay. So I'm just going to, I'm going to come around and say it. Michael Jordan stole that effing movie all the way from beginning to end. And I think it was meant I think it was meant to be and I think it was a good thing. This wasn't yeah. one where I felt like that was an unfortunate thing for the protag- for the actor playing the protagonist. I felt like it was necessary that he was stealing this movie thematically, right? Yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. His his character's role helped define T'Challa's uh monarchy right helped redefine how he saw what his role was he was a necessary this is very shakespearean right killmonger was a very he was a necessary component of completing uh t'challa as being a as being a conscientious and an independent thinking king i thought that was amazing yeah you you have to you have to own the injustices of the past in order to make a better future right Right. i mean it's the whole thing and living up with your parental Legacy, even warts and all. Yeah, and it's, it's what Iron Man two aspired to be and failed miserably at. But I think was... I think you're right. <laughs> uh, Michael B. Jordan is incredibly watchable. Yeah, he is. I initially had problems with him in you know one I don't know which the the first I saw Chronicle late, so it wasn't the first movie I saw with him. But whatever. Oh, you know what it was? He was on he was on Parenthood for a while, the TV show, and he was playing a you know. The interracial boyfriend challenge controversy plot point for uh, the, one of the, the you know the daughters on that show, and I just couldn't get around his giant like his lip lower jaw giant situation. Like there was he's got a lot of there there, and I couldn't stop looking at that, and it really turned me off of him uh, you know aesthetically at first, and then whatever for next movie I saw him in, which might have even been Fantastic Four. There was something else there that he did. I can't remember what it was. But well, I there's Creed. There yeah. was Creed. Yeah, which, and, yeah. Which which was okay uh, in all the in the Rocky pantheon, but yeah, you know, Fruitvale, Creed, yeah. Fantastic Four, Black Panther. I think it was Marvel. Fantastic Four. I saw him in, and I and I thought that he was going to bug me, and you know, I don't I don't know, and I don't even remember. Yeah, we did talk about Fantastic Four on this podcast, but I was a lot more forgiving of it than than Chris was. But I'll tell you, I thought he was really watchable in that too, and that really turned my head on on his charisma and his personal power. And boy, does he bring it in this film from the beginnings, from the very first scene that he takes. I, that museum scene was quintessential. All you needed to define that, to basically create that character for the viewer. Right. Oh yeah. And all the flashbacks and particularly the very end flashbacks with the, with the vision quest and stuff where you sort of round out his personal experience were important. But that first sequence in the museum had so much swagger. I just could not even deal how cool he was. 
and that whole thing about knowing what the tomahawk was or what the weapon was, and then the whole thing about grabbing the mask. I wanted him to wear that mask the entire movie. It was so cool. <laughs> I'm feeling that. You know, he just takes it. I loved it. And you know, you know, I'm a I'm a sucker for a good heist, right? That was that was great. It was a really good heist scene. Put put in the put in the context of the overall movie. Um, but I, I and and uh, Lupita, I just adored as well. So it was. I think the casting, the casting on this was fantastic. I just want to know what they did with Forrest Whitaker to make him, you know, whole. <laughs> to make him whole? Yeah, because, you know, he's, he's had the the very distinctive uh, facial features with the asymmetric eyes and everything. Yeah. And suddenly they, they were fine. I didn't know what they did. But Are you it was, serious? Yeah. I didn't notice that. I mean, when every time he first comes on screen, I look for the lazy eye. But, I, yeah, I didn't, yeah, I didn't notice no, that. It was, I don't know what they did, but it was uh, there have been several folks that remarked about it. <laughs> That's funny. The other thing I was going to say about Michael B. Jordan is that um, I think it's really hard to play a character who's got a revenge, who's got a you know a deep seated hatred and a revenge kick, and make him not seem like a cartoon. And he and he played it as someone that you really believed. You believed him in what he was doing, even when it was clear he didn't have a plan. Yeah. That all the stuff he was doing was another variation on watching the world burn, although he had convinced himself that he was fulfilling a destiny that he had. You could oh, see that he didn't have a real plan other than this these broad strokes things he was going to do. Right, and and I'm thinking he wanted to watch the world burn. I think he wanted to save it by uh, establishing Wakanda's and world power. Right, burn right? the world and, and then, then save the, the world. There, there, there is nothing yeah. like uh, destructo in his mentality other than to blow up the current power structure of the world and and make it for the better, which I think resonated a I don't lot. Agree. I don't agree with you. He is, you know? I do not. So first of all, I think his, his scorched earth policy about the rest of the planet was designed so that they would be the only ones standing and then they could they could basically dominate every country in the planet, right? Basically become an empire like he's like he described. But right. I think also his his approach to Wakanda itself, it was a place he'd fantasized about being at that he wanted to be a part of and he wanted to lead. He wanted to be wanted by, but he had no sense of the culture or the traditions or the values of it. So the first thing he did was clean house. Oh yeah, and yeah. But very I mean the the fact that he was torching the 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 heart shaped herb showed that he had no plan for his legacy. That well, no, that he didn't want he that he was the end all be all. He didn't want right. any competition. That's right. how I view it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But, but uh, I'm saying that's uh, that's a that's no plan when you don't when you if you if you want to set yourself up as an empire emperor and you don't have a plan for your secession, that shows that yeah. it's it's yeah it, the megalomania has taken over. But he well, the thing is he was yeah. never a cartoon about it. But it was a uh, it was a uh, very Trumpian. <laughs> I would say that's very true. But I also love, and this is, and we won't have to dive deep into it yet, but the very end was surprising. It was like, it was a very satisfying surprise where you have the, you know, oh, you saved me. You know, it's almost like it's going to be that thing where he, you even want as a viewer, you almost want him to have been deflated and to, you know, accept that he was misguided and for him to you know, make the statement that he made, which was extremely political and important. And then to take the swan dive, I thought was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. Well, but it, but it, it also hit what a lot of people didn't like about the comics is that they, they, if there was this great nation state within Africa, why weren't they more aggressive in limiting the tragedies of that entire continent? Absolutely. And so it was, 
and, and so the, the usual the usual trope about, well, we, we don't want to be seen in world history, otherwise we'll be affected by it and we'll lose what makes us special and blah, blah, blah. You know, the, uh, yeah. basically the, an elven trope. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and then just blowing it up. And it, you know, what I also liked was that it would, it reminded me a lot of uh, Iron Man when Tony just comes out and says, yeah, I'm the Iron Man. Yeah. Hell of it. And well, yeah, particularly at the end, right? <laughs> The end, right. well, but but what I loved about it was that he was being but that uh, Chala was being told by a a childhood confidant and his enemy that the the isolationist attitude of Wakanda yes. was short sighted, and they each had a different um, sort of had a different take on it, and neither of them had an altruistic take necessarily. But it was interesting that that through this sort of this this crucible that he went through, that he comes out the other side one hundred percent in agreement. But just with a different focus, with a very positive focus, and I mm-hmm. thought that was interesting. And of course, you know, it's very easy to be, it, or I guess for people of a certain age like us, you know, we look at the end of that movie and it's sort of like Elysium, right? You're like, well, okay, <laughs> it's going to immediately devolve into some serious problems, and it'll be interesting to see if the ripple effect of what kind of technology in the world will be an important part of Infinity War and beyond, because it's a genie in the bottle that you can't put back, right? Um, but I thought it was bold and exciting that they went the way they did. I like that the entire narrative structure of defining Chala as a leader. I love that it happened right after he got back from Ultron. And I love that this whole thing's endgame was teaching him to break out of everything that he had been taught and everything he had spent the whole film fighting against. But they did it in a way that ma- that made it feel honest as opposed to like just a, a switch flip. You know, you bought it. You bought that journey. Yeah, yeah. but I also and it also I think uh, you know I just love the way that they portrayed uh, historical references in such an off the cuff and lighthearted way. Yeah, like um, when when they're when they're talking to the other Tolkienist, the uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like you're you're a colonialist, like <laughs> oh yeah, well, we'll get to him. <laughs> I want to yeah. I want to talk about Chadwick Boseman because I think okay, okay. it was incredibly difficult for him uh, to play Black Panther in this movie in a way that it wasn't difficult in Ultron. In Ultron, he had the exotic mystique, and he had the accent, and he had the the, the intensity, and he said a lot without dialogue, and it was really cool. In this movie, so wait, are, playing... you, are you talking? Are you talking Civil War? Yeah. Oh yeah, because he wasn't in Ultron. Yeah, sorry, I mean Civil War. Both times when I said Ultron, it was a test, and I really meant Civil War. Okay, okay. So, (laughs) what I loved about this was, you know, I'm sorry to be, you can't talk about Black Panther without being political, but he rolled into this movie with this Obama approach, right? He's very, he had this thing where he was going to be a peace builder, and he was going to, you know you know, double down on the, the value system that they had. And he was going to be very calm in the face of, you know, a lot of other more extreme views. And then it was, and then he's overshadowed in, even within the, in the story, his character is overshadowed by the dynamics of these other players who are challenging him and he's defeating them, but he's constantly being tested and probed and tested. And what I found interesting is he, he, he was able to portray a character who was supposed to be leading it, who was, you know, he's supposed to be leading this world and he's being 
tasked constantly through the whole thing from either his ex-girlfriend to the adversaries to the other tribal leaders and all that stuff and he makes it through to the other side and you never feel like he was lost in that film or at least I didn't feel like he was lost or overshadowed I just felt like he played he played that particular level of controlled calm very very well yeah yeah, no and I I do think they they tried to um one, the one thing I think they could have done better is to make him a stronger protagonist. You right? think so? It seemed, it seemed for a, a large part of it, he was he was along for the ride and not trying to take charge of it until, you know, when he needed to. I, um, I, I hear you on that. I think part of that was due to the fact that his, his position in the story was, we're going to do nothing. We're going to yeah. be cool. And in whether it's, you know, period pieces that you watch or... You know, whatever story in in any story format, when the when the protagonist is like my 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 position is we're gonna do we're gonna do fuck all. It's really hard to be dynamic. It's really hard to seem like you're making you're taking a position and being, um, you know, being a proactive leader if you're saying we're gonna do nothing, <laughs> right? Do we? Gonna, it's, like neg- it's like proving a It's like proving a negative. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. I I, I totally hear you there. I, I never I thought, he was never not watchable though he was always yeah, no, mesmerizing, but it was also it was also clear you can see it from Civil War as well that he was a his his role was one more of understated mayhem than you know anything else yeah and and uh, you know as the as Black Panther would have it you know kind of denote in the shadows uh, under cover of night. Um, and a warrior, but not not somebody who's going to be a vanguard. And now maybe that's changed. Maybe that's the whole point of the movie that now the, he feels free to take up whatever um, whatever obstacles that he wants to. Well, it was very interesting. It, it was very um, deliberate that the opening action sequence in the movie was a stealth operation. And even though, and, and 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 to be honest, there was a little bit uneven storytelling that that a lot of that was about pulling her out to ask her to join him, but. The, that whole initial operation to to break up that slaving ring, um, you know, he's ruling this country, and he could have just blasted in there at any time, full full tilt, floodlights, the entire, you know, Wakanda military at, at behind him, right? And he chose to do it in a stealth operation. It was almost like he was taking a soft approach to using his power on his own people. I don't know. It was a very interesting choice that they did. Yeah. And he was even resistant to fight his own, his own people when things go crazy in the third act until he finally breaks loose and does it. But, and, and then it's tragic. You feel the tragedy and, and, uh, and, and this speaks later to, uh, to, uh, Oh my God. What's his name? Uh, Daniel Kaluuya. Yeah. Hobby. When he starts to have that, that presence and realize that, you know, it's a civil war moment. For himself, right? <laughs> Seeing all his people killing each other and realize that there's makes no sense. But yeah, it was interesting to see how how reserved he tried to be in his actions. Black Panther has always been portrayed that way in, in the MCU so far. Um, let's, see, uh, let's see. So we talked about Chadwick, talked about Michael B, we talked about Forrest Whitaker. <laughs> well, yeah, Forrest Whitaker. Yeah, okay. He just brings his his gravitas of all of his other roles and our love of him to yeah. it so you know like, <laughs> I mean it was great that he was there but it's almost like you expect him to be there right yeah um, Duke and Daniel Kalua, we talked about them a little bit Angela Bassett 
always fantastic. Well, okay, so I love her to death, and I'm in. I'm still pissed that she was skipped over for Storm, and it's sort yeah. of an aged out of that. But I loved her in this movie, and and almost every character, it's hard to divorce them from their costuming. But oh my god, their costuming in that movie was amazing. <laughs> uh, she was regal. It was incredible. As yeah. a queen mother, I mean, she, I, you're never going to top it. No. Um, and, then the, and then Lupita and Denai, right? Yep. Makia uh, and Nakoya. I mean, the, the women in this movie were also very refreshing and, and a marvel to behold, uh, no pun intended. It was the, the, it was as much woman-dominated as any movie I've seen, uh, and probably more so than any other action movie I've ever seen, unless it's something like... Uh, um, Oh my gosh! A concrete blonde, whatever the you know that it is obviously female led, but it's still male dominated. But it was still um, concrete blonde. You mean atomic blonde? That's the, the yeah, atomic blonde. Sorry, yeah. Um, the Dora Milaje is it Malaji or uh, Dora Malaji or Dora Malai? I don't remember. I don't remember how to how to uh, ref, how to pronounce that. But the the royal guard, the all female bald royal guard, was absolutely amazing. Are you talking about Florence Kasumba? Hmm? Florence Kasumba? Uh, Io, right? Yes, yes. Yes, but I'm talking about the whole concept of the Royal Guard. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Between the Royal Guard, uh, between, um, you know, the the roles that that Lupita and Danai's characters are playing, uh, between the, the Queen Mother... You have all you have this entirely um, African American female cast, which is yeah. just owning this movie, and it was so fun to watch because you had different dynamics at play, but they're all really powerful, and it was fun to kind of see them bounce off each other. I thought that was fantastic. Yeah, I didn't realize I recognized Daniel Kaluuya from. I didn't. I didn't know what I recognized him from in this movie until later when I walked out and I was walking around, you know, walking to my next meeting, and I realized he was the Get Out. Yeah. Did you know him from anything else? No, and he was, but he was fantastic in Get Out. I mean, that I was so hoping that won the Oscar, but yeah. it didn't. Uh, I'm happy too dangerous. But Get Out was just. I mean, the, the, when I when we finished watching that movie, I was like, "Get the fuck out of here!" Like, <laughs> it was so good, I couldn't believe it. Um, I also really, really like Winston Duke as Mabaku. Yeah. That's a character that I was wondering how they were going to make sense of that in in the film adaptation, right? The way he's the way he was always done in in, in the comics was you're like oh, I don't know if you could you know the, the the ape tribe doesn't seem like it's an appropriate thing to do in 2018. Oh no, he was amazing, and I yeah. love the idea that uh, storytelling aside, I didn't really like that opener about how they described the the fracturing of the tribes. They described it and then they showed it, but anyway. The fact that the tribe went into the mountains, I love that there was enough difference in each of the tribes that was represented in the in those championships. But then also when you actually go up to Mabaku's, uh, uh, you know, throne room and you see the differences in in the way his warriors are dressed and the cultural affectations and all the. Oh, my God. I love that they doubled and tripled down on all the gorilla stuff. I think it was amazing. When uh, when Everett Ross tries to say something, he's like, ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> he's like, okay, all right. <laughs> like they they manifested the, the 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 culture of it so very well all the way through it. It was uh, it was another exceptional part of the screenwriting and the directing. Right? Um. All right. Well, so my favorite in the movie was Andy Circus. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> 
I had a grin from ear to ear whenever he was on screen, and he happened to have a grin from ear to ear when he was on screen. <laughs> You're talking, I mean, the two Tolkien's. Right. Yeah. But have yeah. you ever seen an actor who was having so much fun doing what he was doing? I mean, like, I mean, we have a lot of actors who, who are these days, these, these celebrity actors who are playing themselves. We talked about that last time, right? With Yeah. With, uh, you know, Bruce Willis and, and so on. Yeah, they just show up. But, man... Andy Serkis, who spends the majority of his time behind mocap, and he does an amazing job, doesn't want credit for it, you know, is resisting all of the Oscar stuff about it, has this incredible... And he shouldn't, and he's way overdue, for one. Yeah, and then he does his directorial debut, which is incredible. Apparently, I didn't see it, but, you know, this whole thing, he's he's an incredible guy, and he comes into this movie, first of all, he was yoked, which I wasn't, I was surprised by, like, he was really muscular, you can see in his neck and his arms and stuff, but also, his just, his his reckless abandon with which he played that character was so much fun. I couldn't even deal how fun he was. And I especially couldn't deal when it was over. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I hope that in the, in the great tradition that they bring some back somehow. And I'm hoping that he is one that comes back in an right. infinite way. <laughs> yeah. Perhaps. Yes. In yeah. an infinite way. Yeah. It's just, oh, right. I mean, if Loki could come back, 20,000 times. Why can't they? <laughs> oh, man. But he was so well drawn. I, I remember when we first saw him in the previews and he stuck out stuck out of the car and he had his, his sound cannon. I was relieved because, you know, Claw is such an absurd looking character in the comics. But 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 it's beloved for people like me, you know, who grew up in the 70s and reading comics in the 80s. You know, I love that guy, but I never thought he would make sense in a film. And then they made him look so cool. But then when you see him actually... uh uh, realized as a character that this guy has been grave robbing and treasure hunting and slave trading and doing all this nasty stuff for like a career and he's covered in tats and he's completely like coked out and he's got that whole artificial arm and I love that it wasn't even like a realistic arm like this is a world in where in which they can have realistic prosthetics and he had his 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 sound cannon was covered in like a like a like a latex hand, you know, like a latex skin. It looked like something out of the phase one of Westworld, right? Like it just was so wrong. And I loved it. I love the design of it so much. Well, it, it stood out, right? <laughs> right. It was so cool. That's what I loved about it. It's like, you're going to pretend to have, you know, like he has a sleeve rolled up and it's got like the se- the seams and stuff like old school, you know? And I loved his, I love the quirkiness to him. Like when he was like, when uh, Everett Ross says, you know, you know, quit the whatever his comment was about quit with the, you know, the the rap posturing or whatever, and he says, oh, oh you want my mix, and uh, and then he ch- he tells his henchman, hey, get my sound or SoundCloud link, you know, he really does have a mixtape, you know, like that was all. <laughs> <laughs> that his, was price, and it was really that cool, was and and it, and it was. It's also prices back. I mean, it, to me, the, the mixtape thing comes back. There are a lot of great movies recently with mixtapes in it, and it's a, including yeah. Guardians, right? So yeah. it's just and this movie actually, yeah, yeah. But it, but it was also this was not a um, a wasted death. Like the death, his death was meaningful. Oh, spoilers by the way. His yeah. death was meaningful in the story because it said something about Michael B. Jordan's character. One that he was willing to do that before actually dragging his ass into the. Or at least up to the edge of the of the perimeter, so that he could get through. I guess he wouldn't be able to drag him through. But yeah. you know, the fact that he was he was willing to terminate him after he had what he needed from him was it said enough about him that up until that point you didn't know he was that serious. Yeah, 
And uh, you know, I thought it made sense. It was he was a weak link for him. He's like, I'm done with you. You, don't, I don't need you anymore. Yeah, right, I'm done. And I love that. I love that Claw had no concept that that would happen. Like he was just incredulous about it. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> but also, I also like uh, it was a good continuum and foil that uh, uh, Claw was this the scene where he's being held by the the CIA or whatever it is that that, that represents some sort of <laughs> excuse me. And he's yeah, like, you know nothing about Wakanda. Whatever you think you know about Wakanda, it's all lies. Like, <laughs> well, I think, and, and yeah. Enjoy that scene, and then when he gets busted out, it is so freaking amazing. Um, that was a great sequence of events there as well. Well, and it was great that he was busted out, but for once, it wasn't like he knew it was coming. Like he was busted right. out, he was like, "Oh, that's new. All right." <laughs> you know, like he was. <laughs> but that whole thing, that that sequence was very interesting to me from a plot standpoint. It was interesting to me that he was captured and it was actually bad for T'Challa. Like it was bad for them that he was captured, that he's starting to talk was not good for them because the whole thing was about keeping the secret. When he starts, starts rattling off to, to Ross about it, that whole thing about like what, the, whether they're going to let that happen or not, are they going to stick around and see how bad it gets? That was really interesting to me. I mean, given how many movies we've seen recently with uh, inter- CIA interrogations, it was really interesting. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it was a different twist. And I really liked uh, – so the other thing I really liked, speaking of the white guys in the film, is uh, Martin Freeman, right? That was you a hard one to do. It was really hard yeah. for him. But but still, it was – the way that they put it in – you know, even though they put him in this token savior role of hunting down the, the supply ships and blowing them up on the virtual fighter and all that stuff, um, it was still um, – his character was well used in the plot line and the development. And it wasn't just really just a token token uh, right. role for him. Right. Right. Well, I mean, it was a real tough nut uh, to be the, well, <laughs> I, I think that there's no small irony in the fact that, you know, his job was to stand around and wait to be used, um, which is, and then put, and be put in harm's way, which is the inverse of every other movie. When the when the black character is waiting, standing around waiting to be used, and then is put in harm's way, so you know I like that. I thought that was interesting inversion, but I also thought that it was interesting how his character um, um, had seen enough. Cra- he was not uh, he was not hardened and you know disillusioned. So seeing all this new stuff didn't surprise him, and he was not phased and sarcastic about it. He was very surprised by being in Wakanda. But I love that he had enough experience with supernormal stuff that once he was putting it, he's like, whoa, okay. <laughs> All right. Now I do with that. Yeah, what yeah, do I do with I this? Do with that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the whole idea of waking up from a spinal a spinal shot like that and be like, and reaching back there and like trying to figure it out. I thought that was uh, I thought that was pretty cool. But that leads me to my second favorite uh, actor in this movie and character, which was Letitia Wright as Shuri. Uh, she stole every scene she was into me. Yeah, she's pretty darn fantastic. <laughs> she uh, she was fun. She was very um, striking right in the beginning when you first see him land in Wakanda and you see everyone is in all their, their regal attire and then she's in like these like casual clothes and you see that she's like forging her own path and you don't immediately realize that she's also going to be the brainiac of the group, right? I thought that was really interesting. She, it, she was a really fun character type to have. This teenage... Yeah. Wonderkind, who was you know very sassy and very clever, but also and but also had very free spirited and funny and also super intelligent. That was really neat. 
Yeah, I, I just thought they could have used – when I walked away from it, I thought they could have used a lot more Letitia and Shuri in this movie than they did. Yeah. Well, I feel like we're going to get more of her, and I don't know – I don't know to what to what extent, but there have been talk about – you know, I've seen stuff on the internet and everything about um, – and, and heard in some other podcasts that, you know, everyone's clamoring for her to be used as the new Iron Man because in the comics – there's a character called yeah. Riri Williams, who's a young African American, um, you know, genius um, young woman who ends up uh, taking on that role and building armor and sort of absorbing the legacy of Tony Stark in the comics. I'm not particularly thrilled with the comic, to be quite honest. I I appreciate its its value, but I don't. It's not a fun story for me. But also, I wouldn't want Shuri to be shoehorned into that role. We don't need we don't need to start combining. Uh, characters when we're dealing with not enough representation, right? We, right. we don't uh, need to take two interesting, interesting and intelligent and uh, and uh, and court and you know, uh, you know, quirky African American women. I just got to fuse them together because it makes sense. So I hope she never is not Shuri. You know, but it could be another war machine like thing, right? That yeah. I'm really looking forward to the Shuri Tony Stark uh, meetup, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? So it may not be like uh, become Iron Man, but it could be like Iron Man Southern Hemisphere. You know, the other th- the other part of, of Shuri, I thought was that um, she had a little bit of that precociousness to the the entire proceedings and broke things up, kept things fresh. You were talking about Andy Circus as well, yep. right? That uh, in every royal family there's this trickster, and you yeah. can think of Thor. It, you know, it wasn't quite like Thor Ragnarok where everybody just started riffing on everything. Yeah. Um, which I still think is probably the, the best written Marvel movie or superhero movie of all time oh, because amazing. it wasn't really written. Yeah. <laughs> Some of the best and, ones uh, are that way. Yeah. Right. And uh, but, uh, Letitia Wright's personality, I think, came through, or at least what she was uh, committing to Shuri really came through and, and made, made a lot. Every scene she was in was a lot more entertaining as a result. Right. There was no dead space. Whenever she was in the scene, yeah, and uh, that that was really a great plot vehicle and a great character development because there were a lot of you know <clears throat> really somber moments in this movie that could have gone a little uh, morose yeah. at times, and it never did. Well, so there's a lot of thematic and plot stuff to talk about, but let's. But Shuri is a good um, jumping off point towards talking about uh, uh, the visual. Um, let's say the visual style of Black Panther, Black Panther himself and the tech and stuff. Her, she was introduced as like the cue of the of the group, right? And like almost painfully so. She like walks him through the lab. She's like, "This is what I've been up to. Here's all your new shit, right?" I didn't like that. <laughs> I didn't like it at all. Yeah. Although more than usual, it did have a purpose in that it very clearly established the framework by which not only does he have stuff, but his enemy gets stuff. And and while I think it's valid that there's a, I mean, I think there's a valid argument that one of the problems with Black Panther is it still has that Marvel Phase One stink on it, that the bad guy comes from him, dresses like him, fights him like himself, like he's fighting a mirror, and then he defeats him. So it definitely has that vibe. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, from a internal logic standpoint, uh, Shuri showing him all the stuff sets up all of the rationale for everything that we saw from a technology standpoint. Here's the, here's the flashy suit. Here's the subtle suit. And Oh, by the way, you turn it off with the necklace. Very important, right? Here's the boots. So you can't be heard. 
Yeah. Here's the here's the maglev train, but if you do this, this is how we make the we make the vibranium work, right? Mm-hmm. All the things that she showed him, he internalized and then he used them, and not in a James Bond way where it's sort of like, Da-na! you know, someone's on his throat and he's like, oh, I'll use my ring and you know, fuck him up. He used it was like at scene. It was like the gun on the mantle, right? Very clearly. Yeah. So in that sense, it was successful. It was just kind of annoying. I, I didn't. Well, like, I think it was necessary because it. Okay, vibranium. Everybody thought it could make a shield, right? But you know, yeah. uh, I think it was a crash course on what the uh, the utter utility and multiple applications of vibranium are. Right. Well, it was very hand wavy in this movie. Yeah, vibranium, yeah, but... vibranium was the unobtainium in this movie, and they stretched oh, it well beyond kind of yeah. what we're used to seeing. Well, wait. I mean, the Tony Stark creating a new element with a laser beam cutting through a wall in his well, lab. Well, sure. Right? And but, you know, but, but vibranium. Away, right. The argument. The argument that it came in a meteor. Okay, and that these tribes have been living on the land underneath it. It's been seeping into the soil and all this other stuff. It was interesting that how specific it was. Like, oh, it's infected certain plant life to have special powers, but not yeah. all the other flora. And also none of the fauna have been affected. And also no one, no geologist ever heard of this because um, of the super... But you think there's got to be something deeper than that, in the, and it's got to be at the heart of it in Infinity Stone, right? No, well, but they've insisted it's not. They've yeah, I, I don't believe it. In, okay, it's true. They, they, have mis, they have used misinformation before. But yeah. I was waiting for the reveal that the Infinity Stone was in that meteor, because there's a big jump between having um, a very advanced metallurgic properties in the material that's being mined out of that ore versus suddenly it's being used to heal people, to have vision quests, to have post-human powers and all this other stuff. So it very clearly wanted to be a a stone or have something more to it than just being a space metal, but they just did. They, they refused to touch on it, which, you know, in a way is almost, it's almost refreshing. It's like Ragnarok barely touched on it. So I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, we'll see. Yeah. But but anyway, that it was very painful to have her walking through all the tech. On yeah, the other yeah, hand, yeah. on the other hand, there are only so many ways you can teach an audience about tech if you're not reading the book. If it's a visual media, <laughs> they have to be shown, right? Yeah. If it's right. new and, stuff, they have to be shown. And so, you know, right. they made it I mean, as it, painless as they could. Yeah, it's not as good. It wasn't nearly as good, or nothing can ever be as good as Tony Stark walking his way through the creation of the Iron Man tech. Right. But it still, you know, uh, I, I still appreciate that it, it showed you how pervasive this state of technology was. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and then uh, also, I think, um, I think there were very clever, clever. I, mean, I think it was very tight script. And it was it was very clear how that gun on the mantle thing would work throughout the script. I was I was watching this when I saw the film. I was very aware of the fact that they would set things up to be used later, and they did it in a logical way, but it didn't feel forced. You know how sometimes you see stuff and it's really obviously forced. It's kind of annoying. This was not like that. They just built yeah. a world for you, and then you saw the, the the ripple effect of what they showed you and how it was used later. The maglev train. I love that that was used to be. Uh, you know, a critical component of the end game of the film, a sign of the peaceful evolution of the, of of techno- technology and society. These fast moving, ubiquitous trains, and this turns out to be the way he defeats his enemy. I love that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I I loved how they kept showing us things, even like the fact that the we saw the baby rhinos or the you know the younger rhinos in the pen, and then later there's. 
larger rhinos that have been armored up and cybered and stuff and are being used as weapons. The the the, uh, the rhino storm. The rhino storm. I mean, <laughs> things didn't just come out of nowhere, and I right. and I really enjoyed that. Even the rationale about the kinetic energy absorption of the suit, which was interesting, and how sometimes the the dispersal of that or the refusal to or the refusal to act because you could disperse the energy that you've absorbed. Those are all very interesting to me. Um, I didn't like, so let's, all right. So, so thinking about the black Panther suit, I did not like what they did with the suit in the movie. I liked the way he looked in civil war, but the more complicated look of the co- the cost, or actually it's, I should say the overly simple look and then it becomes striated with the purple veins when he's got power absorbed. And then that look, I didn't like it as much as he looked in Civil War. I, I think they try to give him an upgrade with no, and they should have just left it as is. Right? They could have added the purple stuff. No, I, no problem, right? But the, yeah. uh, it, it seems like every movie they seem to do this, uh, oh, we got to refresh the look. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I don't think it, it added anything. I just recently finished a, a Black Panther uh, print. And I was really struggling because I, in in the production of it, I, there's a point where, you know, I'm doing doing the the more basic detailing, like the flats and the shadows and stuff. And I got to something that was very similar to the original look from Civil War, where you don't see a lot of there's there's some there's some layering and stuff in parts of the the body and then particularly around the waist and stuff. But it's but it but it was a really well realized design. And one of the things I didn't like in the in the suit that he takes as an upgrade is that there's all this these detailing around the eye and then the nose and there's all this 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 accenting that to me just is an unpleasant nod to like Batman Returns or Batman you know whatever it is Batman Forever you know what I mean like all these weird little contrast bits I didn't want that. at least at least there was no, no vibranium cod piece there was no well that we know of but uh, right. <laughs> but you know now he has glowy tip claws he had glowy tip toenail claws he has all these little yeah. doodads and then you add the purple tracing when he absorbs power and it's just a whole lot of there there and what it was fun about him in Civil War was he's jet black and he's just yep. hauling ass right so I don't know that was a thing um, however and also the other complaint I have is um, Killmonger takes the other suit and then it's got all the gold accents and stuff and it has this raging mouth thing and whatever and and so now you have the just like the the phase one thing. You have the guy fighting the guy, and they look the same, and it's a blur. And it may not have been the classic Marvel sea of generic bad guys or the blue beam into the sky, <laughs> but it was that problem of the 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 visual complexity is broken down because it's just a blur of blur of the same guy fighting himself. And I had been really hoping that Killmonger would invert it and take like a White Panther look, right? Yeah. And I thought that would have been really fun, and it never happened. But in the end, it was okay. It was okay. But that, I mean, that, that's you projecting your desires onto it, right? I yeah. sure as hell am, and they didn't listen yeah. to me whatsoever. Don't <laughs> think I didn't send them letters. <laughs> I filled the letters with, 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 like, baking flour to make sure that it was soft, and now yep, they nice. still didn't. Yeah. Oh, the other thing about Shuri, you know, in the comics, she ends up being a Black Panther for a while. Yeah. I don't know. I well, yeah. Well, yeah, I, I just wanted I wanted I wanted Killmonger to look more. I wanted him to look different. In fact, had he been in the original look where he had that paramilitary thing with the giant mask, that would have been amazing. And frankly, when he stripped down and he had all the tribal tats, 
I would have liked to see him fighting that. Yeah, like Black mm-hmm. Panther in the in the garb and him yeah. in that. Well, yeah. and that's oh, and that's another thing I want to complain about since I'm complaining because I'm 45 almost. Uh, once again, so this, we're on this cavalcade of helmetless heroes. That's why I described it on robot-kraken.com, an excellent entertainment website you should check out. When I was talking about the all the promo stuff for Infinity War that just came out, it's the cavalcade of helmetless heroes, right? Yes. Tony Stark and and Rhodes are standing there, and they got the helmet off. And in this movie, it was even worse than uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. Every 30 seconds, the mask was off, the mask was on, the mask was off, the mask was on. I really want them to just be... I mean, not since the Nolanverse have we had them comfortable enough to just let the hero be covered. Let I know you're paying a lot for the star power, but just let them have the mask. Yeah, I, it's but, so distracting. But I, I kind of resonate with the fact that they're saying if, if, it, if it's the suit, then you're nothing. Well, okay, but then take so it off and I, leave I, it I, off. Then leave well, it off. Well, yeah, I, I actually want to see a mask-free hero verse. Okay, okay, okay. But now check this out. His... All right, so my thing about this movie was that it was just like I felt about the Nolan vs. Batman. Black Panther was the least interesting thing in this movie. Just like Batman was the least interesting thing in the Nolan verse. What I wanted to see was Chadwick Boseman walking around as T'Challa. I wanted to see him in that look. When he saunters in and he's got his guard behind him, so you couldn't be more cool than that. I, <laughs> he didn't not. need to have the gear. He didn't need to be dressed up. The two combat sequences where he's just doing that tribal combat were much more visceral than anything else. They were oh, I thought much they were the best fight scenes in the movie. Oh, right? absolutely, right? Yeah. But but I think you know there, there's the tactical need for headgear. I guess. Right? Yeah. All right, but I'm just saying I think in the same way that they have embraced with. Uh, with Chris Evans with Captain America that sometimes he wears that helmet but sometimes he just throws the helmet off and he's just I think they're done with it I think they're done with it yeah maybe so after yeah Yeah, right yeah I think but he'll probably get it probably die from a headshot (laughs) I know but I mean (laughs) that's another thing but I mean you know I like if you look at my my third rail design lab designs you will find that the majority of the of the post humans don't have masks they don't have headwear and they don't have masks because I like the idea that they don't need to if you don't right. need to hide your identity, why would you do? Why would you wear that, right? But I mean, I mean, how ironic is it that you know, if you take a look at the, Mar- at the Avengers, right? The two that are in most dire need of head protection, Black <laughs> and Hawkeye, don't have any, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely right. You're absolutely right. But I think it was very interesting and uh, and and it's kind of inspiring that the the official cover art for Black Panther, and while it is your usual sort of vomit of all the characters on the on the painting. Did you notice that Black Panther's not on that? He's not on the yeah. cover. He's not on the main poster for Black Panther. You have yeah. all the characters, and Chadwick Boseman is there in his formal attire, but he's there as T'Challa. And I thought that was very. I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, I, I have to say that I really didn't like the uh, the Black Panther movie, the the main movie thing. I thought it looked like a ripoff of Chicago, the musical. Yeah, yeah that's fine. <laughs> Fair enough. I think all of those sort of you know composite all the people together uh, posters are pretty lame. But uh, but I mean it is pretty interesting that you don't even see like even in the Iron Man stuff you'll see like an Iron Man helmet floating around or whatever it was really interesting <laughs> that there was that there was like n- there's nothing it's all it's all the faces it's all the characters in their cultural attire or whatever and it's the world building of Wakanda in that poster which I think was really yeah. powerful so let's talk about Wakanda um, the technology that's presented and the way that the 
the way that the 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 country is presented uh pretty successful do you think i thought it was very well done it, it's uh it, was, it reminded me of the land of the future uh, uh manifest uh, destiny right well, I don't know. Manifest Destiny? <laughs> well, no, no. I mean, it was. I, I. Well, think about it. They. I think you're talking about the the the, the future. You think about. I think you're talking about futurism, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I, then they yeah. and then use a land grab with the mineral rights to make it manifest. Destiny. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, architecturally, I thought it was interesting that there were structures. There was a lot of imagery in the towers that was based on, uh, you know, real world. Uh, burial mounds and sacred structures that they have found in yep. a lot of these sites, like all of the ringed striated columns and things that, that they ended up extrapolating into towers. It mm-hmm. looked futuristic and and then traditional at the same time, which I thought was really neat. Most yeah. most movies with a sci-fi, like a future um, uh, image, they're just like you know, it's just like some chrome vomit. Or it's a it's Blade Runner. Right? This was really neat that it was it was distinct. You could look at pictures of Wakanda and say that's Wakanda, which mm-hmm. which that's a huge deal. Yeah. Well, well, so what did you think of it compared to Asgard? Uh, well, that's tough. I didn't like Asgard so much. Yeah. But I'm then again, I didn't know what I would never liked it in the comics either. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I was of the mind that Kirby couldn't design architecture until Ragnarok. When they took Kirby's uh, Kirby's uh, graphic design concepts of all of the weird circuit board printing imagery, yeah. and they just wallpapered stuff with it, then all of a sudden I started to like it because it was very like in your face, glue it on the walls kind of thing. But 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 overall, you know, the Asgardian architecture just never really appealed to me too much. Yeah, but. Uh, you know, I, well, and also I really like the conceit that they have that 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 camouflage dome that just looks like a dense forest, and then you pass through it in the right place, and then you're there. That was a really neat reveal. The problem yeah. was in the script that they felt the need some editor or some some executive. I, I hope it was an executive decision and not just you know the way it was written, but someone felt the need to describe the history of Wakanda real quick and do that whole you know animation to show it. And then we get the great reveal of Wakanda. So there was a very uneven quality. We were told about it, and then we saw it. Yeah. Um, and I appreciate we need to know the history of Wakanda to understand the tribes, but and, and even some of the bigger concepts of how they exist. But but in that, in that narrative, they even say, Wakanda is a land of high technology and high culture and peace, and it's the most sophisticated technological place in the planet, and blah, blah, blah. And then we see them fly through it, right? Yeah. That they should have kept out of it. <clears throat> I agree, and I. But I did also like the way that they they kept it um, in tune with nature somewhat, right? That's right. That there there was a high tech low tech swing that was very um, seamless. Well, right? and then also the um, yeah right, and like you're saying about the integration with nature, I love building onto the cliffside. I yep. loved again. I loved, I loved the the, the not the alpine, but the, you know the mountainous. The architecture related to the mountainous sets was fascinating. With all the roof systems and everything else, I thought that was really great. The verticality of the place yeah. was one of its most striking features, right? That yeah. There's a lot of running up and down stairs and a lot of elevators and yeah, a lot of magma. Yeah. Right? How dope was the uh, how dope was the book ending with uh, Oakland? Yeah, that was awesome. I mean, it was a Coogler reference with Fruitvale Station. 
it yeah. was a cultural reference with you know Black bringing, bringing this man. yeah bringing this right to the to the meat of it you know um i didn't see i didn't see it coming that the kid playing basketball was killmonger did you no i did not i also didn't see some of the other aspects i didn't i love that they i love when they show a scene and then they reshow it with more information every time I love that as a as a narrative structure. I love it. So in this movie, I really loved that you had this opening that introduces the idea that Wakanda has been hidden, but the king will step out um, when necessary to bring someone to line. I love that sequence of him um, reigning in his brother. But then, I love that we went back to it and saw it again and again with more with more filters removed. Yeah, it was very cool. And I loved that the dream or the vision quests between the men, three vision quests, two and one, and they were very different and they were very critical to the narrative of the movie. Right. And they were both purple. No, they weren't. They weren't. That's I know. What, but, but actually, I thought that was really fascinating that when he had when uh, when T'Challa had his first one. Everything is purple, and there's panthers in the trees, and it's all yeah. very regal, and it's very ominous, and that's the stuff. We but saw the panthers were his ancestors, right? Yeah, but they, yeah. but that's all the imagery that we saw in the trailer that, that we were just screaming "Soul Jam," you know, or whatever yeah. it is. Well, I still am. I still yeah. am. I still. But yeah. but what I thought was interesting was that after he had realized that his father had made these incredible uh, compromises and made decisions that he didn't agree with. When he came back to the second round of Vision Quest, it went to daytime with the sa- blood red saturated sky, and yeah. all of his ancestors returned to their human forms with all of their tribal stuff, and the Panthers were gone, and they were humans now. Yep. I thought it was amazing. I thought that was a subtle detail that worked really great. And then I love the fact that, that Killmonger's dream, dream Quest was going back to his father's apartment and all of that stuff. I mean, yeah. It would have been so easy for those those dream sequence or those vision sequences to be just this, you know, some really cool effects and some spacey stuff and some magic stuff, and you call it a day. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, it seemed like the kind of thing that in another project it would have been that way. Just here's your here's your obligatory vision quest. You get told what you need to do in the next step, and you go do it. Right. And in right. and in this case, this the framework of each of those scenes and and then the things that happened were part of the story. And 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 represented the internal conflict of the character in each of them. Mm-hmm. So that was great. Well, the, the, it, it, they brought they brought stuff into the vision quest that altered what they experienced. Mm-hmm. Right. I've, it wasn't they they weren't going to some um, magical construct where problems don't exist and it's the, and it's a set tableau no matter what. Right. Like some some predeterministic afterlife or you know tank, but it's. Um, it's a reflection of who you are and what you need it to be or what you think you need it to be. Right. Right. There was, um, there was a, there was a, an interesting thematic thing about the water. I love that the tribal challenge for the throne happens in water with this in a very dangerous location. And so you have the, you know, the water imagery of, of rebirth and purity and, and, you know, all that stuff. And then I love the idea that it's either, submit, be killed, or be thrown over the edge, right? And when he does, when he when he chooses to save uh, his initial foe, and because he knows that they need Babaku, right? He needs the tribal he needs the tribal unity and he knows that the tribe needs him and so he saves him. But then later when he's thrown off, what was interesting about that to me was that everyone saw and granted he shouldn't have survived that, but 
everyone saw this as a horrible thing, but there was a, thematically there was the purge, right? There was that baptism baptism component of it, right? He he was thrown over the edge, he was thrown into the water, and then when he came out, he had a different realization about what his role was and what he needed to do. That was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Even it was if, very cool. Even yeah. if, as as Khalil mentioned to me before, I see, saw the movie, he was ranting to me about things he didn't like, and he pointed out to me how outrageous it was that everybody climbed that cliff to chant during the thing, and I could not see it when I saw the movie. Like they're all they're all up <laughs> at the cliff, like yub yubbing, like it's the like Endor. You know, it was really irritating me. <laughs> I was like, he really ruined that for me. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It was cool, kind of. It was kind of cool to see the different tribal leaders uh, in their in their formal ceremonial attire, like the guy with the giant lip the lip yeah. disc and all that yeah, yeah. and then later on they're in the throne room and they're in normal clothes they're in like suits and shit but then they have like the same that, that dapper dude in the green suit that yeah. was a yeah, he that was, was a, that was amazing i could never pull that look off well okay and so also that sequence in the casino was or the club or whatever it was um in korea was one of the one of my favorite marvel action sequences and it was like um, it was shot like it was one shot but i don't really I don't really it trust it because they had a bunch of like flashing over a guardrail kind of moments, right? Where you're not, mm-hmm. but it certainly felt that way. And and that mechanism is still really powerful when the when the yeah, camera is tracking through the whole thing, right? Yeah, I love and the it. car chasing. I also really applauded the car chasing. You know, I was sitting there going, "All oh, those sweet forerunners are being destroyed." <laughs> there was like a whole fleet, a whole fleet of my truck in black. I was like, "That's not right." Which is what you experience every other episode of X Files, or you used to, right? Yeah, I mean, it's the, the... <laughs> your suburban being destroyed. <laughs> but I mean, you know, I don't recall the last time I saw a Forerunner in a movie, and then all of a sudden here's a bunch of black ones, and I'm like, wait, that's rad! They're driving my truck, and then they're smashing them. It was a throwback. It was a throwback to the cloak and dagger sequester yeah. uh, days, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the scene rendition, the... rendition days. Sorry, yeah, right. It was neat the scene in the trailer that they showed. Well, you know, where he stuck his his claws in and and trashed the the rim until it collapsed. Yeah, um, and then and then pulled the uh, the 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 entire <laughs> wheel mechanism out and threw it away. Yeah, yeah. it was not. I, I it's like we said about Ragnarok. I'm getting really frustrated when the 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 init, the instinct to make these. Uh, super heroic CGI moments take you away from the mat, the mass and the weight of the characters, and it doesn't look right. Just like when, uh, just when, like, just like when Hela was killing all of the Asgardians, and suddenly you see it as a little act, little video game action figure, trashing <laughs> them all. In this yeah. movie, as soon as after he did that, and then he leaps over the car, and they had that incredible scene where he's leaping, and then he grabs the thing, and then he leaps again, and then he gets thrown against the building, and he lands on the car again. It didn't look real. Like it doesn't. It doesn't no. feel real. And I want them to just stop. Because if, because what what Winter Soldier did, taking that page from Born Identity, was they made everything feel like that whole sequence when they're raiding to get Bucky and he's fighting him down the stairwell and using the mattress and all that stuff. It always feels <clears throat> really heavy and weighty and just like mm, it's happening. You feel the physics. Yeah. And every time they have the CGI character dancing around, you don't feel it. Yeah, I mean, I would I would say Thor Ragnarok, the first scene where he's battling to uh, immigration song. I still felt the uh, physics of that. It all depends on on the That's way. That's different. They... Yeah, you're right. You're right because they slow moded a little bit. Right, there's something and about it. 
Well, and, and they do a combination of live action and a couple combined with the CGI, I think, that makes it more real. Yeah, I think they're right. Um, it, but but he, that scene where he's jumping and doing the flip, and just like Spider-Man Homecoming, where he's doing the flip over the, the Washington Monument. Right. It, it, it is so matrixy in its yeah. plasticity. It's just like, oh, come on. Yeah, it pulls you out of it because everything else looks so good. So, yeah. like, but so again, going back to the thing where I, my least favorite thing was the Black Panther stuff. That casino or that that bar scene in Korea where they're doing all the fighting in normal clothes and everybody's using what they have with them and they're pulling stuff out of the environment to fight with. Yeah. Amazing. Up and down the stairs and over the banister and everything else. It's just like so great. I love that. I love that scene. What's her name? Uh, 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 Gosh. Yeah. Deny, Deny, right? When she's got when she's got the wig on and she looks terrible and she's all uncomfortable walking along and then the fight starts and she can't help it and then starts fighting and uh, and then the wig comes off and she's just and she's just doing it that's like the best thing it just feels so real it feels so visceral when she's doing that I loved it she looked amazing that way anyway what else anything else I was just going to say the costuming and the set design and I thought were breathtaking as well. Costuming was of the best we've ever seen in a Marvel movie. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, th- I don't think that they've done a bad job on the Thor stuff given what they were had to work with. I think Ragnarok was the best of it because they embraced the Kirby stuff so so much, so earnestly, right? Well, and they said Taika. They came down to a phenomenal director just like I think Black Panther with a different director would not be as good it wouldn't even be close yeah yeah I agree but I mean I think but but I mean as far as the what was interesting about the costuming yeah Black Panther yeah. might have had the most um, cohesive costume logic well but I think I think they just they just had the set design team and the director just come and say go fucking nuts yeah. just knock yourself out just you know Priscilla this bitch just uh, the Priscilla Queen of the Desert throwback so it was yeah it was it, it was just fantastic to see that kind of imagery because it was, you know, Civil War certainly didn't have it. Yeah. Uh, Ragnarok, you know, they, they, it did some of it. Uh, Guardians did some of it, right? But nothing when we've seen this kind of spectacle um, and, and, and imagery pulled off in such a compelling aesthetic way. I just thought it was uh, – you really thought you were in a different, you know, environment altogether, which is something out of the entire Marvel pantheon. It's amazing that Black Panther is the movie you say that about. Right, right, right. I agree. So, would you uh, would you be able to identify any problems with the film that you wish that they had done differently? Well, besides Claw dying, um, well, yeah. Um, I, I do think we pointed out one with the the, the CGI in certain aspects. I would seem you know it's the usual fake trope. Um, I do think there was not enough shuri. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. And and you know at some parts I thought the um, the historical malaise and the, the the gnashing of metaphysical teeth over it was could have been a little bit better done. But I thought given the construct that they were in and given the the timelines that they're operating under, that this is only a two hour movie or two or three hour movie, they did the best they could. I think you're right. Um, I I wanted more about Wakabi's character. I thought that. I thought there was more there there. He was a confidant that was happy to see 
T'Challa come back and take the reins. He was excited about the future. He was a childhood friend, and then he was more of a, of a hawk in his approach, and he was frustrated that T'Challa didn't follow it, and then he ended up just instantly, like, not instantly, but he, he ended up being convinced that T'Challa has lost his way and that Killmonger's way was better, but I needed a little bit more. I believed I believed him that he brought Killmonger in. I believed that he had switched sides and he had hitched his wagon to the wrong train, but but you he was a he was such a, a likable guy. Yeah. As an actor, he's a likable guy. And in the end you see he sees the light and he changes his, his <laughs> when it, <laughs> the the classic husband wife fighting standoff. Oh my uh, god, that was amazing. <laughs> well, and also, yeah, to be to be fair, I thought that was it was interesting that he he I mean, you will say this about Wakabi. He was not a morally corrupt person. He followed his he followed his convictions. Yeah. And did what he felt was right, which was for Wakanda. And that's why I think he survives the story, right? I think he yeah, survives the story and will re- be realigned with T'Challa and the family. Yeah, because it wasn't about him <clears throat> it taking was about Wakanda to make his own situation better, right? He didn't try to jockey up in position or anything like this. He did it because he thought it was the right thing to do for his homeland. And it was interesting wow. that in, in the same way... It was interesting when Akoya says, I follow the crown, right? I have to protect the throne. I'm not going to be part of your, you know, I, you know, I am, you know, I, I fight, you know, I fight. What was the, what was that classic line? She's like, I, you know, I fight for Wakanda, whatever. And then Nakia says, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to protect it or I'm going to improve it. Whatever that line was, it was really great. So great that I forgot it. But the point is, it was really interesting and compelling that she would take that position. Like, well, actually, my job is to protect the protect the president, even if it's a dickhead. You know, like that was interesting. But but, it was, but I think one was to protect Wakanda, one was to protect the king. Right, 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 right. I really like that. I thought that um, I actually, I mean, honestly, Lupita's Nakia gets a lot of credit, or gets a lot of attention because Lupita became so interesting because of she became a name because of Force Awakens and we were like who is this woman who is this interesting beautiful actress who was CGI'd into this little this little character right so she became a buzz a buzz into a, into a Ruth Bader Ginsburg character yeah, <laughs> yeah really <laughs> really he knows this way around a, you know whatever it was anyway she you know she became a little darling because as soon as the critics figured out that she was actually this really interesting and attractive woman um who was hiding who was CGI'd into this little thing and all of a sudden she was on the cover of these different things and dresses and whatever else so she got a lot of attention in this movie because she was the love interest but okoya stole it right as far as you know yeah. between shuri and okoya they were more interesting to me than nakia was and, and particularly Akoya's principles and her conflict, her internal conflict was much more interesting to me. Mm-hmm. But I will say Lupita was also known for a little movie called 12 Years a Slave. It's a minor thing. No one yeah, saw it. No one saw you know, it. Uh, more, more than the Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Um, <laughs> yeah, <know>. for sure. <laughs> so anyway, what do you think about the end of the movie and particularly the uh, the, the the two stingers that we got at the end of it? I, I thought they were. I thought they were very well done. I think that they were somewhat uh, formulaic. I didn't find any yeah. one of them a surprise. Did you? None of them were I mean, surprising. No. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's a, it's a shame that 
they, they've, they've taken the stingers and now it's kind of like, okay, you, you can pretty much predict what they are. Maybe it's because you see what they are before they, they come out. Um, but it was a necessary connectivity uh, in the plot lines sure. to set up Infinity War, right? I actually, what's interesting though, particularly about the, uh, the announcement to the world in the UN or whatever, that sequence, mm-hmm. it felt like it felt like it had been filmed as part of the main film and I don't know if it was. But I was glad that it was a stinger because it it wasn't necessary in the narrative of the first film, right? Correct. Like we never actually needed to see that to get the feeling that he had come around and he had a new perspective on how things were going to be. So I didn't need it in the main film, and I was happy to have it in a stinger. the The second the the pullback to the you know oh the other that we've had in the you know in the, the other the white bucket. guy that we yeah, the other white the guy that we brought yeah. You know, um, I thought that was interesting because it to- that one was fun for me because it told us a lot of stuff in the bigger MCU that was fun, right? It yep. told us that Bucky had been purged of his memory problems, or at least it appeared to. Well, he they, seemed they, to be at they, peace. They, they, they've washed the crazy out of him. They washed the crazy out of him. Uh, it was interesting that they gave him the white wolf, white wolf, white tiger, white wolf. I think it was White Tiger. White but, Tiger yeah. name, which is in the comics, is a different character. But it was interesting that they made that reference to him because, honestly, I love that character, but I'm tired of him being Bucky, right? Like, I hate the name Bucky. And I know that they're going to refer to him right. that, that way as his personal name. But it was interesting that that there was a prospect that he would be referred to in another way other than the Winter Soldier, which was interesting. White, white Tiger. Um, and... It was a great little nod to the fact that Infinity War is coming and that everybody will be affected by it. Mm-hmm. And that everybody needs to be awake for it. They need to be awake for it. You need to be ready. <laughs> Got to have get the star burnished off your arm and get ready to go, right? Yes. So what are we going to do with a dead claw? How are we going to how are we going to deal? Dude, they're going to bring him back. He's going to oh get God. You know, so clone technology. So I ask you every time we record, so do you think that Infinity War is going to do a reset of the timeline, or do you think they're going to multiverse it? You know, I, I, that's that's going to be a really great question to see how they answer it. I actually th- I actually hope <clears throat> that they that they just have the balls to just go ahead and, and do some stuff that just alters the one timeline that yeah. is the center of it all and just, and just gun it out. I like the... I- I like the conceit that when you fracture a timeline that you can bring people in from the other timelines. So you can have characters come back, you know, alternate versions of characters or, or whatever can be yeah. brought back, pulled in from the other timelines and be inserted into the main timeline. I, I, I think that may be interesting approach. I, I hope they do something like that. I don't know. Well, but, but so they, but, so, but they, but they could do the hybrid, right? They can go to the multiverse to find the solution to Thanos, right? Right. And you can find these other characters in those timelines that can help it out that aren't central to the main timeline, whatever you want to loosely define it as, right? Right. So um, Doctor Strange did that, right? Where they went to all the different multiverse and, it, you know, yeah. all the different timelines and uh, all the different <laughs> repeat scenarios, you know. Timey wimey. Yeah. Uh, wash, rinse, die, repeat. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. 
right? So that they could they could have that multiverse thing to it to go out and find how to beat Thanos, and they could introduce a lot of characters that were dead in other timelines that still play a central role or a pivotal role in making the overall thing a success, but then bring it back to the the central verse uh, to 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 make it right. That would be my preference, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. I. The thing about the multiverse concept that is cool when it's when it's abused, it's just it, it's just diarrhea, right? Diarrhea. But when but, it's, but, but when I, it's used successfully, it's an opportunity to experiment. And then, if you want to, then you know you've done that for a while, and you want to go back to the core thing, then you can. I think I think there's a cautionary element here. Yeah, where you take a look at X Men. Oh yeah, where they had all these different scenarios play out, and I think they got fan fatigue. Oh yes, right, especially if you're going beyond. The hardcore fan boys and girls. Yep. Right. And so, if you really want that mass appeal, I think you got to go to the lowest common denominator on some of the plot vehicles. I think you're right. I'm just being honest. So, what do you think about? I mean, we've learned a little bit more about the Captain Marvel filming. We know that. Well, they've said that uh, Fury in Captain Marvel will be. You know, this is going well before he says to to Tony Stark in Iron Man, where he says he's going to have two eyes. Well, yes, but also, and you know, in that where he says, "You think that you're the first, but you're not." This is supposed to be the the story where it's his first exposure to a a, a superhuman person, to a meta, to a meta. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see. And they're also talking a lot about how it's going to be have a more of an action comedy vibe, which I don't know what that means, um, but. At the same time, I, there's something really satisfying to me about the idea of going back to a simpler time and then the, having the wonder and the excitement of something extraordinary happening. That was why First Avenger was so fun. Right? That's why I loved Wonder Woman. Yep. Well, which was First Avenger with a woman. Right. Nothing. I mean, no, it, it, it was, but it was, but it was still going back in time where the the. You know, there wasn't a legion of supers doing a legion of baddies and, yeah. you know, before everything got, got mucked up. So you go to the, the OG equivalent, right? So, yes. yes. <laughs> oh, man. Back in the day. That, that the money shot of her climbing out of the trench and just marching across. So it's just like the yeah. best ever. Yeah, it was really good. All right. Well, let's spin out of our, let's spin out of our Black Panther review. I think, I think we give it three thrown and two thumbs up, right? So, absolutely. So, well, let's talk about some of the other, stuff of the day that's come out recently so Wonder Woman there's been some casting news about Wonder Woman that's pretty interesting don't you think you're going to have to tell me on that I don't know what you speak what okay well Jack Black has been cast as her nemesis in Wonder Woman 2 I think that's a ballsy move <laughs> it's also not true however Cheetah who's supposed to be the you know, the female antagonist in the second film it's going to be played by Kristen Wiig. They just confirmed it. Patty Jenkins confirmed it. So, uh, wow. Okay. But I have to feel like, I mean, first of all, it was it was it was confirmed enthusiastically by the writer director. So, I have to think that they're that they are confident that they're going to pull this off. Are you sure it's not Cougar and not Cheetah? <laughs> I see what you did. The thing you did there. But you know she was she's played a couple serious roles and then she's played all, all of her all of her mania. But uh, wow, 
They doubled it down on that. In the Martian. I loved her in the Martian where she yeah. was still kind of a straight goofy gal. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it'll be int- really interesting to see what they do with that. I mean, I, I tend to take that optimist view, as you know, and I was like, well, maybe it'll be good. So I, I, I like to think that they know what they're doing and it's going to be fun. But it was surprising. No, it was I, a surprising I, 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 I will give full deferment to that entire team that they, they've got license to do whatever the heck they want. What else? So we have, okay, so one one. What about Captain Marvel? That's a thing. Well, let's just say Shazam. Shazam has had a bunch of uh, stuff come out over the last week. Have you seen any of that? I I have, and it's uh, um... <laughs> we need to talk about this. Chris is going to be frustrated that he couldn't. Chris was going to come on to the the tail end of this uh, this recording. He hasn't seen Black Panther yet, but he was going to pop in and talk about other stuff, and he's going to be frustrated because he was so aggravated by the picks of. Of uh, of uh, of Levi as Shazam, that he was Instagramming, Facebook messaging, and texting me about it over the last couple of days. <laughs> and I'm like, well, clearly you don't read robotkraken.com, which is a fine entertainment website that I highly recommend. But what about what about this whole thing with uh, Zachary Levi with a digital mustache? That was hilarious as hell. But he was the one who sent that to me. I hadn't seen that. I thought that was great. And and also, what's shocking is he looks good. <laughs> Yeah, he does look good. There's a comic called Invincible, which is another sort of Superman type of, type of comic, but it's an independent book. And the characters finally meets his father, who's also a superhero guy who's an alien. You know, he's kind of like the Superman, actually, that comes down. And he's got the head hair and he's got the mustache. And so when the whole thing with, with Cavill and Justice League happened, the first thing I thought of when I heard that he was filming all his scenes with the mustache was like, oh, if this footage ever gets out, it's like Invincible, man. Yeah, and and so then when that photoshopped version with, with uh, of Shazam, when he showed me that, I was like, that, he actually pulls that off. <laughs> to be but fair, I love it that Henry Cable uh, went weighed in on it as well. Like, <laughs> did he really? I didn't see that. Yeah, yeah. Because it was what did the, he say? The disaster that was Justice uh, Justice League, right? Where they had to do the CGI non mustache. Right, right. Well, yeah. uh, totally lost in the explosion of or I, I guess it's the implosion of Justice League was that at some point Cavill started uh Instagramming as his mustache. Did you ever catch that? <laughs> I did not catch that. In my mind it was like this is a guy saying, I've got to play with this. I don't know if his agents were involved or not, but whoever You've got to own it was like, I think I need to move pa- I need to move into my own sphere because uh Warner Brothers is not gonna help me, right? I'm yeah. being hung out to dry on this. So all of a sudden he started Instagramming as Henry Cavill's mustache. And it was unreal. It was very unreal. It wasn't incredibly over the top or anything, but it was just sort of like as Henry Cavill's mustache, comma, I must say <laughs> this is happening. <laughs> and I thought, I was like, wow, that's happening right now. I don't know what's, but uh, anyway, like, so well, it's like Macaulay Culkin commenting on the Oscars just from left field. And yeah. it was brilliant. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, so absolutely brilliant. The thing with the with the Shazam stuff, we've been waiting to see, and we saw that like weird, blurry, you know, fan photo, and you're waiting for more like r- legit, you know, promo material to come out. Usually, they'll do that. If someone got some sneak peeks, they'll now release something official. And we got all we got was some more higher res uh, on set stuff, but. In a way, it's unfair because you know there's going to be a CGI layer to this, but it is really a strange combination of things happening. They've got that Golden Age Shazam costume, which is refreshing because I thought they were going to do like 
incredibly complex, layered, futuristic kind of, you know, the thing they do to all the superhero costumes now, right? This, like... No, it looks like they're going old school with it. Yeah, it's golden age, right? He's got the cape yeah. and the hood, and he's got this, like, really bright red, this orangey red. And, and I mean, it's a legit old school Shazam costume, which is great. And they're playing up the idea that it's the kid manifesting this fantasy version of a superhero, and they're, and they're really kind of playing that up. I like that. Right. But what's weird and is... And the reason that as a kid gets older, what Shazam turns into. Right. Sure. And what's interesting about it, though, is that, you know, they had... Zachary Levi went to the gym like everybody else, and, you know, he yoked out. And he's he's a tall guy, so he has the propensity for the for the Cobra, right? The lats that can get big and whatever. Yeah. But then they put him in this, this muscle suit, and there's very literal... You could see in the photos the padding. Like, they gave him thigh pads, so he's like, Burbert. You know, he looks like a... When you see linebackers with all their armor on, you know, you're like, what's happening? So you know in CGI they're going to tweak that. But in the in the footage from the filming, it, it's incredible. Like uh, Chris pointed out, it's like, how did they manage to make Zachary Levi's head look small? Because his body is so big, and then he's got his smaller head. But then they compensate with his Guido hair. Like, I don't know what's... I can say that as a Sicilian, I can say Guido hair. He has Guido hair right up at the top. Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know what's happening there. He's got something going on in his nostril. Like, he's got, I don't know, maybe someone shot him in the nostril with a something and then the the one thing i will say i really like i don't like that there's a hood that is that is structured enough that when it's behind his head it's kind of looks like he's hunching his shoulders a little bit you know mm-hmm. but but on the other hand what i like is that the little um the little metal uh brooches or pins that hold his cape together at his clavicle have the have the takitani symbol the tiger from the golden age comics right yeah. So that was pretty cool. I like that little detail. So I don't know. I'm really hoping they're going to play this in a... I, I'm really hoping they're going to be a little bit meta about it and have the kid fantasizing about being a superhero and then becoming one, but it's... They've said it's going to be big-like. I want it to be re- kind of off. I want it to be off, I guess. Sort of. I don't know. Well, i, I got to be honest with you. The one that I'm, I'm excited to see is Black Adam with The Rock. Mm-hmm. Because I, I, I really thought The Rock should be Shazam, right? <laughs> well, I, how is he not have? How has he not been something in all this time? Yeah, I don't know what that is because it has to be someone who's charismatic. Hercules from Marvel, I don't know. There's some character that he should be, and I've never known exactly what it is. He should have been Aquaman better than fucking Jason Momoa. But it, well, but but but. Would he be able to work the the chain wall at the same way? Maybe maybe he'll be Green Lantern. <laughs> that would be interesting. He needs to be a character that's really um, gregarious, like he is, because he plays best when he's playing himself. Yes. Right? So well, that's, why, that's why Black Adam will be interesting to see how he he does in that role, right? All right. So I challenge you. So who should who should he have played? Oh my god. I'll accept that dead air. I want, I want you to think about it. No, no, no. Well, I, mean, I, I always thought Captain Marvel because he, he could do the over-the-top thing, which is damn, right? Yeah. Right? He could, and he could be that do-gooder big personality, especially well, he, as a, kid, a kid's manifestation of what a superhero should be. You, you still haven't seen Jumanji, right? I have seen Jumanji. Oh, you have? Well, we can't yeah. talk about it. we got to save that for Chris. But he definitely yeah. played that, and he also played a similar sort of vibe in uh, Central Intelligence, which was not a good movie. But he definitely definitely was able to bring a quirk into his, you know, into his, his his thing, his body. 
yeah, I'm trying to think of what what kind of what character could he have what could he play other than I mean Black Adam, I don't know. Like I I don't mind him pummeling people as Black Adam, but, but he, I want I mean, someone he, more gregarious. I mean, he couldn't be Thor, right? Couldn't no. possibly be that. Um, couldn't be the Hulk. Okay, I remember what he, I thought. He, 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 he could be a live action the Hulk. Like no, I, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I remember now. No, no, I fantasy cast him like two two or three years ago. Uh, you, are you familiar with your Avengers uh, history? Yes. Okay, so do you know who Wonder Man is? Yes. I could see him as a Wonder Man. Not as the comics Wonder Man with the like the white the white guy with the with the with the fro and the sunglasses and the pop collar, but the but the the, the dynamics of that guy. Yeah. I could see him as Wonder Man. And I cast him that way two years ago. You're welcome. You're welcome. I think Black Bolt too. Black Bolt. Inhumans. That's not gregarious. He's quite be quiet no, all the he, time. But he, he he could turn it that way, right? What else? I'm just thinking of big, big dudes, right? Yeah, but it's more than just being big. It's it's that personality personality type, right? So the Punisher wouldn't work. I don't. <laughs> it's a different world. So I don't know which. I don't remember in my comics continuity which came first, whether it was Wonder Man or Wonder Man must have come first, right? Guy Gardner is a mm-hmm. similar sort of, bom- you know, sort of bombastic person. But but there's... Some- oh, no. In the DC world, he should have been Booster Gold. Yeah. Oh, there's a lot of Aryans who would disagree with me. But... <laughs> or, or, he, or he could be... Or he, could, he would have been a good claw, too. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, certainly the way... Certainly the way Andy Serkis played him. Yeah. But then again, that was never in the comics. I mean, I feel like that was 100% circus just going nuts. I don't know. That's interesting. Okay. All right. Well, this could be a recurring theme. <laughs> you know, <laughs> how do you... <laughs> but we'll see. How do you we'll see with Black Adam. Adam. I mean, because he's committed to Black Adam now. So I yeah. think he's... Did you, see, did you see that he accepted his Razzie for the abysmal Baywatch and he actually like was very uh, he showed up yeah he was very charming well he videoed it in but he was very yeah. charming and uh, gra- gracious about it and he said you know we tried to make a funny movie and hey it didn't quite work out but what the hell and I, you know I don't know it's just there's something so if he's full of shit and he's a dick it will piss me off because he's not full he of shit he comes a, off yeah he comes I mean he's he's got some ego and everything else because he's a yoked out dude and everything but but he's self-deprecating about his ego. He is, and he's co- and he comes off as someone who understands the shit that he's doing. Yeah, and I follow him. <laughs> I do too. I, I follow him on Instagram and on the F book. Well, uh, and I love it. Well, I don't. Yeah, I'm trying to. Yeah, I'm, I have a minimal thing on the feces book. But when you when you when you look at Instagram, his, Instagram, his Instagram, no, no, I do. But if you look at his Instagram versus Jason Momoa, and I want to just rag on Momoa, but. No, These are can. two it's yoked okay. out handsome guys who are getting a lot of heat right now. But Momoa's living the lifestyle of his characters. He's like, ah, you know, drinking the Guinness sponsor and I'm mountain climbing and I'm throwing flaming tomahawks like in my movie and all this other stuff. <laughs> and I mentioned and then, Lisa Bonet. Yeah, yeah, right. Oh, did I mention Lisa Bonet? Oh, by the way, you know, whatever it is. Michelle Branch just stopped by, you know, whatever. Like I have 90s <laughs> music references. But then, but then Dwayne Johnson is very self-deprecating. Yes, it's and also when he was on Saturday Night Live, he was great. Yes, he, he was not like trying too hard or being stiff. 
he was very natural. He has a very he has a very um, vivid charisma that I really like. Yes, well, that's, that's why I love him in uh, No Pain, No Gain. Right? I mean, that was oh, a do you remember that movie? I do. I've seen it five times since we watched it. <laughs> because when we watched it together in that in that rental house. We burned through a bottle. We burned through a bottle of bullet, and I remember that the last two thirds, well, like the last third of it at least, you were sawing all kinds of logs. (laughs) Yeah, you you hit your critical mass on that movie. I just couldn't believe how good that was compared to what we expected it to be. And Southland Tales. I mean, still one of his first four. I loved him in Southland Tales. Do you know? Dig this. That's a casualty of the technology transition i have southland tales on, or i had it on like dvd right as blue right as i was transitioning all the blu-ray and i never saw it i never saw it that's too bad do you see the rundown uh no because everett scott's in it so why would i do that you mean sean william scott that's the one i mean yeah when i said everett scott what i meant was sean william scott and why would yeah. i see that no but, but because it's a really good movie and it, it was on the first directed <laughs> by peter berg yeah, that's but you're okay. So first of all, you're coming you're coming to me from someone who says he really loves Blade two and three. And second of all, you just talked up no, Peter Berg. I said I love Blade. Yeah, it's it's associated, and also Peter Berg. Tell me why you tell me why you're a fan of Peter Berg. I, I'm not saying I'm a fan of Peter Berg. I'm a fan of this Peter Berg movie. Mm-hmm. It's just like Sean William Scott and The Rock were together in Southland Tales, and I thought they were a very compelling. Uh, duo in the rundown. They actually, they actually were a pretty good comedic duo in that. So, all right, I'm sold. I'll go rent it. I'll rent it. I try to separate, you know, the, these greater stories about who is and who is not an asshole. And I just like to live in the moment of a movie. And whether I enjoy it or not, I just evaluate it for that. Every well, once in a while, you, get, you you have fun with people like The Rock and Yeah. And, uh, okay, you I, say but, that, but related to that, I I tried to sit through. Daddy's home too with my lovely wife. Well, that's just fucking asinine. And I could not. I first of all didn't like Daddy's home one because I don't like the idea of fathers and stepfathers competing. But second of all, I didn't see any of that nonsense. No. But second of all, the the sequel did another meet the Fockers kind of thing, right? They brought the parents in. Oh God! Don't even bring up that. Mel Gibson's in, and I couldn't. I don't know why I hold him. To things that other actors seem to sort of bleed away Wait, from there. Like... <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Other other actors do stupid shit, and then they somehow get away from it. But I cannot let go. You know what it is? I can't let go of Mel Gibson because not only is he an anti-Semite, but what he did was he got drunk and he said mean-spirited things to women and and, yes. and other people. And in my mind, no, he's a piece of shit. No, he's a piece yeah, of shit. In my mind, when people are drunk and they say mean things, it's unlocking a mean thing in them, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people do stupid stuff. A lot of people do really stupid. I've done stupid stuff. But I like to think that I don't get lit and then and I'm not mean. I get lit and I get silly. He got he got lit and he was really, really mean and 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 just a, like a dark person. And so I can't get away from that. And the fact that his celebrity and his wealth has allowed him to come around it and now he's coming back. Daddy's home too. I could not get... I couldn't get away from him. Every time he was on screen, I was like, well, other than the fact that he got really thick in the neck, I just couldn't deal with his... <laughs> I just saw him being anti-Semitic, like off camera or something. I don't know. I couldn't do it. I get it. I so get it. anyway, so that's the thing I couldn't handle as far as bringing an actor in but not being able to uh, divorce from their their personal life. Mm-hmm. 
What else has been going on? Let's see. So, did you see that Expanse Season 3 has a uh, trailer out? Do you see that? Yeah, and I'm very disappointed in that trailer. Why so? Which one? The, the sneaky one or the full one? Uh, the, 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 the speaking. Like, we've got to be who we need to be. And okay, have did you see the full one that came out oh, like two days ago? Damn it. Just give me some science and give me some aliens. Did you see the, the one that came out two days ago? The full no. one? No. What's weird about it is this. It seems to be... All right. Here's what I'm confused about. So for people who haven't read The Expanse, we're going to sort of kind of sort of get into the stuff in the books that we haven't talked about. And our, pro- our long promised thing about we're going to talk about Expanse for like 18 hours, whatever. And we but, haven't even talked about the, the newest book either. Right? No, no. I know. We're going to do that. We're going to do the whole thing. We, we said we're going to do day into night and today again, and we're just going to talk about all the books. But so I was posting on robot-kraken.com, and it's a very entertaining entertainment website you should check out. I was posting that there's all this casting news from Expanse, and it's very clear that they're casting... I don't remember the name of the book. I'm sorry. But it's they're casting the the trip out to the gate and that whole thing, right? They've got Anna, and I mean, it's very clear that they're casting all of the, all of those characters. And yet, then we see this, prom, this promo for season three of Expanse, and it's it's like the second half of... Of the uh, protocol storyline, yeah, yeah, Abaddon's Gate. Yeah, yeah I, I'm not, I'm not well equipped, and I don't have the little cheat sheet of all the names because they mean nothing, <laughs> right, to me. Yeah. But you know what I mean. It's more, it's like looking but, back at more of the what it is is it's like looking back at it's like a more it's got more protomolecule bugaboos and stuff, and then there's the implication that we're going to get into the whole thing with Naomi's ex and. Right, they, they never did. They show at the end of the expansion uh, uh, of season two the proto molecule heading off into space to form the so. gate. Well, I don't know. I don't so, think they did. Here's my I, problem. I, I, I thought I go... the last scene there was so the, it was that ship that went down yeah. that got you know atomized and the people sitting there smiling or whatever the fuck they were doing. Well, no, uh, no, it was uh, it was Adam Savage and the other guy riding yeah, yeah. a research vessel that went out to uh, to uh, is it Venus. Venus, yeah, yeah, and then and then it gets disassembled, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the, but that, that that was it, right? They never showed. Did anything they show? That. Did they actually show the the whole thing of trying to remember the whole thing about the the, the fact that the proto molecule moved the whole station and all that stuff? No, oh, yeah, they did that. They did, did they that. do that? Because yeah, I cannot. Yeah. I've lost track of what I visualized it from reading the from the where. What I saw in the show versus what I visualize when I read the books. Yeah, yeah. I've gotten no, all that, that, that was all point with the okay. the, the the main kid. The, okay, the, they, okay, talking they, over the Venus. Right, they showed him trying to drag the bombs and stuff and having to reset the thing every time. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So um, I plan for my next trip over to Asia is that I'm going to um, download all of the Expanse stuff and rewatch it all, just because I want to. Now that I've read through all the books and all the extra, all the shorts and everything else, I've read through everything I possibly can. I want to go back and watch the show again and see if it changes my perspective on it at all. Yep. So anyway, I'm super stoked that it's like a month away. But on the other hand, you know, I like I can't tell whether the promos that or the the news I heard about the casting is for the is for seasons for like a season four or whether it's still part of this one. Because if it's part of this one, that means that they're including the end of book two plus book three and part of book four, and I don't know. Yeah, I think it's still not. I think this is before. Uh, probably the, the event mid season is going to be the proto molecule forming the gate. Right. Well, I feel like the gate's got to be the end of the season. 
So that means that this next that means that season three is all is going to be everything mm-hmm. from Venus, and then it rises up and takes off. But then there's a lot of human stuff that's happening in that time. There's a whole. So it's going to take Caliban's war and then go to Abaddon's gate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was bringing all of the books out of my bedroom stack of books to read, and then I was bringing it out to the to the Grafis for you know hard storage. And I had this stack of books in my hand, and I was looking at the titles, and I realized I can't tell you what was in each of those books because the titles are like impenetrable. I don't know. Yeah, what, I, I, I don't still know don't know they, what they. I don't know where they get the titles of these things that they they just seem to be plucked out of. Ah, so frustrating. Google word search. Well, yeah, and it's like I get that they're all myth, they're all uh, mythological references, and I've looked up each of them, but it doesn't matter because they mean nothing to the concept of the story. Right. And then, it, and then it's like the cover art. I mean, the cover art for the expanse stuff is not. It's not offensive, like a lot of sci-fi, which is like. But it's not good either. It's not great either. It's like it's like random. It's like random satellites or ran, like random ships meeting random space stations, and then yeah. there's some random other stuff catching the glow but, but, of the sun. But for all the all the content of the books, the the titles could be like uh, Fudge Roses and uh, <laughs> uh, and event temple and, you know, anything. Cause it just doesn't, it, it, it totally. Well, if, if we can diverge into the, uh, the controversy of sci-fi, uh, illustrations, I have two comments on that. One, I appreciate the fact that most books, they get their cover art commissioned well in advance of the material being finished. And, and it's basically just sort of general, you know, you know, it, it, it's generally got to feel like it looks fits sort of the book, and then that's good enough, right? So I appreciate the fact that the first edition of any sci-fi book is going to have cover art that doesn't make sense. But what shocks me is when they do reprints, and the cover art doesn't get better. <laughs> like, look at what look at what happened with like uh, with with Gibson stuff. Yeah. Mona Lisa Overdrive or Count Ze- Count Zero, for example, had. Shit cover, shit cover. One good cover with like a chrome female female head for no reason, and then shit cover, shit cover again. For the five or snow crash. Or snow, snow crash. crash. Nothing about snow crash is in the cover art. Absolutely right. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. But but as an artist, it drives me nuts when I see cover art for sci-fi books that makes no sense and doesn't capture okay. the spirit of it. It's just the editor, like Tor, right? The publisher. Yeah. yeah. That they got a cousin that. You know, as a graphic art something, and they just give them that job. <laughs> right, right. And it's really frustrating. And part of that is the bias that we read it. We read it, and then we look at the cover, and so we have the benefit of having read the story that the artist didn't have. If I know what the story is, I'm going to do a lot better job of conveying at least my point of view of what that was. Right. And these artists are just doing some generic stuff. But, but it's I've got frustrating. That, yeah, yeah, but but even more so about the art. The title usually means something, right? right? And, and this, in this case, it really does not. In the expanse, it, it's really good that the books in what's inside the shitty art with the shitty title is really good. Yeah, because it's infuriating. It's just like all right. Yeah. So speaking of infuriating, it's almost like I had a segue planned. Speaking of infuriating, and speaking of the issue of cover art not aligning with the content. And some controversy related to that, possibly. Did you catch? Did you catch all this with Terry Goodkind? No. So he had a series of books which I didn't read, and I feel like it was Legends of the. Uh, anyway, anyway. So he's yeah, whatever. He's a contemporary science fiction writer, 
Looks like a dickhead if you see his portrait. Just to warn you. So, this is what really... Oh, the Sword of Truth, I think, was his story. Anyway, so here's the thing. He was really, really frustrating because, as an artist, it was really frustrating to see this. He posted on Instagram or whatever, Twitter or whatever it was, he posted the cover art to his latest book and said, Hey, everybody comment in the in the comments section all the things that you hate about this piece of shit cover art that my editor put together for my latest book and how it doesn't represent my book at all. So he threw the artist under the bus in a public forum on something that the artist has nothing to do with, right? And he did it in a public way. And so and of course the the you know the feedback of course is very negative. So everyone went back on him and said, like, you know, you're being a dick. Because what's the problem with the cover? It wasn't that bad. But the idea that he would call out the artist and throw them, just rake them over the coals in a public way, when the artist has nothing to do with it, it's the editor who commissioned it, and the artist doesn't even, they have maybe a, a paragraph to work from or something, and or like the synopsis, and then they do the art. And it was actually a quite good cover. There was nothing offensive about it. But he was like, oh, it's sexist and whatever else. Like, she has a female character in the foreground is holding the sword or something. But she actually is, like, fully dressed, and I don't even know what the deal was. But it was so um, unnerving to see him flip out about it and to do it in such a callous way. You, did not, you didn't see any of that. No, I'm, I'm seeing it now. Yeah. It's, uh, it's kind of gross, man. But again, tour books. Tour books. Tour books. I hate They're to say it. They're known for this kind of stuff. Like, like back... What is it from the sixties, right? Tor and yeah. all the art was very. I mean, they're, they. I think it's a badge of honor for them about how shitty their artwork is. Well, and in this book, I mean, if you think about the history of Tor stuff, you saw that cover. Now you've you've researched, right? Yeah. It's, it's not, not bad. There's it's nothing not bad. wrong with it. It's not yeah. offensive at all, and yet he's calling it laughingly bad. So what was he exact? So okay, it didn't fit his perspective of what his characters were, but is he new? Why would you be so? Why would you be so he's unprofessional? To throw the, yeah, he's an yeah. asshole. Yeah. It really, really frustrates me when I saw it. When I saw that, I just I just felt like it was kind of gross. He did apologize on Facebook. Oh, good for him. Yeah. He also had like a, a tight beard and a ponytail. So did he apologize about that? He should have. <laughs> that was rude. I shouldn't have said that. Look at you, hate hating the aesthetic. Not fair. Yeah. Not fair. Yeah. But anyway, I just thought it was poor don't, form. Don't hate the hater, hate the game. Yeah, I just thought it was poor form. Poor form. All right, well let's all right. Let's 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 more briefly talk about our um our planned plundering and our recommended rum segments. So recommended okay. rum. Do you have any rum recommendations for us today? <clears throat> Things that I think people should see that they haven't seen. Things that you have recently experienced that you enjoy that you want to recommend. Uh, going to Lausanne in winter uh, and and just sitting on the shore of Lake Geneva with a beer. In terms of content that your average <laughs> robot dash kraken listener could enjoy, let uh, I me. Mean, uh, there is a good book that I just finished. Which that is? I, it's not Fire and Fury inside the Trump White House. Um, uh, um, the uh, Collapsing Empire by John Scalzi. Oh yes, yeah. What's it about? The interdependency uh, kind of uh, uh, space opera thing. It's kind of nice. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Right on. Yep. Any shows or movies that you want to mention? 
What, did you see anything? Well, uh, I mean, the, move, the movies I've seen that I think everybody else has seen as well. I, I threw out my my two for Peter Berg that got lambasted earlier, but I'll still hold two. Um, oh, my God. His, that movie with the Vegas thing, Very Bad Things. Yes. I, it was a violent assault on me. <laughs> no, I remember feeling vividly assaulted by it. The, the freneticness. Uh, I get that he was doing the thing. But how frenetic and shocking it was like splattering. It was like it was like some sort of like mm-hmm. epileptic seizure on you, plus hookers being hooked on walls. Like ugh. Yes, it was very it was very rough. What has he done that you really liked though? Peter Berg? Yeah. Kingdom of Heaven Heaven, maybe? Did he do that? No, 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 no. Hold on. Um I feel like he did something that maybe So he did, he did Hell or High Water. He produced that. Which well he is... produced it, so mm-hmm. we'll give him credit for that. Uh, we're going to talk about that soon, by the way. Chris got to it, and I need to watch it. It is it is really fantastic. Yeah, I'm um, looking forward to it. Um, hold on just a moment. Um, As you consult your memory banks. Yes. No. Well, Hancock, I liked. Oh, yeah. The Kingdom, Hancock I liked. Is, Kingdom is what I was thinking of before. Yeah. Hancock is, like, maligned, but I actually uh, I thought the first third of it was really good. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, you cannot, you can never overlook uh, Battleship. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, the high mark of his career, Battleship. Yeah, yeah. Peter. Um, but I, I would go back to Hancock and the uh, and the Kingdom. I thought mm-hmm. those were really good. Um, the rundown I liked. Um, as an, as a kid growing up in LA, I liked Hancock because it felt very much like things I imagined growing up in LA. Imagining superhero battles in LA, <laughs> right? So that part exactly. was perfect. Yeah. yeah. But uh, you know and. I think very bad things. He was trying to become a controversial director, so he did that kind of over the yeah. top. I just don't like girls hung on hooks, man. Yeah. Well, you know. go talk to Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. Well, yeah. Listen. Um, but um, I'm sorry. The I'm trying to get the uh, fan, a fantastic woman, which is not a okay. sci-fi film whatsoever. But uh, Carrie and went, Carrie and I went to go see that uh, a couple of weeks ago. And, and it is fantastic. And it was before it got, I even knew it was up for an Academy Award Best Language Film, which it ultimately won. Uh, and that is a that is a great movie. That's the one from Chile? Yep. Huh. I saw images of it, but I've never, I mean, like I saw like promo stuff for it, but I haven't, yeah, I haven't heard yeah, no, about it. Is, it is really, really incredibly well done. I don't get to go out to movies and stuff because I have babysitter problems, but. Yeah. Doris is a little, my lovely wife is a little bit annoyed that I saw Black Panther without her. She's like, oh, I want to see Black Panther. I'm like, well then, but I have a birthday, I have a birthday coming up and I, and I have earmarked it for Isle of, Isle of Dogs. And so I think my, I can take her to that. My but, spouse thanked me for seeing Black Panther without her. I see. Okay. So as far as, um, recommended rum for me, let's see. So I've started Jessica Jones season two. And I'm two episodes in, and I quite liked it. It has the Netflix Marvel thing, the kind of the problem that they have where the slow burn, slow burn feels much like the last. It feels so well, so well connected to the last season because it's a continuation of it. Like it feels like it's like the same, which is a criticism that some people have for it. However, I think they are moving the story forward. It is. It's internally consistent with what they've established, and I'm enjoying the storyline, and I'm enjoying the people that are in it so far. So, it's good. 
I'm working on it. Um, it's not like Iron Fist or even the Defenders to, to a degree where you're like, oh, no, what are they doing? It doesn't have that feeling. It feels very core to her. Like, I don't know. It feels right. So I'm so far so good. I hope I'm not wrong with it later, but so far it's good. Um, what else? What else? That's pretty much that's pretty much it for me. I have a queue of stuff to watch, but honestly, I have been so... I got over my jet lag, but then I've been burning through work and other stuff, so I haven't had a chance to really dive in. I basically started... I started Mute, and I started uh, Altered Carbon, and I finished Android's Dream. And now, what? where are you with all those? Done. All of them? Yep. All right, well, we'll talk about it. I'm working on it. Um, yeah, that's it. So what about our uh, what about our planned plundering segment where we talk about things that we're going to see? Or we're well, gonna I mean, there's only one thing on the radar. Oh, yes? Infinity. Bad Grandpa? Infinity. Infinity War. So I'm really frustrated that we're getting into the hot, hot heat of things to watch, and I have this litany of travel coming up that's going to, you know, put a monkey wrench in my plans. I wanted to go and get all my tickets for things, but I don't. The problem is my my uh, travel schedule is very volatile right now. I don't know when I'm going to be gone. Other than the first week of April, which I know I'm gone, past that, all of April and the first half of May, I could be gone and I could be not, so I don't know. And that's when all this stuff happens. <laughs> it's really frustrating. Well, we can, we can go see Pacific Rim 2 and Sherlock Gnomes March 23rd. Sherlock Gnomes. So... Mm-hmm. Of, uh, Infinity War, we're definitely going to see together, and we're going to try and bring Khalil to that as well. Mm-hmm. So we're going to yeah. do that, even if it's the third or fourth time we see it collectively. That's whatever, fine. It doesn't That's matter. fine. We're going to see. It. Pacific, I'm going to see Pacific Rim Uprising too. Just because I'm going to see that too, and, I, and if it. If I'm around when it comes out, I'm happy to go with you. I think that's a good late night movie. I don't give a shit. It'd be fun. I'm thinking Borg versus McEnroe isn't the Star Trek crossover tennis movie I'm waiting for. So. <laughs> yeah. You know what's funny about Pacific Rim is the first few previews for that, I had no interest. I thought it looked like garbage. It didn't look like they had con- brought anything forward from it that was going to be interesting, and I was very disappointed. And then they showed a preview for it right before Black Panther that had more stuff in it. And yeah. I was like, yeah, like it's not that it's going to be good, but it could be fun. Yeah, I think yeah. it's going to be fun. That's all you can. That's all you can hope for. Yeah. That it started to and veer into, and then Deadpool two. Yeah, when's that? Like later though. It's in uh, May. May. Well, we have that. Um, I think I'm going to see May 18th. Yeah. yeah, and and I am going to see Ready Player One. I haven't read the book. <clears throat> I'm a little bit turned off by the initial preview, but I think I'm going to see that. I, I'm not, read that. I'm 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 ashamed to admit that I may wait for a solo to come out on video. <laughs> really? No, come on. It's going to be awful. No, it's not. It's going to be good. I I choose to believe. No, the you've biggest got four, you've got three directors on it. I and mean, come on. No, no, no. The biggest problem. That's not fair. Two were the sharing to see. So the biggest problem they ever made was you and McGregor doing such a good impression of Sir Alec Guinness that they convinced everyone that they have to do impressions to make it sell. And if they're bold enough to just let him just have mannerisms and just run with it, if they can make it work, I'm willing to accept it. I will say this. I wish it wasn't Han Solo and Lando. I wish it was, you know, whoever and their friend Frank, and it was an entirely different group of people, and I would have been perfectly fine. Like, the Millennium Falcon 
You know Frank. <laughs> the, the shipyard story. The shipyard story of how the Millennium Falcon yeah. was made. No, but you know what I'm saying. No, actually, I would I would love that movie. I would say a good three or four hundred pages of the Expanse novels are about shipyards. You know, uh, I, I'm totally down with that. I'm just saying, like, I actually would totally like that if it was like some random people birthing. You know, like taking the Millennium Falcon out of birth. I would have been fine. But anyway, I still choose to believe it's going to be good. I want it to be good. Yeah. I tend to be optimistic about doomed projects, so I don't know. I don't know. But I also feel like Disney is the kind of company that would be like, "No, we're gonna we're gonna shutter that," yeah. like they did with Boba Fett, right? No. So I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Uh, there you go. Do you watch Star Trek Rebels? No. So that 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 uh, animated series had a finale last week or whatever it is, and they introduced a radical new power for the Jedi involving time travel. And so all the people who watched that, and since Rebels is part Wait, of you're the saying, main... Do you say Star Trek Rebels or Star Wars Rebels? Rebels. Star Wars. Okay, because Star Trek didn't have... Yeah, okay. I didn't say that. Did I say that? If I, I did, I, if I, did I was trying to bait you. Yeah. Anyway. So... <clears throat> I, can't, I can't do Star Trek anymore after the, the Mushroom Drive. <laughs> mushroom Drive. So did you give up on that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> What? So I'm sorry, dude. I'm sorry. I can go a lot of places for a lot of things. Uh, well, mushroom warp, mushroom warp. I just can't. I'm done. So this is frustrating, and we need to talk about discovery more, even if it's just a shit show. I want to talk to you more about it because, you know, we're well armed to have opinions about it. But it's not the mushroom drive that I had a problem with. It was that this is also <laughs> theoretically supposed to be in continuity. That's problematic to me. Yeah, I, <clears throat> I if it's a multiverse, that. I don't give a shit. It's fine. If it's in continuity, there's serious problems. Yeah. Uh, well, I have a lot of fundamental issues with this show, but yeah, yeah. everybody right. likes it. Go enjoy it. No, no, no. So we, I want to talk about that because I love, I love, I love a good shit show. So we'll talk, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. Some of that. Uh, I want mushrooms on my pizza where they belong. Uh, <laughs> what about space bears? How do you feel about those? Uh, yeah, no thanks. <laughs> I need to go to bed now. Thanks. I have so, nightmares. Yeah. So my plan plundering is to finish my Jessica Jones. To finish my mute. Uh, and uh, also, the other thing is, I'm about to crack the the yet unopened uh, uh, Neil Stevenson books that I have here. Oh. Which I know you're excited about. And because you talked it up so much, I'm thinking about reading Altered Carbon. You should. How do you feel about the show versus the books, in a nutshell? I like the books a lot more. Really? Yeah. All right. But that's usually the case. Yeah, right. Of course. Has there ever been a scenario where it was the inverse of that? Star Wars. <laughs> That's not fair. <laughs> well, you asked. <laughs> Splinter in the mind's eye didn't work for you? <laughs> no. <Come on. laughs> hey, this is Chris from com. If you're looking for the best in geeky home soap, alchemy, scents, art, and pretty much anything else for your Home? I just said home seven times, Tom. You can use that soap at work. You can use it in a van. <laughs> Would you I? Use could it, I? You can use it with a pan. <laughs> you can use it's, it at a con. Out of all the crevices from from Mystique and beyond. <laughs> I bet the more your soap is used at conventions, the better. The more you soap. <laughs> what else do you have? This is an what ad for you. This is an ad for you. Books. Butch plates, uh, enamel pins, 
Uh, what love else do those I pins. have? I don't know. I've given up, Tom. I love your pins. Don't give up. This is live airtime. <laughs> this is being broadcast around the world, possibly to the space station. This this could be broadcast to other planets, for all we know. Or art prints. You have art prints. You have original art. You I have do. Me- We've you got have podcasts metal. there. You have metal prints. Ah, uh, no. <laughs> you do. Not, not on the website. Well, but but you have them. I do make what metal prints, yes. You need yes. to put them on the website. And in the meantime, you can get them at the shows. Yes, yeah. You can get those in person. Uh, we're doing a Kickstarter right now for uh, our alchemy project that will probably be ended as I say this and realize that. No, no. So theoretically, we'll have candles and beard oil and all sorts of fun stuff. We're doing bath bomb powder now. I like those. We're working on a card deck and a new board game. So a little bit of everything over there. Bath bombs are great because you put the kids in the bath and then you throw it in and you say, you know. And they explode. Yeah. <laughs> they scream and then they realize it's fizzy and smells nice. <laughs> yeah, Work we're it. actually not. Um, no fizz? No, we don't have kids, so I don't know what it's like <laughs> to blow them up in a bathtub. You ever put, a dog, I, I put a dog in the bath and then put the, put the thing. <laughs> Where can people find these fine goods for their home or not their home? You can find those fine goods for your home or others' homes. <laughs> others' homes. That's right. They make great gifts. Drop off a bomb in an unmarked package. Don't somebody's. do that. Don't do that. <laughs> we don't recommend that. But if you wanted to, <laughs> you could do it by going to deeplydapper.com. <laughs> I downloaded an open source uh, recording of like two hours of some local radio station in Indiana's commercials. Where they just okay. ran the tape and they were just doing the commercials over and over again. Is your upholstery old and you need a new upholstery? Go to Jack's Upholstery. You know, and it's just on and on for like two hours. It's the most amazing thing. I've taken three That's or four clips epic. for other things. This is like that, but the difference this is, is virtually unlike that upholstery. long at this point. No, but unlike upholstery ads, this is about awesome merchandise, soaps, arts, gifts, all kinds of goods that everyone needs. They can go to where to get it. Yeah, everybody bathes, everybody but where, likes where, art. But they go to deeplydapper.com. They do, and they can also listen to my other podcasts there. I have the Excellent. podcasket over there. and and Over there in cyberspace. That I've totally forgotten about. <laughs> so that's deeplydapper.com for all your gift needs. Chris McClanahan of Deeply Dapper. It's been a moon and a day since you've been on this show that has your name on it. <laughs> it has. I've tried to avoid it. No, you haven't. You sucked me in. You keep you keep saying, I'm going to record this week. Things are going to be great. And then you're like, scurvy. And then that's it. Yeah, basically. You're out. Yeah. <laughs> you're I out. think the last time we recorded, we were in the same room, uh, weren't we? That's right. I think you're right. Or the, or in the in the vehicle, something. Yeah. yeah. How, how has the winter treated you in <sighs> your homeland? Ankle North... Idaho. Did you say fecal North Idaho? I feel like that's a town that might exist. <laughs> uh, it's been a long winter, definitely. Uh, we're finally starting to get some warm weather. We still have some snow on the ground out there, but it's warm enough that I could open up the studio and get in here, which is nice. Yes, I'd say. And uh, it's warm enough that I can see on this camera that no one else can see that your dog Ursa is chilling on the floor there, not frozen solid. That's a good sign. Yeah, yeah. It's always good when they they don't freeze to death <laughs> on the floor. I'm not yet a dog owner, but I've been reading, and my my reading has told me don't let them freeze. <laughs> it's it's one of the top rules. Yes. <laughs> no chocolate. For no anything. no freezing. 
<laughs> prevention of death is always helpful. <laughs> hey, I have an idea. I want a buck. I want a what the hell is that? I want a buck convention. Don't worry about it. I want a buck convention, and instead of waiting until the very end, I want to talk about our con appearances now. I want to do it at the beginning because what if people listen and then like five minutes in they're like, "This is garbage." There's not enough, you know. I'd really like to see these guys in person, but female cosplayers on this show. So let's, you know. So (laughs) what? What is your next show? Uh, my next show is sadly the Silicon Valley Comic Con without you. Don't say sad. Why is it sad? Because you're not going to be there. Well, that's true. It's very sad. I appreciate what the you say. The ultimate in sad. No, and the and the reality is that uh, this year we intended to do the show together. We got the tables and everything else, and then I found out towards you know, pretty last minute that I had the opportunity to go to Japan, and so I had to weigh those two. Is so, it an opportunity or is it a requirement? It's an opportunity. Oh. And I, I've wanted to go to Japan since I was a kid, and I have an opportunity to go and be hosted by a major corporation there and on my other in my other life, my day job as an architect. And so um, I, <laughs> I had to do it. So I'm super stoked because I get to do that, but I'm super disappointed because I miss Silicon Valley, and you're going to go it alone, but you're going to represent both of us, right? Yes, yes. There will be some stuff from Third Rail there. I've got... I actually have the bulk of your product here. So <laughs> it's why true, not sell it? <laughs> I'd like to say it's the bulk. It's just the bulk of what existed at the time. Yeah, that's a good point. But anyway, so you're going to be coming down for that in sunny California. Yeah. Bring water because we, <laughs> we have a perpetual drought here. Even if people uh, water their lawns at, you know, one in the afternoon, it's true. We have a drought. <laughs> be mindful of it. So am I going to show up with water bottles and just have it suddenly be empty? Is that <laughs> It's pretty much. Work? That's how it works here. That's what I'm told. That's messed up, man. I know. And then what else? What is, what's after Silicon Valley for you? Uh, after Silicon, I go up to Portland for Wizard World Portland. Uh-huh. And then down to Salem, Oregon for the Cherry City Comic Con. Are those pretty close together? Those, like a two-week stretch out there. Uh-huh. That's so going to be cool. Pretty, yeah, it's pretty cool. I, I like... I like that show. I like being out in that area, so that should be pretty fun. But uh, it's it's kind of the start to a crazy period of cons for us, so it should be interesting. Is anyone coming with you for these shows? or uh, Lindsay's coming with me to the both of the Oregon shows. Uh, typically, it would be where we take another extra week and stay out there on the coast somewhere and just kind of turn it into a little bit of a vacation. But... Honestly, I think we may be too behind on prep and everything else this time, and we might just have to come back out. But we'll see. Are you going to have any help at Silicon Valley? Uh, no. Wow. Because you've abandoned me. God damn. I mean, I can't <laughs> deny it. <laughs> it is. It's no, I, I am actually sharing a hotel room with uh, my buddy Jason from Cutie Hats. Um, they sell handmade... Um, Please tell like me hats. Hats of nerd types. And he's he's going to room with me just because hotels down there are ungodly, not cheap. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> Silicon Valley, man. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Everybody, Everybody's a venture capitalist. Oh, is or, that what or, is? or an entrepreneur. I want to be one of those things. Do they, which one makes more money? 
That's a good question. I'm glad you asked. I don't know. I'd like to. I'd like to know. Are you having a refreshing beverage? It seems like a good time for the sun. I am indeed. Second. I haven't opened it yet, but I have one sitting here in front of me, begging me to open it. What do you have? So let me let me do that. In quadraphonic sound. Quadraphonic. No, you're staying in here. My That's weird. Your ice, are, your ice are like leaping out. That's not a good sign. Are you using Vietnamese melon melon uh, soda like I do? <laughs> I am drinking a Wells Sticky Toffee Pudding Ale. Why did you do that to yourself, man? Because I needed something light. That's, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Stash to your ribs. <laughs> well, <laughs> the thing is, is like everything else I have in my, my fridge right now is like, like thick coffee stouts and like nine percent beers and that kind of shit and this is like a five percent beer and it's just a little ale um so it's five percent beer and 95 percent sugar water it is it's not as sweet as you would think actually but it does it does have a little bit of that toffee flavor to it nice not bad nice all right uh so i'm having i mean i don't have a fancy drink with a fancy name tonight I'm having a delicious uh, margarita. I'll tell you what, though. Uh, fairly recently, over the last two months, I've been making my margaritas with mezcal instead of tequila. Have you ever <laughs> done such a thing? Okay. Do you know the difference between the two? I'm aware of it. Okay, so mezcal just has a really smoky flavor because of the way it's been distilled. And so I started it's made making... with the same product, just... Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, so I started making... A mez... I, I experimented with mezcal when I was making palomas for an office party. And in my other life. And so I love a Paloma. It's a little bit less sugar than a margarita. And I like grapefruit juice. And so... What the hell's going on here? I'm sitting on my own cell. All right, anyway, so I made it with mezcal. And so it was... And also jalapenos. So it was very smoky and very spicy. And okay. Salty, delicious. Uh, and then it ran out. Because it's not that... It's sort of like trying to find a sour. Right? You can't find a sour anywhere, practically. It's Mezcal is the same way. At least it has been for me so far. Anyway, I finally got another bottle, but I haven't cracked it. So right now I'm using, uh, oh boy, oh boy. Hey, uh, our buddy, uh, Born Again Blake is trying to get in. Let me give him a new, oh, he is. Let me give him a new invite. Um, he heard we were talking about alcohol and was like, wait, I'm in. <laughs> He's like, exactly. He heard, he heard the siren song of his people. Um, <laughs> so... Anyway, so I'm making a margarita tonight with with regular tequila, delicious tequila, and uh, it's made from uh, Campo Azul. Can I make a confession? I've never had a margarita. What? Never. No, that's a falsehood. You are a liar. You're a lion sack of shit, and I'll tell you why. I took you to Joe's Tacos when you were here, and I had gave you a margarita. Don't tell me you didn't have one. What? Yes. Joe's Tacos? I took you there. I, I don't think I had a margarita there. Son of a bitch! All right, so here's the thing: that's going to happen when we when we do our next show together, which is I, you never asked me what my shows were going to be, and that's a little bit disappointing. But when we do our next shows together, we're going to do we're going to have margaritas as part of that because we have to. I, I Sour mean, and I mean, salty. That was a very long time ago. I'm sure we'll look up the photo of the meal that we posted, but it would take too long and it's way too much effort. But <laughs> I know it's not searchable. Search for the rad thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, 
We've been uh, joined by 0KSDAVDWA plus E. That might or might not be Blake. I'm oh, please let it be a robot. Is that Blake Simmons? Blake Bornigan Simmons? It is Blake Bornigan Simmons. <gasps> oh my god, it's Blake. I love that guy. Hey, you reached I... us just in time for our Sucking a Monkey segment. Please tell oh, me I'm... that you're sucking some monkey. I'm uh, drinking a La Croix. Pamplemousse. Ah, is it good? Yeah, it's light and refreshing. It's delightful. Did you just La send me a temple moose? Temple moose. He just sent me a, a an image of that says soul crushing meeting. That's not the way to start a podcast. <laughs> <let me tell laughs> you. I couldn't resist, dude. It was hilarious. <laughs> but but, but I, I love uh, deeply D's uh, vacant chair garage motif. With uh, <laughs> the chairs are on the video feed. That's really inspiring. Great. That's pretty great. <laughs> every every three minutes or so, Ursa will stick stick the head up. Oh, the there it is. Yeah. How's it going, Chris? <laughs> My hair is wonderful today. Show your hair. We want to see. The listeners can't, but we want to see your hair again. Let's see it. Nice. Now that's a zesty enterprise. Like a, if I ever saw one. Creepy text scrabble for me. I don't have a picture of him. It's just like a text. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there he is. Look at all the look at all the bald guys that just showed up on my screen. <laughs> it, it, it's like a geriatric Chippendales ward here. Uh... <laughs> Not. We don't have good enough slacks, but otherwise, yes. I don't own slacks. <laughs> Whatever. Down. Whatever, Johnny Government. You own like probably 30 slacks. <laughs> those, are my, you, those are my warm-up pants. You have 30 <laughs> slacks and, and one Guy Fieri shirt. Give me a break. All right. No, that's not Guy Fieri. It's Charlie Sheen. Charlie Get Sheen right. shirts. Okay, fine. <laughs> so Do either one. of you have opinions about <clears throat> current events, entertainment current events that have recently occurred? This is actually going to produced and released in a reasonable period of time within 90 days of recording entertaining so or entertainment you, either of those things anything happening know. that you want to talk about uh blake did you have you seen the new westworld trailer yes i have i don't want to talk Should about we that. spoil it for tom because he hasn't seen it yet oh then we're not going to say anything yeah i'm on no. blackout i don't want to hear about it okay <laughs> how dare what you what did you think about all the spacemen and the the gr- little green aliens in it i was impressed i thought it was great but the Son dancing brooms really swept me off my feet the see i thought that <laughs> More tequila, please. <laughs> I can't top a dancing broom sweeping feet joke. <laughs> <laughs> While you guys are talking your nonsense, I'm trying to draw a robot that's based on one of Mateo's drawings. You know, has... you're supposed to be concentrating on recording here, Tom, not oh, I am. Oh, I am. This is part of the process. And it has two propellers, three antenna, two big arms, two little arms, a shriek and a sword, three big toes, three little fingers, a big mouth of teeth, and a skull. So he's a Pacific Rim fan. I was going to say it's Michael Bay. <laughs> Total Michael Bay, right? But it's the same deal. That's the same deal. Oh, my so, word. So uh, is, is this going to include his, his trademark branding that he's established? Oh, my God. <laughs> Isn't that hilarious? Because I, I saw that on the wall, and I said, what is up with this? Who, what, like, Branch Davidian put a little mark on the wall for us to find it's like this, this, this strange little it's like those hobo marks that you leave outside yeah, of a house that's exactly you know, right a person or a cat lady <laughs> yeah. this house offers a lullaberry pie <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> <laughs> see i know what you mean by that because i yep. have seen a hobo mark and i know of it so blake uh it's, behind better, than the, the, it's better than the blair witch stig uh, piles i'll say that's a good point i'll say yeah. so uh i was cleaning up and i moved the trash can by the back door and then i found this asterisk in 
in sort of electric blue that was drawn on the wall. And I said, what's this? And I said, someone has marked and branded my wall, and no one will admit to it. And then, two days ago, I was drawing a robot, and then Matteo came in, and he wanted to draw, you know, so he started drawing all over my robot. He drew his own guy, and right on the chest plate, right in the center, is an asterisk. And I was like, <gasps> Evidence. The culprit revealed evidence. I just told him that he's he's clearly establishing a brand early, yes. and there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. Oh, sure. He wants to separate himself from the the three vertical lines that you've established. I understand. And yeah, go a little. It's close to the chaos sign, isn't it, from the old D and D campaigns? It, it really is from Elric. <laughs> from Elric. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I, I love I love that you took the trash can and you emptied it out in the second drawer of your filing cabinet behind you. That was really nice. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you? This is the best. This is the the sweetest hookup you will ever see in this in this graphis. There's a shelf over there full of stuff. There's a shelf over here full of stuff. There's a filing cabinet over there and a bunch of art books. And right here, this is where the magic happens. You cannot ask for anything more than this. Your jealousy just betrays you, as far as I'm concerned. I'm just disappointed that you didn't go pick up that freebie Craigslist recording booth from the hospital. Oh. The abandoned asylum. <laughs> Blake, did I tell you about this? No, it sounds like the the old uh, <sighs> torture chamber recording room from no, no. Uh, uh, my friend Christine. On the hill or whatever. Yeah. My, my friend Christine, who does uh, production and, and actually has a show at KCRW in L.A., she sent me a Craigslist ad to a sound booth for science experiments, right? So it's about four feet by five feet by six feet tall, whatever, right? And it's fully insulated. It's got a window. It's got all the audio hookups, you know, 1995's audio hookups, right? Even though it's like two years old, it's a bunch of logs, a bunch of lot of logs, a lot of reds and whites and yellows. And then uh, and it has its own little circulatory system, so it'll push air in. It was awesome. It's amazing. Brand basically brand new. It was two years old, and it's from a medical or research company that's down maybe a mile from me for free. Come bring three guys in a truck, and you can have it. Yeah, it was like seven thousand pounds or something. Like yeah, that. yeah. I mean, it's unreal, oh, yeah. and and I wanted it so much because, gosh, can you imagine a sound box to record your sweet sweet podcasts and in the midst of your divorce? <laughs> it would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> your fortress of solitude, uh, you know, attachment to the jacuzzi. Yeah. Yes, it's, oh, that'd be perfect. We we talked yeah. about that actually at the time, Chris. It's the it's the fortress of even smaller too. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but, you know, it, what really makes it a really nice room is all the uh, scratch marks on the wall and the fingernail collection. And, and you know, that's nice. Yeah. You could turn it into one of those standing tubs, like those walk-in tubs for the old folks, and you just turn it into a hot tub right there. I have two it's of like those. What are Dave, you talking about? Dave Mustaine style. Blood stains on my pillow. Well, and so the problem was I even tried to imagine if I could put it in the side yard somewhere. I would go out in the freezing cold and, and record on my own. But <laughs> the uh, there's just yard. no way it was going to happen. Yeah. So I didn't do it. But I could have done it. And in the end, that's really all we have. And I will always be disappointed that you did not. Hey, it could have been, it could have been the nice second floor gazebo on the roof. You know? <laughs> I could have competed with you. If I could have gotten 16 people and a winch, I could have gotten it on the roof. And then, you know, I would have had my second floor too, goddammit. Yeah, and then, and then it would take you three years to get the permit. And, uh... <laughs> no, and it would have been like, it would have been that sweet scene from Iron Man 1. It would just fall right through, right into Mateo's room and smash all his exactly. Legos. Great. Right. <laughs> 
what, what's that sound? Oh, that's a daddy screaming in a so-called soundproof booth. <laughs> yeah. That's just that's just Indiana Tom and his his what nuked if, fridge in my fridge. What if it's like one of those like you know exciting experiments from the experiments from the late nineties? It's 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 completely soundproof on the inside and broadcasting all the audio on the outside. <laughs> it's, soundproof, it's soundproof except for the floor, because they never thought they'd have to worry about the floor. It's right, you're right. So you put it on your roof, and suddenly it's a, I get, you know, I get what you did. a transmission chamber. Yeah. So other than spoiling Westworld, which I don't want to do, because I'm really trying to black out that, um, do you have any other current events you want to talk about in the entertainment yeah. world? Well, let's talk about Roseanne. No, I don't want to do that. <laughs> God, I never what? liked Roseanne when it was on the first time around. Like art, eating art, imitating life, imitating art, imitating life. If her show was about the type of voter that voted for the current administration, and then she eventually became that person, and then after a, a decade of him or more of him slandering her in the in the most just disgusting ways, and now he's congratulating her and everybody's pa- everybody's pals. I just don't even. I don't want to oh, talk about it. What else do you expect? It's completely rational. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it at all. I want spacey things. I want to talk about spacey things, not Roseanne. Okay. I mean, she's kind what of about, What about Chris Brown puts hands on women's neck, but they say it's just horseplay? I don't like that either. Yeah. Unless it's it happens TMZ. in space. No, I'm, I'm just on Team Z. You know, you just no, no. So, Blake, I have a question. Did you see the trailers for Lost in Space for Netflix or Hulu? Either of those. I have not. How do it you look- feel about the Robbie the Robot design on that? I don't mind it. Um... There was a theory going around that it would he would rebuild it and it would eventually be like the old timey one, but I think you got to leave that in. You have to leave it there. Do your own thing here. I'm excited. It looks it looks good. It, it does look good. good right? It's like Guy, Guy Fieri in a garbage can. It looks real good <laughs> in a flaming one. That, that's not Guy Fieri in a garbage can. That's Guy Fieri in his mobile home. Oh. <laughs> Don't do that. That's rude. How rude. Wait that's how this country got that, that's segregated and disenfranchised, man. man. Wait a minute. That thing just looks like the, uh, a takeoff of the, the Day the Earth Stood Still reboot. reboot it really does. And in fact, um, in the mid-aughts maybe, DC Comics, or early aughts maybe, DC Comics rebooted the, um, what are they called? The OMAX? Do you remember that, Chris? Yeah. OMAX? Yeah. You, I, you, I do you not like? remember that. And they rebooted them and they became these sort of, you know, uh, big pectoral, big, lati- big lat- uh, latissimus giant robots with the eyes, with the giant eye in the center of their heads. And it really looks like one of those. Hmm. But, you know, at the same time, it also has that, I don't know, it has that quality. And I really hope that the script and the editing and everything else live up to the visual style that they're showing in the trailer. Because it's it really going to all come down to the kids because kids can make or break a show so easily. Absolutely. They're, they're either going to be super charming and awesome or they're going to be terrible actors and ruin it. I agree. I'm excited. <laughs> I want it to be good. I like, that yeah, the do- I like that the professor is now, what's her name, from Best in Show. That's great. <laughs> That's a thing. Did you, uh, did you see uh, the the prospect trailer? Oh my god! Are you kidding? That that's my amazing. number one after Infinity War. That's my number one thing I want to see. I am so excited for that movie. It looks phenomenal. <clears throat> Have you seen, seen that, that one, Blake? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's amazing. Yeah. Are you kidding me? It, yeah. No, no. But, it's but awesome. It, it, no, it's, it well, can do no wrong. Okay. Sure. <laughs> 
it's a, it's the same it's the same litmus test that the Ready Player One thing engenders, and I just what? Uh, yeah. Wait a minute. What? Yeah. Yep. I don't understand that. He has sixteen so, PhDs, I, and he just linked Ready Player One to Prospect. Which is no. a mining saying, in space with really cool old crusty hands. I'm saying that the response to the trailer is a business test, just like the dichotomy that exists between those who love the Ready Player One trailer and those who do not. So what are you saying? You're saying that we're being we're being snowed by the retro style of the imagery and it's gonna be garbage? No, no, I'm saying that from here on out, after I have seen all these great trailers to movies that ultimately suck the pan fry, mm. I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna wait for the movie. No, that's not what we do on a podcast. Podcasters <laughs> don't wait for the movie and talk about it. We make ill-informed opinions at a at a snap moment. Okay. We do we do fresh takes. Blake Bornigan Simmons, fresh takes. And then we see the movies and then we wait six months to record about them and forget them. Yes. That's what we do. <laughs> so it's it's fresh takes for hot cakes. That's right. Okay. Speaking of hotcakes. So, 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 so in other words, I love this trailer, man. It was the best thing ever. All right, fantastic. It looks really good, Perfect. though, right? It does look really good. And Pedro good. Pascal, right? Yeah, yeah and, I like and, that guy. And weird 70s beige tone, late se- or late 60s, early 70s, sort of weird beige tone Casio keyboard slash uh, cosmonaut suits. Yeah. What could go wrong? It's going to be Yeah, the, the suits in particular are super intriguing to me. I like that they're all super janky and they look handmade by the different people. Oh, it does. They're all different. Plus paranoia and space and all that, which is always good. Yes. But I'll just remind you of a certain Dennis Quaid movie that came out a little while ago with, you know, Space Madness and looked really cool as a trailer and was not that good. Is that Independence Day? Oh, that's Randy Quaid. That's Randy Quaid. <laughs> that's different. What what movie are you talking about, Dennis Quaid? Uh, it's so bad. Uh, Pandorum. <laughs> oh, I never saw that. Did you just reference Pandorum? If you look at the bylaws on this podcast, you will find number 13. I'm pointing. Number 13, no Pandorum references are allowed. Dude, I'm just trying to make fresh takes for hotcakes. Fresh takes for hotcakes. I haven't seen Pandorum. Is it bad? Does it suck? It is a dog's breakfast put through a root canal. Oh, that's disappointing. Yeah. With a dog with a short pipe? Yes. Did you guys watch that uh, the the trailer for that new George R. R. Martin show? The sci-fi? What? How to write a book? <laughs> no, he doesn't know. No, that's that's out of his realm. No, it's called uh, Night how to, how to disappoint fans but still take their money. <laughs> Guys, he's sort of unofficially a patron of this podcast. Don't do that. I want to like it. You got to connect the dots for me on that one. I uh, I haven't seen any of that money, but that's right. But so I mean, I don't know. I want to believe that it's going to be good. But okay. In the in the wake of Expanse, it's hard to imagine any of these ongoing space opera series. Yeah, that's kind of my thing too. And this is sci-fi, I think, yeah. doing that one. Yeah, which ex- they did Expanse as well. Yeah, that's true. That's coming in within a month. Wait, I have to add that to my. Hold on, keep talking. I need to write that down into my list because I take notes, you guys, unlike you, who just sort of. Now's our moment for us to, to urinate, Blake. <laughs> yeah, here we yeah. go. So. <laughs> What about the fact that Avengers Infinity War, as usual for Marvel, in the month before release or whatever it is, month and a half, they've released like 17 trailers and 55 covers of magazines and all this other stuff. Oh, that that Entertainment Weekly group of covers was atrocious. Did bad. you see the 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 photo manips on oh, Scarlet so Witch where it's like unintelligible? It's like you can't tell who it is. 
Yeah, I, it makes no sense to me. I, I like and it. they're all looking in nine different directions. Yeah. Sometimes oh. all in the same face. That's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I want that. Mo- I, we're, we're just going to geek out. We're going to love the movie no matter what they do with it. But I just don't want to see any more. Yeah, yeah. I haven't, I haven't seen the most recent trailer at all. Don't watch it. It's a, it, it's saturation point. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. We have to. Yeah. We're in the end zone. We got to just stop. Yeah. Similarly, that Westworld trailer you referenced, I don't want to see that either because we're right there. What's the point? Well, it, it, one thing that Westworld's always done well though is show you a lot of really cool shit without giving away anything. That's true. Did you did you read about how they are fully invested in the idea that the Reddit community is so. They're they're going Lostian on Westworld about all the fan theories and writing about it. So they're now they admitted that they're actually going to not troll them but engage them hmm. with relate you know related to how season two goes. I think that's really interesting. That is it, what I love about it is it's sort of like saying there's buried treasure somewhere over there. Like they can say that and not have any you know they just do what they're doing and the Reddit community is going to freak out thinking that everything that they're saying has some analog in what's happening in the show and they really didn't do anything at all. Right. Right. That's where this part where we kind of look down on the Reddit community. We shouldn't do that. Don't do that, nope. Chris. I don't understand Reddit. I've, I've, I've tried and I just don't understand it at all. I get it. I just have trouble with it, man. I don't know what it I, is. Is I, there an age I mean, thing? I understand what it is, but I've tried to dive into it and become part of the community. And I've just, I, I don't know if I'm too old or what, but it and Tumblr both elude my ability to comprehend. I have trouble with it. My neighbor is really into Reddit, uh, subreddits about uh, murders or something. And he's like, oh, I love it. I'm like, what are you doing? I go on there, and it's just the threading and the multi-threading just drives me nuts. Yeah, it's and, the, just and the format is just so. Ugh. Yeah, I've I've given up on it. It's like it's it, it feels like you're just reading endless comment threads. And <laughs> you're right. Like, that's what it is. Yeah, it's just strange to me. Blake's shaking his head violently because he's really into the alternative energy Reddit subreddit, which he hosts. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know. I don't know what the hell you guys are talking about. <laughs> right, that's fine. It, it's a type of cheese. Don't worry. Yeah. Ah. Yummy Reddit. Yummy Reddit. <laughs> Your pregnant wife may not be able to consume Reddit. Yes. All right. So um, it's made from human flesh. Did either of you watch? Did either of you watch the Cloak and Dagger trailer? I watched the first one that was like them running through a graveyard and bumping into each other and nonsense like that. But yeah. that's all I've seen. Like, no, it no. looked terrible. I watched I precisely zero. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Here's why I'm interested. Hey, though, superheroes I'm... get split screen for free form. That just sounds awful. Yeah. But so here's the <laughs> thing about cloak and dagger and why I'm interested in watching the production of it much more than I am actually seeing the show. And that is that, Cloak and Dagger is sort of like uh, Power Man and Iron Fist. You 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 take it contextually, divorced from the time in which it was written, and it feels incredibly racist and weird, right? And so watching them try to wrap their kind of and twist their way out of the fact that they've got the scary black dude with the cake, the the cape, and then the actually, Why the scary black have... dude with a cake would have been better. I agree. The Carrie, <laughs> scary black dude with some cake. I've lost everything. Car- Carrie with her cake. And then a scary black man. Isn't anyway, Tandy. The point is, the point is, <laughs> you know, the, you know, the black guy is lost in the darkness, and then the white girl has the light and saves him from himself, and then together they have a thing, an interracial thing that so why the did, older folks I, I, won't I, I, appreciate. I don't. 
I guess my question is, why don't they flip it? That would have been much more compelling. I agree. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I would have been okay with that. All right. We solved that, and they should just figure it out. Guys, we solved Cloak and Dagger at exactly timestamp 3333. Mail it in. That tells you. Mail it in. Postage due. Mail that in. Here's the answer to all your problems. Fresh takes for hotcakes. Fresh takes for hotcakes. <laughs> <laughs> Did either of you guys get around to watching Runaways? That's a future thing. I saw the first about. six or seven episodes, but I need to catch up on You're hot you I, don't, it up. I don't know where you guys get all this time. Oh, my God. It's, well, I, 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 told I work you, from home, so I have stuff playing in the background all the time. Yeah, You son of a bitch. I told you a month ago on our last recording... Just put it on your thing, take your thing with you, and watch it when you're flying on the other thing. I thought you were talking about my completely different thing. Sorry. Oh, I, I understand. <laughs> so the only other thing – well, okay. I have two other things. So one this is – my rifle. This is my gun. This, I understand. Yeah. So two other things. One, New Mutants and Dark Phoenix have been oh, postponed. Thank God. Have on, they really? Interesting. Well, say, well, on New Mutants, they claim it's because they want to add – scarier stuff and a new character or something like that. So they're, they're, they're really going forward with this whole New Mutants horror gender thing. That I'm fine with that. Well. No, I'm fine with that. But they need to oh. forge their own path. And when you see massive reshoots and the director pissed off, that suggests yeah, that, that their executives are seeing some other thing and they're saying we have to be look more like that thing. Right? Yeah. So what are they, right. what are they saying? It's going to be like Stranger Things, New Mutants? That's what I wonder. You're exactly, you're right on it. Because I wonder, there's nothing else. Stranger Things and It are the only sort of phenomenon that have happened that I can see executives knee-jerk reacting to. But it could also be the popularity of Legion, which turned out to be a much better show than I thought it was going in. Legion is amazing. And, and, That's and that, about to happen yeah, again. That, yeah, and, and that, that could be they're trying to take that shtick and put it over in a different canon and kind of twist it around. FX and Marvel right now have a really strange dynamic. Like the Legion production was, uh, what's his name? Noah Hawkins. Is that right? Noah uh, Hawkins. Holly. Noah Holly. Okay. So that came out of nowhere. And I, we talked about this before. I hated Legion. I didn't want anything to do with that character. I started watching that show and I'm like, this is, this is fucking amazing, right? Yeah, like, no, no, it, it was brilliant. A so, a, yeah, a sober blue meth trip, right? I love yeah. it. So the fact that that's about to launch the season two, I'm really excited about that. But Glover, right? Yeah, he's had this. He's had this hot streak, and he was working on that Deadpool animated series for FX, and then they just suddenly broke off this week and said it's not happening. And they sort of implied that he was too busy, and he responded by writing us what it was like a nineteen-page script or something <laughs> overnight, ridiculing them about it. And it really disappoints me because that could have been something very, you know, pretty good for Deadpool. Yeah, I know it would have been great. And uh, Glover's having his moment in the sun, well deserved. Um, writing, it's it's just it's, it's a shame to see that the relationship sour. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Riding, riding on the coattails of his stellar performance in the Martian movie, <laughs> right? <laughs> hey, I thought that was brilliant. he was great. Yeah. He was in three minutes of Homecoming too. That's right. Yep. So, well, right as yeah, right as the possibly <laughs> no, no, no. possibly Look. uncle to a major character, right? 
his his breakthrough role was obviously Spider-Man Homecoming. That's what put him over the top. Sure. <laughs> sure. So uh, the other thing about that uh, delay that Fox is doing is also the X-Men Dark Phoenix. Despite, I mean, I'm, I feel like the guy that, that starts dating the girl that everyone says, that's a bad idea. She's vaping. Don't do it. And I do it anyway. And then she steals all my CDs or something. I guess she would. That she would have been a, smoking. Really clo- she would have been smoking cloves at the time if there were yeah. CDs. But <laughs> I want. I think I want to love the Dark Phoenix movie, and it's probably a really bad idea. I'm a little disappointed that they're stalling it. Well, probably because it's a dog's lunch. No, because have you seen the thing? They took the Frank Quitely designed new X Men yeah. costumes. There's an airplane. Yes. There's like fire. It's going to be amazing. Come on. Yeah, and maybe it'll just be done, you know, haiku. It'll be great. Chris, <laughs> yes. back me up. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be the X-Men movie that we needed all along. It could be. No, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd love it to be, but I my hopes are not high. I've already got the X-Men movie I always needed, and that was Logan. <laughs> Does not you know, I, I really liked uh, the, the first of the new Batman. First class, right? Yeah, first class yeah. was excellent. And Days with of the suspenders and the yeah, uniform? They, they, Days of Future Past was also really good. And then Logan. Yeah. And, and that's my trilogy. That's my X-Men trilogy. And, why? Got, and then Deadpool is like the spinoff from the X-Men trilogy that Wait, I love. Why do people not like Days of Future Past? I don't know. I loved it. I mean, all I could say about it is I didn't need... We probably talked about this before, but I didn't need the original cast being sort of in, inserted, interwoven into that stuff. I didn't, oh, that was Age of Apocalypse, right? Yeah, that was yeah, that was, yeah. So yeah, Days yeah. of Future Past was perfect. We, yeah, it, yeah, it was fine. So, I, I thought I thought it was great, and especially the Rogue cut. If you uh, get oh, that, uh, I haven't seen that yet. I need to. That's yeah. on red. That's on Red Tube, guys. It's uh, it's really, it's really a great version of it. It's not on Red yeah. Tube. No. What not. is what is Red Tube? Don't don't worry about it. So hey, it's a, it's, a, it's a dark web where he gets all his booze. No, yeah, right. That's right. It's where I learn about alternative energy from sources that are not compromised by the current administration. So yes. guys, the They've other been turned thing, inside out by the coal mining industry. That's right. The other thing is Deadpool was supposedly test screened and terrible, and then and then the next day it was no no. It test screened it and it was super awesome. And we're going to do a massive reshoots because we want to make it more awesome. even more awesome. What do you think? Are we talking about the new Deadpool? That's right. First, they said test screenings, it bombed. They're going to do reshoots. Then the next day, there was another thing that said, actually, that was inaccurate. Everybody loved it. They want more of the same. We're going to do more reshoots to add more of the awesome. Yeah, I think it's uh, make Deadpool great again. Jesus. Did you see the latest trailer? Yeah. Yeah, it was think? funny. What do you think? Funny? I liked it. I liked it. Yeah. I thought it was all right. But, uh, but you know, they're going to do the typical sequel thing. And then... Uh, it, I'll be right back, guys. Sorry. Uh, Got to go walk the dog. It's outrageous. What, uh, what do you think is going to be typical about the Deadpool sequel? Well, the, the, they'll just try to make it the same vein as the first one. And they've introduced a new evil baddie in Cable... And uh, it's just gonna, it's, to me, it's going to be the Iron Man, Iron Man 2 trap. Did you not like Iron Man 2? I thought that was the most puerile Marvel film I've seen. He had a parrot, though. Yeah, uh, yeah there you go. <laughs> 
I am such an apologist for Iron Man. I was like, it wasn't that bad. He had the suit. He had the suitcase armor. That was the thing. In the Grand Prix. Like, oh. <laughs> I loved it. Come on. No, it was, it was the first one worked so well. So let's just try and make a movie that's like the first one. Uh, even the plot themes and the staging and yeah, the scene transitions. It was just, and, just, go back and watch, just go back and watch the first one. Yeah. Just, yeah. But Here's the thing about that Deadpool that concerns me, which is that... Tim Miller is no longer involved. Yeah. Right? And so mm-hmm. I think that's the risk is that maybe the new production team are trying to emulate something, the genie in the bottle that you can't quite get and something's off. And so now there's that constant course correction to try to overcompensate for it. Right? Yeah. I don't want that. Well, anytime you hear something's going to go into massive reshoots, it should just set up the red flag right from the get-go because the executives are trying to, the executive droids are trying to make it sellable. And now it's uh, it's going to be just a train wreck. I've got good news for you, Blake. You have, uh, it you just have unlimited told me, minutes. No, he just told me I have unlimited minutes. Did I know, I, I saw that? that. Yeah. What did I do differently? <laughs> I didn't even give it a credit card. Uh, no, I think, I think if you if you put a stop time, then it holds you to it. Uh, That's the problem. Okay. Well, so, all right. So here's the thing. So we've talked about Deadpool. We've talked about New Mutants. We've talked about Dark Phoenix. Mm-hmm. We've talked about Westworld. We've talked about uh, Marvel's Avengers Infinity War. Four. Mm-hmm. Well, we haven't. Talked, we haven't. I mean, we haven't recognized and shouted out uh, Black Panther for a raging steroid infused uh, <laughs> it is we talked uh, about so we re- we reviewed Black Panther and, yeah, yeah. and if all goes well that's part of this continuous recording but but, but I think I think how the, is the it month- that the, how is the Black Panther is like the number one movie superhero movie ever yeah at, at this point that's what I'm saying we, I just we need to we need to we need to call that out and say kudos for capturing that that genie in the bottle Holy at the right shit, time man. and just I mean if this doesn't change the entirety of how Hollywood Wait. approaches superhero movies, uh, I don't know what will because no. this this is a moment in time that is a it's a benchmark. It's amazing, and I love it. No, no, no. Hold on. Let's let's talk about this. Let's, un, let's yeah. unpack it a little bit because okay. here's what's interesting about it to me. Okay, it was exciting. I mean, we can only sort of halfway say this as being a couple of you know doing pretty well white guys, right? But the point is, it was exciting because you could see the bigger picture behind that that film. You can uh-huh. see the audience when you watch the film. You can see the audience of the film, and it's young viewers of color, young viewers of different all kinds of different affectation that are watching this movie and seeing something in it that they aspire to be or something that relates to them. It's something for them. Which is amazing, right? And it's an it's an affirmation of an entire well, it's a whole sector, sector of our society that has always been relegated to the sidekick or yeah, yeah. Know, or 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 a lesser role. And now they are front and center, and it's a positive affirmation and a cultural statement and an empowerment statement. And it's just fan fucking. But and also, good storytelling, very linear, very yes. clean. Also, incredible sto- uh, world building, right? Yep, which was great. I mean. On the whole, though, it was a fairly straightforward origin story. It did have a lot of phase, Marvel Phase One to it, right? You mm-hmm. know, bad guys, a version of the good guy, and the thing. Yep. That said, the the introspective moment of resolution and rising above the the history and the expectations that you'll be a, uh, an extension of the status quo, and then breaking that mold. Yeah. It, yeah. Thank you. That's great. 
That Love said, it. that said, there are people that would have thought, okay, well, it's going to rise or fall based on the African American viewership or the young female viewership. Yep. But its its numbers reflect the idea that there are people from all walks of life who are seeing this movie multiple times. Like, there's no way you can rationalize the numbers without yep. saying it's general audience watching it many times, which is really interesting because Hollywood has been averse to largely black cast, largely black culture, largely sort of well, a little bit subversive themes ever, unless it's an indie film, right? right. That movie was all in. He was all in on that. And the fact that they're still making money on this just blows me away. I love right. it. But right. But at and the then, same time that we're, you know, collectively, politically, our country's at the one of its lowest points ever in history. It's really amazing to see that movie just launch like it is into the space, right? Yep. Well, they, to me, it's a sign that it, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. And... The, the wave no. of poop, the wave of poop that we're seeing play out in certain sectors in our society, there's going to be a uh, a reaction to it, and I think it's we're seeing several of this on the front. I'm not saying there's a there's a you know connected dots um, metaphysical enlightenment coming, but it is a sign that things are not as shitty as they could be if you just watch Fox News. <laughs> <laughs> The Earth is going to crack in half and dry out, but Black Panther. Yeah. So yeah, we're on a hell mount and on the yeah. express there to hell. But you know, there's Black Panther. He looks really cool. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just a little sore that Claw met his possibly bitter end, but we'll so see what happens. They can bring him back. They can yeah. bring him back. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, because uh, this is a live recording, this is live. 100% raw, unedited, unfiltered recording. So, since one-third of our... I've been back for like 10 minutes. I just haven't said anything. You son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I, was gonna so, say I, heard, I heard the door squeak, so I'm pretty sure he's back. I saw a dog butt. <laughs> he's a, he's I saw a, a dog butt. I don't know if it was Chris or the dog. I was waiting for the but... right moment to butt in, and there just wasn't a right moment. No, he, he's just appreciating the view of his street chairs with the pink toy in the bottom. <laughs> street, <and> street chairs. <laughs> <laughs> that's very low. That's a very contextual reference. I get that. So I have a question. I'm extremely proud of all the seating arrangements that I own. Oh, I know. Can, can I talk? Up, can I bring up one other topic? That yes, I'm not you sure. may. So has has anybody been watching Counterpart? What? I don't even know what that is. <gasps> oh, is that the one with J.K. Simmons? Yes. Oh, I want to though. It is. Write so that down right now. Friggin' good. Oh, Everyone, go wait. out and watch this show. It is amazing. I feel like it's like the. We're really sorry. Fringe got canceled, and we're just going to try again. <laughs> yeah, but it's right? to me. To me, it's better than Fringe. Fringe that's, season what? Yeah, <laughs> there's no Anna Torv. Hey, look, I'm saying go watch this show. It it I is. I can't wait. It is um, it is so amazing in its subtlety and nuance, and uh, the the mm-hmm. way it presents the the two mirror. I may overstate what, myself. What, I may overstate what myself. Is that on? It's a what is it? HBO Showtime. I forget. Um, it's a thing. It's on a channel. That doesn't help me, Tom. Chris, you have stars. access to the internet. It's on stars. It's on stars. Stars. That's the problem. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Stars is a pain in the butt to watch. It really is. <laughs> yeah, but but he, but for I'll tell you what, for American Gods and Counterpart, it's well worth it. See, I haven't seen American Gods yet either because I haven't found a way to watch it. I'll have to figure it out. Yeah. So so this is vastly overstating my own talent and probably understating the value of that show. But when I saw the 
first promo for Counterpart, I thought, that looks like something I would write. Yes, it would be. Plus J.K. Simmons. Another yeah. sweet bald guy, right? No, and, and, and a hell of an actor. <laughs> With muscles. And yeah, he's he's ripped, dude. He's like 75, and he could probably take all three of those. Do you remember when do you remember when Justice League was in its third round of reshoots and like J.K. Simmons started posting photos of himself working out and everyone was really yeah. excited that like Alfred's gonna start kicking ass for some reason and he was like, I actually I'm just I'm trying to maintain my Gordon, health. not Alfred. Jeez, man, get it right. Yeah, he was it? Gordon. He was Chief Gordon. Well, also that. <laughs> uh, so here's the here's the cage match. I'd like to see Alfred taking on Chief Gordon in a cage match. That would be cool. Like, Blake, Blake, you've seen my front. You've <laughs> seen my front yard. You've seen how much real estate there is to get into my driveway. It has nothing. To do every with time. Every time, if I'm driving the mini, if I'm dri- no, no, there's a point. You hired J.K. Simmons to pound down those tiles. You and you, you listen to me. If I'm driving the mini, I have to go in the curb cut just right and get it in so I don't ground it out because it's lowered and everything else. If I'm in the Toyota 4Runner, I just haul ass, and as soon as I clear that one telephone pole, boom, I'm right over the curb. And every single time, every single fucking time, I yell, mount the curb! Gary Oldman and Batman, right? Oh no, am no, I right? But yes, absolutely. But it, you're talking two different Gordons. I know so I am. But I'm just saying. Maybe, maybe, maybe if you're going to bring in the Gordon, you got to mount right. the fucking curb. You can't cross you our Batman's. I don't give a shit. Don't cross the bat stream, man. I will. I will do that. It smells like asparagus. That's not. It does not. That seems like an appropriate time. That's Batman and Robin, I think, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, no, that's the ambiguously gay. Yeah. No. Cool. All right. You. Uh, so you, a couple of loose units talking to a loose unit. I think we need to move on to our. our Lucy. Prime, our. Pri- <laughs> Shit. Blake, do you realize that anyone under the age of like thirty-five don't even know what that means? I work with some younger folks. This is fueled by nothing but sparkling water with grapefruit juice. I don't believe you at all. There's no evidence of that. Blue amphetamines. I'm holding up the can right here. You, you, (laughs) you, monkey shines. I want to talk about. I want to talk about a movie. We saw a movie, you guys. You and you and I all saw a movie at different times. We've all seen it. It's and amazing. We, and we said that we would review this movie within six months, and here we are. <laughs> I think it's time yeah, to do a robots review of Jumanji. Right? Am I right? Absolutely. Let's do the review. Yeah. Jumanji, welcome to the jungle. Let's talk about it. I love Robin Williams in it. It was great. No. Incorrect. <laughs> Terrible CG monkeys. No, that's Rampage. I, wait, hold on. I'm so disappointed in that movie. No, no, Why no. Why they make the thing that's supposed to be rampaging sympathetic? It doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know. No, 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 no. You guys are all off. Blake just said rampage. And that is like that's the, movie. that's the change that would have made that movie great. Rampage. Rampage. It's like robot. Rampage. No, when you're going over a lot of ramps, you're a rampage. <laughs> that, that's that's skyscraper. That's the other rock. Movie. <laughs> if you were to take the rampage movie and you would take each of those bugaboos and you would hurdle them off a ramp, it would be better. <laughs> it's just it's just giant kaiju diving. Yep. <laughs> All right. So I'm writing rampage as large as I can <laughs> because 
<laughs> I rely heavily on my post-production notes, and that's and that's the shit right there. Rampage. <laughs> Rampage. Hollywood. Here we are, Northern California plus Idaho. Rampage. Rampage. We're here for you. So Me talk English? That impossible. So, guys, ramp. So, Jumanji. So, let's talk about this movie, because... Chris and I saw this at the end of a con weekend, and usually at the end of a con weekend, you have con crud, maybe you have the boxes don't fit in the truck the right way, and then maybe there's the thing. We instead went and saw this movie and then geeked out about it in the in the element afterwards, right? Wouldn't you say that it was a positive experience? We didn't actually geek out about it in the element afterwards. We did. We did. Didn't we just abandon you and leave you in in Oregon and drive home. Yeah, but you were in the element geeking out about it and I was waiting for an Uber and I was geeking out about it and I texted oh, yeah. you and I said, are we geeking out about this? And you said, yeah, bro. It was so, significantly better than it had any right to. How the how the hell is Jumanji a family-friendly movie with no guns, no craziness, super, super friendly to men and women of all ages there were guns and really fun. There were guns. There were guns. Well, yeah, but it was Yeah, guns. but yeah, but they would yeah, but it's like GI Joe guns, right? They shot them in the Yeah, head. yeah. That's accurate. They I was astonished when we watched it. I was astonished by the fact that I could bring my 6-year-old to this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they they did a really good uh, almost a Pixar level of appealing to young and old viewers as far as that kind of thing was concerned. So we have to drill down. That's what corporate America likes to say in 2017, 2016. I thought we were going to lean in. I thought we were going to lean into it. We're going to lean into it. We're going to drill down. I thought down. we were coming to Jesus. We're going to raise the roof. Get out your bingo for the buzzwords, but okay, so now we're back to We're going to talk about it, but I want to ask you this. <laughs> I want to ask you this. Were you not surprised that it was better than the trailers led it to be, which were already good, right? Yes. The trailers suggested... I don't know how you worded that. No, the, the trailers were like... For, they were like set up the way the, the, the Baywatch trailer was. So like, well, you know, you're like, well, there are seven jokes in this movie. They're all in the trailer. It's going to be garbage after this. And right. the trailers gave you those seven jokes, but then it was better than the jokes that they gave you in the trailer. That's very true. Mm-hmm. You got your movie password. You, you did. You got your movie password. I don't have one. You don't have movie pass yet? Mm-mm. Come on, man. I you, go to like four movies like a year. Ninety dollars just in your last trip. <laughs> if it was only ninety bucks, man. <laughs> I just. We'll talk about it later. But I saw Isle of Dogs and I spent a sum. I t- I spent what you would call in Idaho probably. A tidy a sum. house, a tidy sum. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I spent a mortgage a payment club. on. You, you spent you a back dog. forty of cash. Yeah. <laughs> so, what was your initial thoughts when you sat down? Were you expecting it to be like a kids' movie? Were you thinking it was going to be like a reference-heavy, sort of cheesy pop culture movie? What do you think? I definitely thought it was going to be more of a kids' movie than it was. Like I thought we were going to walk out disappointed at how juvenile the humor was and stuff. Right. What about you, Blake? Um, well, I had, I had read a lot about it. So I was kind of uh, fully loaded going in there. And uh, I got to say, I was still surprised by how good the movie was and the, uh, the layering and uh, the character driven nature of it was really compelling. It was especially super when, character driven. Especially compared to the first movie. Oh, yeah. Right. All right. Which, so, which was just, oh, 
the um but the but, but what made it to me is uh the character driven nature of it and how that if you took these four movie stars and you put them in any other movie it would nowhere be as good as this was <laughs> <laughs> i don't care what you're doing that's uh, very accurate you well, but you can't, but you can't bring these four folks together in any other capacity because it's just going to fall apart no no but you you well so the fact look, that look, you look at Kevin Hart and the rock and central intelligence. No, no, that's exactly Woo! right. That was a movie that was set up on paper. Like it was going to be hilarious and it was just a dog. Yeah. But you're absolutely right. It was that the characterization drove that movie and you would never have thought if you imagine executives two and a half years ago, sitting in a room, you never would have imagined a couple of them sort of, sort of smoothing down their, their, their shiny suits and saying, this is going to be a character driven Shimaji film. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But, and yet that's what it was. You believed fully that those characters were the, the kids that they were in the bodies that they were. Yeah. And I I thought that was amazingly complex. I don't don't know who had the balls to green like this, but whoever did deserves a special Academy award for doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah, It's too late. It didn't get it. (laughs) But I'm just just saying that in case Hollywood to green this, right. Especially after these ensemble pieces have fallen apart more often than not. Look at the reboot of Ghostbusters. Look at, uh, you mentioned it, uh, uh, Baywatch. Uh, and and then to pull the trigger on this and it's a, it's like a Jum- Jumanji was not that big of a movie as a cultural moment the first time around. You're right, uh, right. And 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 so it, it's so to me Jumanji is what we should be should have been talking about at the box office for Blade Runner twenty forty nine. I've been like, you're right. Oh yeah, it's just great. And look at all this character driven stuff, and it's a blew it out of the park. And uh, Jumanji was what Blade Runner twenty forty nine should have been uh, this the past twelve months to me. You're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like some guy walked in and they're like, "Well, Kevin Hart is going to go piggyback on Dwayne Johnson, or vice versa, and we, we want to make a movie of that." Don't <laughs> no, me. Sure, why not? But but what also but what also made it uh, to me is the the supporting characters. Because it wasn't just uh, Kevin Hart and Dwayne Johnson. Jack Black, I think, pulled a miracle out of his ass on this. Holy one. shit! Yeah. yeah, I think that guy uh, shits gold. He totally yeah. does. Well, and Rice Darby was just fantastic. He was. Yeah. All right, Karen, guys. And, and Karen Gillan was too, right? right I mean, but, she, before right? we, but before we, and before Carnival, we deep into it, though, yeah. on a, on a on a much more macro scale, we're talking about a, a first movie that was had a good premise, but Zathura did better, right? Like Jumanji was designed to be an interesting movie for younger people, a board game come to life, bursting through the living room. There's rhinos. There's whatever. Everybody's got to band together and solve the board game, and and then everything's fine. And yet, it didn't. I mean, it was good, but it was built bigger in our memory, collective memory, because of Robin Williams and because of time, right? I've and never so seen make, the Thura. Really? Yeah. Holy, holy crap! That was the movie that gave John <clears throat> Favreau Iron Man. That was the movie that they saw right. and they said, "You know what? This guy can do it," yeah. even though they're nothing alike. Zathura is amazing. It's a really good movie, actually. Chris, you have uh, homework. You gotta watch Zathura. So I don't know how you find that thing, man. No, well, type Z and then Z A T and it'll come up. No, Blockbuster Video, they got it. So yeah, no, oh, yeah I'll just go to the old Video City here and pick up but the VHS of it. The thing was when 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 they green lit Jumanji two or just a remake of Jumanji, and they said, "Oh, it was going to be a modern version of this," and they have this cast and everything else. 
it has all of the trappings of what was mentioned earlier, Baywatch, right? Where you yeah. think it's going to be like, well, there's some interesting personalities involved, and there's going to be some of those cheap gags and and some sex stuff, and that's it. And yet, it com- it was very compelling. It was, it was linear. Yeah. It appealed to adults and kids at the same time. It was mm-hmm. sort of feel good at the end. And even though it was not so edgy that it, the little kids couldn't watch it, it still felt entertaining, right? When we watched it, it was fun all the way from beginning to end. That's that's Pixar level, right? Yeah. That adults could enjoy it the same way that a kid could enjoy it. Yeah, I think that's I I think that's the secret weapon of that movie to me. Absolutely. But, yeah, but, I mean, but, Lindsay and I would. I mean, we don't have kids, but we considered going and seeing it a second time just because it was kind of pure escapism right. and. It was one of those things that, you know, you're having a shitty day. Go and watch this fun movie that's got some actual characters in it. It's got personality. It was just, it, it's impressive. My wife and I watched Baywatch two weeks ago. Did you? This is my confession <laughs> segment of this podcast. We watched just... Baywatch. We hoped it was going to have some, you know, they kind of have some zingers that would make it funny. Like a, we thought it would be a throwaway fall asleep to it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's not good. It's <laughs> really not good. It's really not but good. What's interesting about it, though, is I can see the executives pitching these things, right? I can see right. them pitching Jumanji, and they get, I can see them pitching Baywatch with with Dwayne Johnson, and, you know, there's a pretty girl, and there's sort of a pudgy guy, and there's another guy. You can see them pitching them in, in tandem, and on paper, they're the same. And yet, Jumanji pulled it off very very well uh in no small part to the fact that it was subtly very well structured right and then right. Baywatch was it's a it's a series of sight gags strung together and it's garbage and then at the end of it they even had to admit it was garbage Dwayne Johnson <laughs> got on and said he I mean you got to give that guy credit I'm I have yeah. a man crush on that guy seriously I love him I, 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 love, I love that he Jeremy. accepts his Razzie for fuck's sake right <laughs> <He was> like, <laughs> I mean, like, he was just like, well, we tried, but whatever, you know, swimsuits. I mean, <laughs> you can see when when you watch Baywatch, have you seen this movie? I You you haven't, right? You guys are too smart. I've, I've tried it. to watch it three times and given up all three times. Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it because I, I, like you, have a, have a man crush on The Rock, and I've basically watched everything that he's done. Uh, and, uh, boy, that I, at the last 30 minutes of that, I was like, boy, I could really go to sleep. I Blake, I like women, and I thought that between Dwayne Johnson and women, that somehow that was going to work, and <laughs> the women no. fell off. Like it was just no. The the best part of there's a necrotizing liquid fat. That yeah. was you're, that was you're that was right. <laughs> <laughs> like I I had this moment. I had this sort of epiphany. I I turned to my lovely wife and I said, you know, we're watching Baywatch, and I'm remembering my childhood. I'm remembering my teen years when I spent all of my free time on the beach in Southern California. I yeah. love the beach. And I love being on the water, even though I didn't surf. This movie is reminding me of the moment of my childhood that I miss and I wish I could have more. And it's not remotely reminding me of the fucking movie. <laughs> like I had no, idea, like, no interest in what I was watching at all. But, but I, th- I think I've identified, here's my theory. I think the, the reason why Jumanji was so good is because of Chris McKenna, yeah, the writer. Yes, mm, absolutely yeah. right. Because he would, he did Community, uh, he did Igor, 
he did uh, uh, Middle Chaos Theory, and he did Lego Batman movie, Spider-Man Homecoming, and he's, yeah. doing, and he's doing Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah, yeah, his writing is excellent. Yeah, and so I think uh, in this in this era of big budget movies, it all comes down to, do you have a script that's worth a shit or not? Yeah. And then do you have a director that can make that script a reality? And yeah. I think, and I think that 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 is that's the why um jumaji was such a big hit in addition that the actors coming together in a way that you could never expect i think the the it had super Christmas, super Christmas charismatic had, actors it had super yeah. charismatic actors but you're right that the, the way that it was structured it seemed like yeah. it was the kind of movie that it wouldn't be character driven and that's the thing that was surprising to me was that it was not just the actors but the characters they played really pushed you through the end of the movie. Yeah. But how the hell did that happen on Jumanji, right? <laughs> because somebody wrote a hell of a great script. Yes. Yeah. So why the hell is a great script being used on Jumanji when it's not being used on all these other projects that we watch that we sit there and say, how could you fuck this up? Right? Well, let's, take, let's take a look at every Transformers movie. There was no script whatsoever in it. That's a- Every Transformers movie. Right. It's just uh, the waste bin of CGI. Yeah, basically. The only reason I'll see the new Bumblebee movie, even though they've said they're going to reboot after that movie, which is weird, because you'd think they would say they'll reboot including that movie moving <coughs> forward. But the only reason I'll see that is Haley Atwell is, right? Is she in that? Sassy, savvy. Uh, Not Haley Atwell. Uh, well, the girl that's in it from... Uh, Oh, no Haley Steinfeld. Yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah. yeah. The I do really like her. You did not? Actually, uh, John Cena's in it, too, and I actually find him... He's not quite the what? level of the rock, but I find him fairly amusing wait, as well. Wait, hold the phone. John Cena is in Bumblebee? Yes, he is. It's going to be a blockbuster. <laughs> I'm thinking like a blockbuster of a turd dropping Buy through the center of the planet. I, I yeah. have to say, I will use my movie pass card to watch John Cena try and fit into a Volkswagen bug. <laughs> Tell you what, <laughs> my kids love Ferdinand. Have you, have you seen Ferdinand? You probably didn't because you don't have kids. No, I have. If not. you saw it, it's a bull. It's a bull. It's a, you know the bull's life. It's a bull. He he has problems being a bull, but it's John Cena being that bull. He does a good job. He may or may not be the next Dwayne Johnson. You ask him, he'll say he is. You ask Wayne Johnson, he'll probably say, mm. You know, the funny thing about John Cena is he's actually only a six foot tall. <laughs> but he's six feet wide as well. Yeah. But, so that's a thing. But but I will say, I will say, regardless of whether I, I think he has acting skills or not, the dude is pretty awesome when it comes to the image of a macho man. Oh, yes. totally is. And, and, and his PSA is uh, saying everybody, he was raised by two two women as his moms. And if anybody has an issue with LGBT, they can come talk to him in any alley they want. Uh, like, dude, yeah, you're pretty freaking awesome. Dude. Yeah, that's where I really turned around for him, too. I really yeah. like his personality. So gnarly. We can help each other. We all have special skills. Weakness. None. I hate this game. Everybody else got good stuff. Weakness? Cake. Yes, cake is my weakness. You're a good weapons valet. What is that? I think it means you carry my weapons and give them to me when I tell you to. Don't let this new body get your butt whooped. Ow! Ow! What the hell? We have to work together. Ow! 
think it's a staring contest. Who's good at staring and not blinking? I'm amazing at it. I like can't even with this place. Bobby Carnival is in no. both of them. No. Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> Bobby Carnival pissed me the fuck off, man. I like that guy. He did not good do a good job. Van Pelt could have been played by any number of other actors. Yeah, he was my least favorite part of it. With without more gravitas. If you got a centipede crawling up your eyeball, you don't say like, "Well, let's get the guy." Fuck no. Kate McKinnon could have been an amazing Van Pelt, and she was not given the opportunity because of sexism in Hollywood. I think she would have been way too over the top, frankly. You're possibly right. Yeah, I I like that guy a lot, but I think he wasn't right for the role at all. I would ratify that. What did you think about... So, all right, so who would you have cast as Van Pelt? Riddle me that. (sighs) Who would I... You've told me separately on sidebars... Non-production sidebars. Don't put me on the spot, man. I've got, I've got dogs in the garage. No, no. You tell me. Van Pelt. Jeff Goldblum. Ooh. Sold. Sold. <laughs> no, whatever I had is gone. Man, that's awesome. Russell Crowe. Hey, guys. There's like a guy here. Okay we got to get them. Russell Crowe. I'd be okay with that, too. That's sort of his Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, though. Yeah, but he, that's what he does now, so just put him in another one. Sure. All right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's, you know, in between selling off his memorabilia to pay off his ex-wife, he can, you know, do another Jekyll and Hyde movie. Stop throwing cell phones, right? That's what yeah. I say. Batman well would have been good in the role. Skyliner. <laughs> I would have watched it. So I would say... Billy Crudup. No, I want... Um, Darren Christoph, Norris? I want Christoph Waltz. Christoph Waltz, huh? Mm. Uh, Kristen Glover. Ooh, that would have been interesting. Is he still making movies or did he retire? I think he's like, like making body part sculptures or something. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Puts a lotion in the basket. From his collection. Yes. <laughs> Some call it passion. I well, call actually, it he was obsession. in American Gods, wasn't he? Was he? Yes. Yeah, and I haven't he, seen it, but I, I remember uh, seeing it. And he, so, had, he is brilliant. He is, he is the... He is a, a modern, weirder version of Willem Dafoe. So, I, uh, I, I didn't watch it. I haven't seen it yet because as soon as I found out that Jillian uh, Anderson wasn't coming back as David Bowie, I was like, rejected, even though I hadn't <laughs> seen the first season. What do you think about that? I think you should still watch it. I mean, Jillian Anderson is brilliant in it, but uh, it's only the last like three episodes. The the cast is just absolutely amazing in that movie or in that show. Yeah, wasn't it Stars? Yeah, yes. Is the only reason I haven't seen it is because I have no way of watching anything on Stars. So you just you just made a statement that you said the cast was amazing in it. How would you know? 
Well, I just just looking at their pictures, I know that, that they are actors I enjoy. All right. Ian McShane, Christopher, <coughs> Emily Browning, Gillian Anderson, Horace Leachman, Orlando Jones, man. <laughs> yes. I wanted I want to love it so much. And my problem is when I hear that an actor's not returning before I've seen the original, it makes me worried. Well, it's because the showrunner's not coming back. They're, they uh, Ryan Fuller has left the the show. Yeah. So is and there that's a why he's not coming back? Is there a production in the world that Brian Fuller has not left? Well, the, he usually gets canceled before he can leave. <laughs> but one must ask oneself, self, comma, why does Brian Fuller constantly leave productions? He he stayed on Hannibal the entire time until they canceled it. Lies. Mm-hmm. Is it true? Yeah, he did. Yeah, and that was like like three years or something like that. So there. Yeah. Central <laughs> Intelligence featured Dwayne Johnson and Kevin Hart, and it was a bucket of shit. Yes. Like, I could not barely get through that movie. I watched it to the end, <laughs> but I have to tell you, man, I just, I really struggled with it. It was not good. Yeah, I, I was worried about that, too. So the, the executive that hears that Jumanji is possibly going to be greenlit, and there's a guy, nervous guy in their in their office saying so it's going to be jumanji but it's the future and it's also like a new video game and also dwayne johnson and kevin hart and they'll be back and forth and it'll be hilarious plus a girl and another guy do you how is it possible that this movie got greenlit central intelligence is the one with with cg'd fake fat little kid uh yeah yes which ironically enough though he'll talk a lot about it he had a really he struggled in his childhood because he looked like a six foot four 250 pound man with a mustache (laughs) if i remember right that movie made like 250,000 uh 250 million dollars though so i i think central did it really yeah it did yeah i mean it didn't make the almost a billion the jumanji's made now but look i think the secret sauce here is kevin mckenna and jack oh yeah i agree yeah Yeah, the, the the real simple fact is that Ready Player One is going to suck. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, oh my God, they've gone plaid. <laughs> so, all right. So we have Dwayne Johnson, <laughs> Dwayne Johnson playing Spencer. But you know, he it, it, it was fun though that not only is he playing the roided out video game version of the 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 teenage guy that you know whatever went into the game and played this guy, but also he it was the perfect version of that self-deprecating humor about your image, right? Like, it was very meta. Dwayne Johnson was, like, playing the younger guy in his skin, saying, look at me, I'm roided out, and I'm really good at a lot of things, and I'm really charming, and all this other stuff. And as as a viewer, you're sitting there thinking, well, you know, all those things are applicable, and I can totally see you playing that character and being excited about it. That was really good, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I also like the the wordplay that they did on uh, picking the characters and Moose and Moose, and he's basically the guy's caddy. He's like weapons caddy. Yeah, and like, yeah. <laughs> he carries a backpack. <laughs> I, you know, I, that was Moose, big guy, and now it's Mouse. Yeah. <laughs> it was sort of I mean the trailer was necessary in order to sell the the movie but in a way it was sort of stolen by the trailer but the the idea that Jack Black would be the persona that the 
high school sweetheart would get was hilarious. And even after the trailer, it was still really funny when you yeah. saw the film. Is it yeah. Shelly? Yeah. Shelly, nickname. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'll be Shelly. I cannot even, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 there is no one who could have pulled that off like Jack Black did. No, I agree. Right? No, I I really no one. like Jack yeah. Black a lot. I I know a lot of people have. He has his detractors, but I find him very amusing in pretty much everything. Yeah, this is my favorite movie that he's done after Tropic Thunder. Yeah. Yeah. I'm super nervous about his next one just because I have such a childhood love for the book that it's based off of, but I'm still excited about everything he's in. Is it Cryptonomicon? Did they no, finally green light it? The house with a clock in its walls. All oh, right, yeah. Amblin Entertainment, Eli Roth production. It's going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> People eating their own feet. Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. <laughs> what could go wrong? Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, where, are the, where are the European backpackers? Okay, great. So let's talk about the elephant in the room, which, in my view, was the actual elephant. Is Karen? No, it's Karen Gillan. So yes. because so here's the thing about her. I cannot, She's not a good actress. No, no, <laughs> no. It's that this is an actress that I really get excited when she's in a thing, and I and I get it, and I'm I'm all there. I'm ready. I'm gonna love it, and then. There's, yeah, then there's the the risk that it's like she's not going to do that great. She looks really interesting. She seems like the kind of actress that looks great, but also is kind of has that quirky thing. I and feel like she's fun to hang out with, but she, I don't think I've liked her in anything. That's the th- that's exactly Whoa. what I'm talking about. We talked about this. Wait. She looks like she should be nerd heaven, but maybe not nerd heaven, right? Yeah, but, and yet good in this one. Good in this one, and I, I've got. I'm sorry, I got to defend her as Nebula in Guardians. I no, think she, she did a good job. job in she, both. she did an okay job, but I, I feel like her role is something that didn't demand a tremendous amount of her either. Yeah, but at the same time, though, I have to imagine that when she signed up for Nebula, she didn't hear that she was going to be in a two tone outfit that was almost exactly the same color value, and that she would just yeah. be shave your head and then be pissed. She would. I don't think that's exactly what she thought she was going to get. And and she made the character relatable in yeah. Guardians 2 in particular. So you know, in Guardians uh, 1, it was just, though I'm a baddie and kicking ass because I'm pissed off uh, with mommy and daddy issues. But in Guardians mommy 2, um, th- there are a lot of good scenes that she was in that she pulled off comedically, uh, as well as some kick-ass acting scenes. So, yeah, that's uh, true. Yeah. yeah, but she so the thing about her to me is that she you see photos of her, particularly like live photos, like not production photos. And you think she might be quirky, she might be fun, she's gonna bring that into her role, and then you see her in repeated things after Doctor Who, and you don't quite get what you're imagining that she's gonna be like, right? Like you're starting to wonder, like maybe you know, maybe maybe I put too much of my own expectation into what she might be bringing to the table, right? Yeah. And yet, where is that coming from? Doctor Who, and I will freely admit, I haven't seen all of Doctor Who because America, but so (laughs) in that first episode that she's in, she steals it entirely. That's a new season of Doctor Who with a new Doctor Who, the new actor, and it's all about establishing that character and all anyone cares about is the, the woman in the parking meter made costume that completely steals that entire episode. So, she started her career with that sort of bang. Right. And when she came into this movie, 
it's again a little bit meta because the teen girl or no 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 I'm sorry the sort of the Shire girl gets this avatar in the game and she's the Laura Croft analog and she's mm-hmm. you know she's got the red hair and she's got the bare midriff and she's super cool and all this stuff and she spends 100% of her time deconstructing that image and that was what was so fun about it right yeah yeah absolutely this is an impractical outfit for me to be wearing in mosquito saturated <laughs> jungle and you know all this my secret weapon is dance moves you know like like everything about it was delightful and I imagine that casting as another actress, and I don't think it would have worked as well. No, it would have it would have had to have been a very specific other actress for it to work. And I think she did an excellent job with it. Emma Stone, you mean, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, I would have been down with that. <laughs> because the, Always. the the formula that you use is actress underscore Emma Stone equals whatever, and it's going to be good. <laughs> wow. Schindler's List starring Emma Stone. It's a it delightful it's quote a delightful romp. <laughs> I just really want to see Emma Stone and Jane Levy play sisters in a movie. That's that's all I want. In our long languishing Batgirl casting, you know that I was pushing hard on that Jane Levy, man. She would have been perfect as Batgirl. Now it's gonna be some sort of nineties trash. I don't I don't Yeah, it's gonna be like Tiffany Amber's piece or something. <laughs> Alright, so I have two questions. What A, what did you think of Jack Black just killing this performance? And B, where the hell is Blake Simmons? I think he's he's abandoned us. Is like, he still in the video? I can't see the video. Yeah, I don't know. I have my screen over the other screen. Should I fill all of my three chairs and see Blake, if it shows? I can't tell whether Blake Born Again Simmons is still with us or not because all I see is zero K S D A V D W A plus E. All I see is the text too. (laughs) And And he's been abducted by text aliens. And what I really appreciate, Chris, is that you came into frame in my video version of this audio podcast. You came into frame to check that. (laughs) (laughs) Validated. He's not here. We're going to move forward. Fresh takes for hot cakes. All right. Fresh cakes for hot, fresh takes, fresh cakes for hot takes. So, uh, Blake's Blake Bornigan, that's an eyeball. Blake Bornigan Simmons, see, that's exactly the trailer for Lost in Space right there. Oh, I thought that was my biopic. It could be. Yeah, it was a colostomy view. So, what yeah. did you think of Jack Black in the role as Bethany? Bethany. I thought he was good. I thought we'd already discussed it. I know, he, <clears throat> he was brilliant. I thought. I thought no one else could have pulled that role off as well as he did. I thought he no. was perfectly cast in it. A lot of it was in the trailer. The whole, like, I cannot even with this place. No, <laughs> like, no, no, no. Where's my phone and all that? But it was more than that, right? Yeah, because he was he had a lot of great bridging elements in the screenplay. Again, it comes back to that the screenwriting. And, um, you know, the, the first character that discovered the lives, you know, and yeah. all that. And so the, it was this typical. How many lives? How many lives, Blake? Oh, I love three, the way they, they three did lives. The three lives. Three um, lives. The live thing is the, the tattoo was such a great touch. How do I not have that tattoo yet? And then, and, then, and then the non-player characters, right? How they did that, and they, they had the set script, and they kept repeating yes. themselves after that. Um, but and that uh, the the market that they went to was full, so full of all those, like, like super stereotypical, like, video game characters. It was just yeah. perfect. Yeah. All right, so we're talking about Jack Black, but let's let's diverge a little bit into the the nature of the video game world that they're showing in this you and I and 
Blake, you and I, and Chris, we deviate between the two of us about 15 years of age. There's three of us, right? Three of us. 15 years. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure. I just wanted to make sure. No, no. After 10 years, one falls off. That's rounding. You're a scientist. You should know that. I thought those were fingers. Nope. So (laughs) between the the three of us, it's about 15 years. This movie was targeting an age of video gaming that makes sense to us in a way that younger people, it's like an anachronism to them. Like Like Chris and I, when we saw it together, we walked out and we're like, well... The, the the younger crowd are all internet gamers, right? They don't, they have first person shooters, but they don't understand the specific nuance of the way this sort of uncharted, right, Lara Croft world is constructed and the way that those characters are made. It's different today than it was back then. This movie was a very specific time in gaming, and we're all roughly the age that appreciates that. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Well, yeah, you want to go back to the POV shooter game, just look how great The Rock has progressed over his career from Doom. Yes. <laughs> yes. Right? Three minutes, yeah. of th- three minutes of first-person shooter. Right. Why does Zoom send me right to the image of the empty chairs in Chris's garage? <laughs> every time you do that, every time you've said Doom, which was once, Doom. you've seen the empty chairs, which is like every experience I've had playing Doom. So it's it's basically those are the three chairs of the apocalypse, and they're waiting for yes. us to go into the garage together. <laughs> the and, three, and, let me write that down. The three chairs of the when apocalypse. We build guys. the three chairs. The the apocalypse right. will arrive. Right. There's the seven seals, the three rings, no, the five rings, and the three chairs. The three vacant chairs in the garage. Yeah. Do you hear the no one, sounds in that, that, uh, quadraphonic sound of my writing of the down apocalypse? Yep. It's the. Uh, <laughs> It's the it's the doomsday story no one has ever heard. Yes. The three chairs of the apocalypse. So Rice Darby as <laughs> Mr. Nigel. How fun was it that he would repeat the words over and over again like oh, a, like a crazy so NPC would do, like a crazy oh, NPC. Right? Like drinking. Yeah. I don't think you're drinking uh Sprite oh. or whatever it was you thought you were drinking. What are you drinking now? Antifreeze. Okay. <laughs> That's how it goes. Rice Darby. So I associate him with uh, Fly of the Concords exclusively. Yes. And he's had his little, you know, he's had his other roles, but oh. he did so well in that show, being the manager who was oblivious. And when he yeah, comes he- on as the NPC, he did such a great job. That weird, enthusi- that cut enthusiasm that he had. Welcome to Jumanji. And then they would just, you know, ask him a question. He would do the same thing over and over again. He was fantastic. I love that little it, touch. It, it, it's basically what he did in every episode of Fire of the Concords. Correct. Bobby Cannavale, terrible. Men felt, didn't care. Centipede in the face. Who cares? Yeah. Nick, yeah. Joan, Nick Jonas as Alex. Who cares? Yeah. yeah That's for the kids. That's for the kids. I, I really hated the, the dramatic reveal of him that we were like, who? Really? <laughs> no, I mean, I, I don't know. I thought that was fine to bridge it. I thought it was an interesting parallel about being trapped forever, just like in the original movie, being trapped forever. Let me ask you this. In terms of the settings, because they made a big deal about the different settings of the world being like the levels that you pass, and them in that meta way, they're playing 
the the people playing the game. So like, well, we have to find the map, we have to find the clues, we have to get to the next level. Which, mm-hmm. as an audience, that was at least for our age, that was very, very, very relatable, right? Yeah. They were like escorting us through the game, just like Rice Darby's was escorting them. What did you think about the linear construct of them working their way through that world? Did you find that like adventurous or did you find it tedious? I thought it was necessary for the plot, right? Because it was a video game. And so they had to follow this progression. And like most of those types of games that I've ever played, it is a very linear stage gate kind of approach to it. But what I appreciate is that there was so much chaos and the characters just trying to figure out what the fuck. <laughs> like, <laughs> like your your gaming experience is one hundred percent lounge lizard Larry or whatever that is. And no, it's we Monopoly. don't want to hear about that. Monopoly. <laughs> it was super fun. I loved how they overlaid like the puzzle view of the world, and you would see the borders of each level would show up and then yeah. figure out what they need to do to get to the next level. I like that stuff. It was very uh relatable to our generation of gamers wouldn't you say you would say no we would not say we you would say that but, but what i also really enjoyed about it was them finding out what superpowers they had and how yes. they were needed to fulfill the mission and uh, back to karen and the conversation about her that scene where she had to do the the so-called the okay. sexy dance, dance for the guy for the guards yeah dance fighting that that was friggin' Priceless. I collected some notes about this movie, and one of those notes involves the fact that despite Dwayne Johnson and Kevin Hart having a very well-documented, you know, sort of exercise routine, you know, all mm-hmm. the mess building stuff, she has, she was the one that had the most physical training for this movie. Oh. What are you drinking? Amsterdam gin? I'm a, yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> she was the one that had the most... You should see his face, man. She, he looks like the cartoon that we're not seeing. So she was the one that had the most physical training to do her moves. And her moves were dance moves. Dance fighting moves. When have we ever seen that before? Dance fighting? Yeah. I'm sure it's been around. No, somewhere. it's never been around. Sling Blade? <laughs> no. Yeah, that was really featured in Sling Blade. Oh, wait, I'm thinking Blade. Sorry. <laughs> You're <laughs> thinking Blade. <laughs> Blade, the movie you kept insert you kept inserting into the Black Panther conversation. Some, even though some sweet banjo music playing, we have culturally mm, accept- some French fried potatoes and vampires. <laughs> Blake, we established mm. you can't make Blade references in the Black mm. Panther review. You can't mm. make them in Jumanji. Mm. <laughs> This is right off the rails, man. <laughs> Let's go to the edit. No, you, no, there's no edits, man. This is live recording. This is it, what it is. Do you mm. know that there's an actor named Sir Jarius Bryan? He played young Fridge. Who fills out their Screen Actors Guild card and says, Yeah, isn't that a Sir ridiculous Darius. name? It sounds like he forgot to change it from his porn career. Yeah, fuck that guy. Yeah, really? Fuck that guy. So, all right, before I get into my nuance on this, the little tidbits on this movie hmm. was there anything you would have liked to have seen done differently than what was done uh different villain would really be about oh, yeah for me. i did, i liked did so you guys much, so much more than i had any right to that i really can't complain <laughs> chris did you see uh wreck it ralph no i have not what 
that's a good that's a good movie go see that it's movie. a weird hole in my my two watch list that i just haven't seen it it's the disney stuff is hard to find if you don't like buy the disc yeah but basically. if you don't use lack of kids as an excuse not to see these movies because <laughs> I thought that was a plot line in Tron. Yeah. Can't find the disc. I, I, can't find I haven't the seen disc. The, the new Tron either. I should admit. Insert disc. That's at the end of it. 50 minute movie. <laughs> Fuck. I don't know where the disc is. <laughs> do you know back in the day when I had my first computer at a Commodore 64, I would do my chores and my dad would say, you get 20 minutes of game. And I would say, sweet. And I go to my Commodore 64. Guys, this is real. I would go to my Commodore 64, and I would put in the thing for Bruce Lee, and I would type load, quote, Bruce Lee, quote, comma, eight, comma, one. And it would say loading, and then 20 minutes. Because it was a cassette tape loading of the game. And guess how long I had to play games? 15 minutes. <laughs> my dad would show up and say, back to work. And I was like, but Bruce Lee hasn't loaded yet. And he would say... I give him zero shits. And, and that's, he that's the, the story the of my childhood. out and whipped you? No, he did not do that, but that's the story of my childhood. Watching a cassette tape, try to load video games, and running out of time before I had to do more chores. So The first video game I ever had was a, just like the classic Nintendo. Nintendo, for fuck's sake. That's like second generation. Third generation, maybe. <laughs> I played the Atari on someone else's... What are you, like 21? Me? How old am I? Yeah. You're like 21. You're like, the first (laughs) game I ever played was a PS3. I'm sorry I didn't turn 52 three days ago, Tom. That's Blake, actually. (laughs) 53, mofo. Blake, what was your your first computer? Um, Wow. The first one that I owned? The first one that I owned? Yeah. TRS-80. Yeah, Trash-80, I told you. Blake, little Blake was sitting in his room writing a logo script. He's like, logo, go make a square over and over and over again. I know you did. Yeah. And the first video game I actually had was Atari. The real, the old ones where the, all he had was Pong and Tank Battle. Oh, I love that <laughs> shit. Yeah, the, uh, and I, I remember the first computer class. We actually loaded cards. I, I, I learned, <laughs> I, I learned, I, I learned on the Trash 80 to, to Chris that this is all like fucking Arabic. But yeah, I had like, a 95, I learned, Windows 95. Windows 95 was his, <laughs> was his, his root system. No, but, you know, I learned in the Trash 80 in kindergarten or something like that, right? Like ma- building shape. Using the No, I was using, you're like, I was in seventh grade. No, no. You you would just use coordinates. I was three weeks out of the womb and I was rewiring Zener diodes. Logo, no, no. Logo on the Trash 80 was basically Cartesian coordinates, right? You were just typing that stuff in. Oh, I thought but, it was a six tenths, and you just had to like align to the stars and hit go. The first, the first computer I actually had at the house was Commodore sixty four, and then I update, I upgraded to the Atari. No, no, the Amiga. Yeah, is that an Atari? Amiga? No, no. it was. It was. Was it? Yes, maybe. No, Commodore Amiga. Yeah, and I took that to college, and. There it goes. It's in a landfill somewhere after that. So, so it's in a super fun site. Super fun, super fun Amiga. So here's my thing about Ram, uh, no, not Rampage, uh, Jumanji. Let me ask you this: What did you Rampage. think about Jonas as the kid that's in there that turns out to be related to the original movie? That's like appealing to the teenagers, right? 
Right, but that was the one thing I would have changed. That that yes. kind of throwback thing, plot element. I, um, and then the the multiverse go back and change the creepy house into a happy family home. Um, I, I understand it, it was kind of need for the feel good family thing, but if you ask me if there's one thing I would change, it would be that. I'd be okay with that. So I think so that's gold, man. Did you like the movie or not? I love Jumanji. I think we established that in their first sentence about you this. Did. <laughs> you did. You did. Tom, have you been day drinking? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> did you fill your sound booth with ethanol again? <laughs> <laughs> I wish, man. That is so soft. Hey, you so know, soft. There's nothing better than bobbing for apples than bobbing for apples in Everclear. I, yeah. I have noticed that his his form has slowly slumped to the side. <laughs> Gravity's a bitch, man. <laughs> it's guys. A- I have a question, Blake. Blake, Tom. Tom. I have a question. Tom. If you were to be transported spontaneously into a video game universe what kind of character would you be hmm. Blake what kind of yeah, character no, would you no, be um, I think I'd probably be like uh, Luigi incorrect <laughs> the taller brother <laughs> his only distinguishing feature <laughs> Right. <laughs> <laughs> is one of the Mario brothers drunker than the other? <laughs> yes. Oh, have you guys seen The Ritual? It's no. excellent. What is it? It's on Netflix. You should watch it. No, no. It, it's got to be Minka Merciless. There you go. What? It is. Chris. I would, I would, I would inevitably be the, the, the fat nerd. Dr. TC. Yes, you got. You have to tell us our video game characters. We thought about this, and now the you, have the, you have the answers. All right, so here it is. If I were to imagine myself in a video game, I would imagine myself as the cool dude has all the tricks, all Wrong. the tech, all the hacking stuff. In the Isle of Dogs, if you were to see it, the hacker. However, hey, I would have seen that today if it had come to my theater. Yeah, man. if you had been in whatever was not Ben Inkle, West Kansas. But here's the thing. <laughs> In reality, yeah. In reality, I would not have been that guy. I've been right ankle, Ben ankle. I've been right ankle, grip high. Guys, if guys, if I had not been the cool hacker kid, because I really don't hack anything. I really just set up operating systems. But anyway, if I, in reality, I would probably be the guy who is the narrator who introduces the game. And then dies. Right? What the fuck? That's exactly what I would be. Guys, here's the thing. Go over there. Go to the tree. Get the gem. And then I would be killed by an ogre. Wreck-It Ralph. Wrong. Incorrect. What would I be in Wreck-It Ralph? (laughs) You'd be Wreck-It Ralph. (laughs) I do a mean... I I do a mean impression of the king to impress my children. There's a king in Wreck-It Ralph? What? I thought it was a dentist. All right. Fresh Guys. takes for your hot kicks. <laughs> like, yes. I want you to specify both a red tentacle and a bad octopus for Jumanji. Red tentacle being the best possible moment that you enjoyed, and the bad octopus being whatever's the opposite of that. No. So the red tentacle yes. would be the hippo scene eating the Jack Black. I like that. that. That was incredible. It was great. 
right? Yes. And then the stripper gripper, what was it? The black what? octopus? What? No, the red octopus. What? So it would have been uh, it would have been the scene with the helicopter in the bag and all that. Yep. Period. The, the miracle scene coming off. It was a it was kind of a Chachi and Joni Shark Tank thing. I get it. For me. The Chachi and Joni Shark Tank thing, which we all appreciate. Yeah, that that's not a dated reference at all. Chris, what Shut was up, your people. what was your red Shut tentacle? Up. <laughs> Chris, what was your red tentacle and your bad octopus for the uh, my red tentacle was the scene where they're standing just after they get there and the rock's trying not to cry. He's trying not to cry. And she's like, he's so dreamy. And he's standing there, don't cry, don't cry. I think he was just great in that spot there. I loved it. You guys stop getting so close to the camera, both of you. He's what's already bad. What's your bad octopus? bad octopus was the bad guy. Yeah, he Captain really Boring. was. He just really in general. Was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My yeah. red tentacle is the opening... <laughs> reveal of all the main characters when they when they discovered yeah. that they were not what they expected they would be ah. specifically Dwayne Johnson and <clears throat> Black and their responses to it I cannot even with this place and where's my phone where's my phone right <laughs> also my bad octopus would be specifically when dipshit had the centipede crawling under his skin and he didn't care and we don't care yeah that movie could have been seven minutes shorter, right. and we would have been happier for it. All right, so guys, bar- no, it's a it's a it's a barca lounger of doom. Let's get it right. <laughs> That's Blake. why the dog's in it, dude. It's the Blake. barca lounger. Wait, we have a plan plundering, and we also have a run fueled, rum fueled recommendations. One is stuff we plan to see. One is stuff we've already seen that we want to tell the other one to see it because we want to feel better than the other person because we saw it first. So, <laughs> let's start with that one. Run fueled recommendations. Blake, what so have you seen? Is... What have you seen that you think that we're lame because we haven't seen it yet? I've already said it. Counterpart. Wrong. 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 Something else. Okay. Um, Not wronging people, you robot. What? Okay. <laughs> Blake, what yes. else? Um, what else have you seen recently you think we should see? Detour. What? Yeah. What oh, is that? Oh, oh, yes, yes, yes. That's on my list. I'll see yeah. that in 2020, probably. Yeah. Yep. Please explain. It's a it's a, a show about a family that has to go on the run because they've committed, they think they've committed some criminal acts and they have to go on the lamb and it's a, a pretty funny show. Who's in that? Oh, people. <laughs> oh, I like shows with people. Sold. <laughs> all, all parts played by... Ernest Borgnine. Yes. <laughs> I, I still, I still, so I'm just going to put out there. If anybody knows where to get some of the Ernest Borgnine cologne that he what? released during Airwolf. Stop. <laughs> called, stop. No. All stop. If, if just because said, some of us have had more. Knows, no, and, no. It was called, and it was called Ernie. Blake. Please. If anybody out there on planet Earth knows where to get some Ernie. Blake. Blake, listen to this. Don't bullshit me, man. Anybody in detour. <laughs> don't drink the Ernie. Don't bullshit Tom. Don't, don't drink tell the Ernie. Me to go eBay Ernie the cologne. Ernest Borgnine. Yes. It's incorrect. No, it's brilliant. I'm doing it right now. <laughs> <laughs> I've been told by an eminent scientist. Mm-hmm. Eminent, eminent scientist. 
Chris is already checking out. He's like doing his other podcast. <laughs> so like, my favorite part is that it said, "Did did you mean Ernie Colon?" <laughs> <laughs> did, did you mean Astro Astro Asterisk Ernie? All right. So the the third link on this is Raccoon Urine Colon. <laughs> <laughs> some, some, some problem with my search is eBay came up and it. Ebay is trying to search eBay. <laughs> eBay is trying to search eBay, and it's just giving me a sad face. There it is. I mean, there it is. Oh, Trump's yeah, America right there. yeah, uh, baby. So, Ernie, the fucking cologne. <laughs> so, so what's your uh, rum-filled recommendation, Tom? Oh, me? Yes. Don't do that. All right. So now, tell me. Say it. I have Say a few. It. I have a few. One is that I've started watching the sweet, sweet Jessica Jones season two. Ah, who you among like it you, as well as the first season? Who among you have seen it? Not me. I have not. Check I'm rewatching the first season before I watch it. You're weird. You have no time. Why would you do that? So I don't know. I, I actually think no, no. So I've I've read some middling reviews online, but I have to tell you, I think it's very interesting. It's all character driven. You know, it's but, it's the, but it's the same thing on the first season. Thought yeah, it was the cares? slow burn, character driven, yeah, and they were right. wrong. So what's? Yeah. They were not yeah. wrong. They were right. No, but they, <laughs> no, because they said it was a slow burn, character driven, and it sucked because of that. They're wrong because They're it was great because That's of right. that. That's right. In in the world of, you know, splash playing, everything is amazing. Explosions, nukes, every episode. It's nice to have a show that is just a slow burn about. The characters interacting with each other and dealing with their own demons. I think it's fantastic. So, and then there's Iron Fist. No. <laughs> also, last night I saw Isle of Dogs by Wes Anderson. What do you think about that? Can't wait to see it. Seen it yet. Why Can't wait f- to see it. What are you doing? It, it looks hit and miss for me. What are you doing? Sitting around. I, I looked, and the closest showing was 189 miles from my <laughs> nonsense. That element will run forever. <laughs> Just hop in it, and we'll see you like you know Monday. <laughs> so I love dogs. I want to talk about it in more detail, but I will say this: it is not his best. Mm-hmm. I recently have decided that I think Fantastic Mr. Fox might be his most pure Wes Anderson film. Really? I think uh no no, I think I think uh Grand Budapest Hotel was his most enjoyable Wes Anderson film, but I think Fantastic Mr. Fox is his most Wes Anderson, right? Divorced of all of the all of the parameters and he's just going full tilt with the puppets, just going crazy. It feels the most him, right? Mm-hmm. Watching it recently with my kids, I loved it. The thing about Isle of Dogs is that it's dire. Yeah, it looks like it's really not an uplifting movie necessarily. It's dire. It's like depressing, like a little bit overwhelming. If you love pets, and I know you do. Blake, not so sure. You love pets. (laughs) Blake loves half a pet. He likes the one that's big, but not so much the one that's little, but... That's actually, that, 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 that's actually a one dog unit. It's not half a dog unit. <laughs> one dog Blaster, unit. Blaster unit. Yeah. 
the master blaster. But no, no, but seriously though, we saw it thinking my kids were excited about it. My and my wife and I saw it yesterday, and we're like, we cannot see we cannot see this with the kids for like three years because it's so somber in its implications, even as it's celebrating what you love about having pets. Okay, but I'm going to say the best Wes Anderson movie to me is Royal Tenenbaums. Sorry, I love that movie. Also, I love all his other movies. See, and I need to rewatch all of them. I I haven't seen any of them besides Moonrise Kingdom in years, possibly. Should we do a Wes Anderson episode? All of the movies. In which you you say which is your best and your favorite movie, and we say wrong is the other movie. I'll have to see what I can track down to watch. I only own a few of them on DVD, but I'd be game. Blockbuster's got them all, man. Blockbuster. Blake. I actually do have two video uh, rental stores in town still. A video drone. <laughs> I, I believe one is called the Video Stop. I love and it. And the other one is <laughs> Rentals. But we're all we're of the generation that remembers that, and we and we have fond memories of going yeah, in those do. places with their musky, weird, you know, VHS. Library. If you listen to the podcast at all, my, my co-host Devin was known for a long time as being that weird guy that would be judgmental of what you rented at the video store. No, uh, no. So, Blake, what do you think is the most quintessential Wes Anderson film? Sneak preview. Oh, we're doing an episode on it now. Royal Tenenbaums. Real? Really? Yeah. Don't you think that's the hardest one to get into as a fan of the stuff that, no? that's the one that i've loved the most really like yep. fantastic mr fox was him having all the tools that he wanted at his disposal like watching that with my kids the whimsy is there when you see i love dogs you will find we will talk about it later when you see it late <coughs> to the party but you will find that the 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 whimsy is not as is prominent and it's a little bit That was bit my concern dire. watching the trailer is that it doesn't seem nearly as whimsical. Your concern is correct. It is not whimsical. They put the dogs on the island and they isolate them and then they want to kill them. However, the puppetry is much better. That wouldn't take much. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> is that all you have for recommendations, Tom? For me. What about you? Um, I've, I've seen a couple of movies lately that I've really liked. Um, I talked about the ritual a little bit and we actually did an episode of it on my other podcast. Um, it's like the village. If the village was good. What? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, um, sort of Lovecraftian culty monster things in the woods with European backpackers. So it's pretty awesome. Um, I also watched, uh, what did I watch just the other night? I'm bringing up my my app that's tracking my viewing because I'm terrible at remembering. Hold on, Baywatch. Dude, no, um, I did not watch Baywatch. I watched Everly, which was not great, but it's a um, Penelope Cruz. I like her. Or no, Salma Hayek. Uh, just kind <laughs> of like over the top grindhouse type movie. Kind of racist. Uh, but I just got done watching the two. Wind River. What? Wind River, uh, which is a um, stars Jeremy Renner and Elizabeth Olsen. Oh, right, right, right. How was that? The hunter in Wyoming, maybe. And they they find a body frozen in the snow, and she comes out as an FBI agent. And it's good. It's not great, but I did enjoy it. It's on Netflix. 
It looked good. Yeah, yeah. It's it's filmed really well. The story's just there's not a lot to it, but it, it's a it's a great movie. I enjoyed it. And that's about it. I've been rewatching the Del Toro the Del Toro movies right now because I'm working on a piece for an art book. So that's basically all I've done. You're too slow. Yeah. Oh, and I watched Sneaky Pete. Have either of you guys seen that? Oh, I want to. I I really like that series. They just released the second season on Amazon Prime, and it's uh, Giovanni Urbisi playing a con man who gets out of prison and takes the the place of his prison uh, cellmate and like kind of integrates himself into their family. And there's all sorts of twistiness, and I, I it's really good. Plan plundering, Blake. <laughs> what do you plan to plunder? Well, besides the obvious, <laughs> right? Uh, Avengers, uh, Infinity War. I mean, the, the, no. I'm gonna wait for video. Yeah, um, I I would like to see Sherlock Gnomes and Tomb Raider. No, incorrect. So you're the one emailed me <laughs> today that said you were down for the. Marvel oh, Marathon. The Marvel Marathon. Of the, all the movies together. You, wow. That's who, like 73 hours. Yeah, this is Blake Simmons. Blake Bornigan Simmons. Always Someone in a has plane, more time than I do. But <laughs> in a plane. Coach. Who like I can never get together with. Who's like, let's do 42 hours of Marvel movies. Yes. Bullshit. <laughs> no. It'll be great. Hey, Blake. You bullshit. should do it. Bullshit. You should live stream that. I shit. just want to get the Avengers we, we, book. We, we we couldn't even get no pain, no gain uh, through with. No, we could because we rented it. We sat in a rental house because we knew that the movie was so badass. We couldn't yes. risk our own houses. We had to have a <laughs> rental house to watch it in for you to drain a bottle of bullet and watch that yeah. movie and then have night terrors. And yes, it was I, amazing. I was on a rampage. It was amazing. <laughs> it was a rampage-filled movie. It was amazing. But yeah, I can't wait to see Tomb Raider. It's going to be awesome. There was it pain was and fun. there was gain. Tomb Raider. So that's getting a lot of really strange reviews, right? Like, I can't yeah, decide. Yeah, super mixed. Are the people that are giving it, you know, whatever it is, thumbs down? Are they, like, video game fans or... Like I don't I know read what too it much is. Into it because I, I think I'm seeing it, and I don't want like spoilers. I just think it's Angelina Jolie just, doing bots. No, it's just a bot farm. Incorrect. Chris, I've sent you a couple of photos, rever- referential photos of Alicia Vikander, and you would have to agree with me. Reverential or referential? Referential, both, and you would have to agree with me. Oscar award-winning Tomb Raider, right? Legs? Yes. Oh yes, Tomb Raider. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I, I almost saw that today, actually, when I saw that Isle of Dogs wasn't playing. I just I went to Tomb Raider, but we ended up making soap all day, and I didn't go to a movie instead. So did you put down the soap, and you went to a theater, and you were like, give me Isle of Dogs, and they said no? No, I looked on my movie pass app. Oh, you had to go 180 miles. What's that? You had to go 180 miles to go see it. Yeah, yeah, that was the closest showing. Tomb Raider, Tomb Raider was only 300 miles. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I bet that's going to be a good movie for anyone who hasn't played the mo- played the game and just saw the movie as it was. I bet it would be great. I think I it's going it to be... looks a lot like the, the newer Tomb Raider that they came yeah. out with, which I haven't played, but I've heard it's good. I like her. 
We know. We've seen be, your shrine. Be, be Arthur as Tomb Raider. Be super rad. <laughs> Sold. Mod. <laughs> plan plundering, guys. What do you plan yes. to plunder? I'm reliving the same day over and over. What do you plan to plunder? What? He's planning Tomb Raider, Tom. I'm moving forward. Right, yeah, it should be on I'm your just moving forward, there. man. It's okay, like, okay, Tom. What's your plan plundering besides? Yeah. Oh, I'll tell you. Expanse is coming back in a big way. And Blake, you have been a naysayer, but it's going to be amazing. No, no. I'm a naysayer in the trailers. I can't wait to see the series. Where are you guys on the, the reading of the novels? Because I know you're all, all of them. All done. All of them. You both? Plus Even the all extra. the novellas. I've read yes. all the novellas and wow. the books. Novellas and expanded versions and also the novellas. All of those. Yep. Wow. Chris, what the fuck, yes. man? We I've read none you. of them. We I, I acquired you. them and sent them to you, but I have not read any of them. <laughs> <laughs> I even bought more than what you sent me. Legitimately. And why have you not read them? Because Because I'm in the middle of three books that I'm supposed to be reading for review copies and I'm having a hard time slogging through them. So I haven't started anything else. That Lewis and Book Club. Blake. Blake. In light of the fact of what we've read. Yes. Why do they even bother broadcasting it? Why don't they just send a bunch of meth to everybody and just have them just sit in their living room and just imagine. And they, would, really good, they would still be wrong, that's, right? That's, that's yeah. called reading the book, Tom. Yeah. That's a, that's a <laughs> more that's than a that. Really, that's a really interesting public service announcement. Um, <laughs> on, on how to start the meth fuel book club of the month. That's, uh, that's nice. There's more than a little bit of think, that in that. But, 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 but I think Betsy DeVos probably would support that 150%. She might. Yeah. The, the pure imagination meth fueled book club. Yeah, Chris, it's <laughs> yes. amazing. You have to read it. Chris. Okay, it's on my my extended plan to plundering. You say that, and then you're like, "Hey, man, I was trying to like play Pitfall, and it wouldn't work on my emulator. What should I do, comma Tom?" And I'm like, "Read fucking expands all the books," and you're like, "Okay, but so comma <laughs> no, read the books. That's all you have to do." Also, comma. I feel like I've gone down a conversational K-hole. Santa, no. Santa, <laughs> Santa Clarita Diet. I'm looking forward to watching that. Season the two. The second season? Yes. Not the first season. Also, Ready Player Three. Well, yeah, what do you think about that thing? Have, have you guys read the book? No. The fuck do I look like? It's, it's <laughs> like I have this weird group of my friends online that that's like the only book they've read in years. It's the strangest thing. Like it's they 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 read like Harry Potter, and then this book. The Ready Player One people are so rabid about it. Like, shut up, man! It's great. Well, and I've heard that the movie's nothing like the book. Really? Yeah. Like I've I've read a couple of my friends posting now that are very disappointed at how different it is from the book. So like Ender's Game. What's yeah, up? Right. Yeah. Ender's Game. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. I actually a... didn't hate that movie, but it was I didn't either. Yeah. Well yeah. I I was a I'm a huge Ender's Game was a seminal book in my yes. sci fi yeah. reading. And uh, I was just so livid 
they would they would take this opportunity and uh yeah and even like a decent cast and everything and they just shit all over it it wasn't a bad science fiction movie but it wasn't ender's game and it definitely wasn't what it deserved all right wait hold on hold on hold on it really missed all the key points from the novel other than all the key points, <laughs> oh, no. but, but so I would, I, would, I, would, I would say that they no, they, I mean, they, you know. they, but they really gave short shrift to the the dilemma that the society was facing about the exploitation of youth. That they put all these kids into this farm because they had the better twitch reflex, and then right. the, and then and then the whole xenophobia uh, and misunderstanding and lack of communication leading to this all out onslaught, and then a moment of crisis. Over and that happened over several books, not just one. So it, um, I think well, it, it was it, written and directed by the guy that did X Men Origins. So, yeah. <laughs> did you think that one, that one movie that should be a part of a spanning series of several films? Did you think that one movie didn't establish the parameters for that character properly? Because I, I thought they, it did. Well, no, it, they they established the parameters for the kid. I just thought that the plot and the screenwriting. And the character development was flawed. Oh, that's, the end point. that's smaller, the, smaller stuff, details. No, but they, they got to the end point, which is to set up the next movie. But and, everything and then in between, they didn't do it. yeah, everything in between was just a shallow exercise to get to the end of the movie. My favorite book was uh, Speaker for the Dead. I love that that he was in repentance for everything he had done. Mm-hmm. I think if they had started the movie as Speaker of the Dead and shown what he had done in flashback, it would have been more powerful. I've never read any of them but the first book. My problem is that, uh, I loved the first book, and I thought it was really, really well done. And I just didn't have any need to go revisit it beyond that for me. Yeah, I know. But Speaker for the Dead was pretty was pretty profound because he was... I mean, by the time that came out, I knew about the writer himself. And yeah, that's yeah. a big thing. That's a yeah, huge yeah. thing. Yeah, I couldn't remove myself from that. I can't read any more of his stuff, for real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. same reason. Yeah. Chris, plan <laughs> plundering. Um, I just got done ordering the first three trades in the uh, Darwin Cook adaptation of the Parker books. Ooh. Oh, yes. Nicely done. And I'm very excited about them. Unfortunately, they're shipping via Turtle from Nevada and won't mm. be here until, like, April 5th. That's so- weird. What's Turtle? What's Turtle? Yeah, or maybe it's like uh, some sort of desert tortoise, I guess, since it's okay. Nevada. Yeah, they, they don't have the right uh, aerodynamics for the desert. The, um, yeah, yeah. but I'm excited it... about them. I, I love the Parker series of books, and I think Darwin Cook does a great job with them. But I've only read one of the trades previously, and I was talking to Tom about Darwin Cook and his art style and stuff, and I happened yes. to notice that they had all three of them on eBay for less than 20 bucks, And I was like, hmm. well... I don't have 20 bucks, but I can't pass that up. So, so it's coming <laughs> in May, June. Yeah. Yeah. In April sometime after I get back from California. Are, that, are they actually like printing the book on a, I think it's possible. Yeah, they may actually have Darwin cooks corpse on a tortoise with some sort of machine. That's rude. A Commodore 64. <laughs> Amiga, man. <laughs> That's the reason. Just a paintbrush and a windmill and a dot matrix printer. So when you come by, you're gonna watch. You're gonna come pick up my Darwin Cook Justice League. Series. Yeah, I'm gonna steal your New Frontier, whatever it is. New Frontier. Yeah. I look at this and I think they should have just stopped 
after this. Just stopped. Just canceled DC. Yeah, because look at what they do now. It's just bullshit, right? I, I haven't read a DC comic since then. Get off my lawn. Listen, old man, you don't want to fuck with me. Did you hear me? I said get off my lawn now. All right, so we've had our plan and plundering. We've had our rum recommendations. Anything else, you guys, for this particular recording? No, I think... Repeat viewings of Jumanji to find the nuance and the detail. Yeah, out on subtext right now. Yep. Dude, that Ernest Borgnine thing, that's a a tough find, man. I'm going to have to go into the the red tube to find that. Chris, Chris, don't go to red tube. (laughs) And type in Ernest Borgnine. Do not. Do not. I cannot cannot protect you from the evils that you'll find. The rule 34 problems that you will unearth. But did, did you ever see Airwolf as a kid? Yeah, I loved Airwolf. You, you were a toddler, right? You were teething to that, right? Dan Michael Vincent. Dan Michael Vincent. Before he was crashing things in real life? I think I, was, I wasn't I was that young when that was on. That was, that was a golden age of TV. You had Knight Rider and Airwolf, dude. That you was and I awesome. are all of us. I, I, like, based my hair off of MacGyver, so. You, you kind of did. The special episodes. The very special episodes. Blake. It was 80, 84 to 86. So I was yeah. like six to eight. So I was young, but. Nine minutes in, and your dog is still sniffing that seat. That's weird. So, Blake. Yes. Airwolf. Yes. You and I basically felt validated that you know you've made it in the world if Ernest Borgnine's going to sit behind you going, shoot the missile! Like, every single time, right? Yes. No, it, he was he was Scotty in a helicopter. He was. He really was. Yeah, yes, he was. That's brilliant. <laughs> Listen, all things considered, guys, it was a pretty what, what better, good... What better wing person in a tactical Ernest Borgnine. as someone who can't turn his head? <laughs> Keep in mind that, like, I mean, come on, it's obvious. Blake, setting aside Blake's weirdness about Ernest Borgnine aside, it was a good movie we saw. Yes, we enjoyed it. There were current events we loved. There were future viewings we enjoy. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you: there's, there's a three chairs of the apocalypse. <laughs> In the end of it all, I want to know this. Who will die in Avengers Infinity War? Chris, go. Who's going to die? Captain America. All of them. You're wrong. All of them. All of them will die. Blake, no, who's going who's to die? Uh, Captain America, Black Widow. And, Vision. Uh, and I don't think Vision. Those, you don't think so? No. Um, I feel like one of the Guardians. <laughs> yeah. I, who's, I, I, who's the disposable Guardian? The love interest. Yeah. Love no, I, think, I think the love yeah. Do you guys think? Mantis, do you guys think it's going to come back? Do you guys think it's going to come back as one of those like go back in time or multiverse things? Or... Nope. See, I think I think Captain America is going to die, and Tony Stark going to be so upset about it that he retires, and that's where we'll get the new Tony Stark, like a and new then, Iron Man, and then Captain America. Downey Jr.'s been wanting to out for a while now. I don't right. know. That's my guess. What like, about you, Tom? Drax. One hundred percent Drax. Also, uh, what? yeah. Also, Great Lakes Avengers probably. Yeah, yeah, Great Lakes. <laughs> Miss Eerie. You'll think when Vision is dying in Infinity War, they'll put him in a bag of rice and hope for the best. Good night, Moon Knight. No. <laughs> <laughs> Good 
Good night, Moon Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, that's brilliant. I approve. <laughs> <laughs>